I order all of you in the name of the Queen to listen to the following. I love gay people. The whole damn thing is your fault, I just want to point out. How so, is it my what fault? Do do? Is this because of that time you called me from work and told someone I was your mother? I just burnt my nose because I snorted coffee. You're always on mute. What is your setup you. like that you go on mute when you're not using Skype? I mean, if anyone's going to be stalked around here, it's going to be me. Am I a boy? Jen, what the hell's in your pants? Jen, you don't have a penis. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm not a man. When did you I just figure that out? Where's Mike? He thinks that nobody knows as much as he does, and he's wrong. <laughs> when does Mike ever think anything that is right? Because he sounds like a real winner. There's like six of us trying to figure out how we're going to be there to record it. P.S. is like, does it help that it's not on? I love it. You don't know how excited I am. Actually, I was surprised it was actually good because I think Mike has terrible taste. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. I can't sleep with Jen because Saul can't sleep with Bill? Because you might have to hold my hand. And it says, male, 21 years old, single, dot, 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 how, I just don't know. Someone's got tickets on himself, and it's so big, but it's awesome. The best headache remedy in the world is sex. Sex is all that matters. I think Ryan and Jen as friends is more interesting than Ryan and Jen having sex together. Far out, my brain's gone dead. Oh, well, I was just drunk. I will cut anybody who disagrees with me and thinks that Sarah Palin isn't the biggest idiot in the world. Okay, let's keep her away from Chi. No, Chi actually doesn't like her either anymore. A couple of days ago, she was saying she was a big fan. Yeah, I always like oh, she. Oh, she must be blind to me then. I do what I can. Ryan lies and makes stuff up. Well, that's true. He's a blind liar. Yeah. He's the king of hyperbole. Synecdoche. I love that term. Ooh, that's yeah. awesome. Adding Scott to the call. Batten down the hatches. <laughs> My mother has balls of steel. You have to hear... What the hell P.S. did? P.S. was a murder suspect. I was not a murder P.S. Suspect. There's no way the police did not suspect you. Are you serious? I, I didn't do someone it. Someone went missing. I didn't kill anybody. It wasn't my fault. How could it be my fault? You had smothered the computer P.S. They- that detail is totally untrue. It was definitely around the time I started listening to the podcast. What about me says that I would like that piece of trash? I've got really good taste. You have all this money and then you write the check for rent and then all of a sudden you don't have money? Mm-hmm. I hate when that happens. I want an iPhone. Ah, phone. Where And now, part of it weekly. Amelie sent me a message tonight. Have you seen Caprica? I'm like, you are obviously not subscribed to the Pofor Exchange. You're like, I'm afraid my favorite characters are going to die. Who are your favorite characters? Saul and Callie. I'm like, all right. And then, <laughs> then I'm like, what do you think of Ty? Oh, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> he's sitting right next to me. That sounded like wow, the biggest laugh in the world. Wow, laugh I've heard. He's sitting right next to me. He can nod and his knees bend and... Oh my God, you're playing with Colonel Ty now, aren't you? I am. I can move his arms and and he. I thought you were gonna say crotch. I almost just snorted. (laughs) What the hell is wrong with you? I don't know. It sounds like he has. He came with little stuff. He came with a clipboard. Oh Oh. God, he's got a clipboard. (laughs) He came with a clipboard. I'll take a picture of it. How many eyes does he have? One. Okay. 
He can't hold his clipboard or his bottle of booze. I find that very sad. He can move all his joints, but he can't hold the stuff he came with. His fingers are too far apart. He's disabled. (laughs) I know, he is. Poor Saul. I have Keza here temporarily. Keza hasn't actually read the fic, which means technically (laughs) she should be ready to go and podcast. This could be one of the funnier things that's ever happened in my experience with Poofwa, and I think we need to weigh in right away. Why are you pronouncing it Poofwa? Just because I can. (laughs) So we're just going to introduce ourselves, and I'll take it from there, all right? Okay. Back to Parfic Weekly. This is Ryan from the future. This is Ryan from the future. Keep going. Keep going. This is Sue from the future. I'm listening to Parfic Weekly, and I start laughing my ass off. So I'm trying to walk around, but I'm trying not to look like a freaking moron, because I've heard all you people talking. Like, I've only hit gas stations with my car, but I've never done the public (laughs) humiliation thing before. So I'm trying to hold, like, a hat over my face so I don't look like a moron. Now I look like I'm trying to rob a bank. Like, it just wasn't a good situation. So finally I get back to work, and I calm myself down. I think about death. I'm like, Moaning Myrtle, and I continue to listen to the podcast. I thought you meant you thought about death roll. <laughs> that would be stranger. So I'm sitting at my desk, and one of my coworkers comes over and taps me on the shoulder. And I take my headphones off, and I'm like, what's going on? They're like, we've all been talking for a few minutes, and we'd like to know what the hell is so funny. <laughs> so I said, nothing at all, nothing at all. Everything's fine. They're like, it's that podcast thing you do, isn't it? I'm like, no, not at all. Because <laughs> here's the thing. I try and keep, like, a separation of church and state. Like, I have, there's podcast Ryan, and then there's work Ryan, and then there's family Ryan. And aside from a few abnormalities, we try not to let these worlds collide. Because then I can't bitch about my coworkers on the podcast, and I can't bitch about my mother at work. It, it doesn't work well. So they're like, well, what's up with this podcast thing that you do anyway? You said it was like a reading group. I'm like, yes, it's a reading group. The podcast is a reading group. And they're like, well, we would like to hear the podcast. I'm like, oh, no, I'm sorry. that We, we, we can't allow that. That can't happen because I would have to get a new job if we did that. They're like, ah, we don't care. We're finding your podcast. So they went back to their desk. All I'm thinking is they're going to type in a few words and they're going to pull up the podcast you know, over Google, the whole office will be listening in the, you know, over in, you know, workstation B, they're going to be listening to Jen's car rolling down the road. I feel like those sitcoms where the, well, like Alf is going to get taken by the military and they're going to dissect him to find out what makes him tick. Now, here's the thing. We have directors of marketing at Pufwa and we have public relations people and we are making it our job to make sure this podcast is accessible to the entire fandom in the free world. That's their only job, to make sure that no one can miss Potterfic <laughs> Weekly, all right? They sat down. They have been trying for six days. They can still not find the podcast. So my coworker, we're going to call her Beth, she's like Gladys Kravitz trying to catch Samantha Stevens doing magic. She's making her goal in life to find my podcast. She has been looking for six 
days. She can't find it. So here's what she's finally decided to do. And I don't know why this isn't working for her. She's a very smart woman. It doesn't seem like it should be this hard. She is listening to every podcast until she finds me. (laughs) Well, that could take a while. I seriously feel like we're either unplottable or we're like the island on Lost. You can't find us by boat. Now, today I went over to Beth's desk and I'm like, Beth, how's it going? And she looks up from her iPhone at me with like this evil glare. I will find you. I know you're out there somewhere. I hear you laughing all the time. I'm like, now tell me what we have today. Are, do you know someone named Melissa Anelli? I'm like, oh, yeah, we're very tight. We are very tight. <laughs> She's like, I have listened to three episodes of something called The Leaky Mug. I can't find I'm like, well, I'm out there somewhere. She's like, all right. She goes back to it. So finally, at the end of the day, I'm checking in with her. I'm like, all right, I'm just checking in. Have we found my podcast yet? She's like, I'm on episode two of something called One Gay Unicorn. Is that you? <laughs> I'm like, keep listening. I might be in there. Beth? We hope you find the podcast, but we just wanted to say before we begin this episode, this episode has led her on her quest to find the podcast, and on behalf of all of us at Parfait Weekly, welcome to One Gay Unicorn. (laughs) Well, the thing that I can't figure out is if you go on my Facebook page, you can just click the link. I was going to say... Then, oh, I forgot to tell you the best part. I was going to say, I just Googled your name and found your Facebook. It was really easy. Then she came over. She shows me her iPhone. This is after about three days of searching. I think I found something. And she holds up the screen and it says, the Poofwa Exchange. I'm like... (gasps) And it says below that, episode 18, much ado about nothing. She's like, and I found this. Are you in this one? And I look back, no, I'm not in that one. Damn it! (laughs) Goes back to her desk. (laughs) Moves on to the next. It'll take her years to find her place again. Tonight, we would like to give a shout out to the One Gay Unicorn podcast. This is a gay show, but not just for gay people. They discuss topics in the media, music, hot celebs, and what I had for breakfast this morning. It's early days, but give the show a chance. All emails should be replied to within the next few days, so don't hesitate to email them at onegayunicorncast at googlemail.com. Wait, um, is that a Harry Potter podcast? I don't know how she... she Look, I saw her. She typed in Harry Potter podcast and then went one <laughs> and then started listening. She's searching the fandom high and low until she finds me, and it's good to know that at Potterfic Weekly, we are doing such a good job of promoting ourselves that literally we need to stay out there with a lantern to get attention. I, I think we need to have a talk with our uh, <laughs> forum and, and podcast. <laughs> oh, we actually it. have forum promotion people. We should not be this. We have a link over at Leaky. Well, then my friend next to me is like, what's a podcast? I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know what kills me? She has listened to part of the podcast. She just can't remember the name. So she knows we're out there, but she doesn't know what we do. And I can't tell her what we do. Or else then she'll realize what she needs to type in to find us. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm being searched for. I'm being hunted like a dog. So Keza, I'd like to thank you for being here. I haven't said much. You haven't said much. I just felt like I wanted you in the room. We're having a hell of a time. Alright. Keza. Are you kicking me off? No, you can stay. Have you you haven't read the story? You wanna just hang out anyway and give us your thoughts? Yeah. Okay. Scott has finished the chapters if you want him. Oh, sure. Yeah, he'd probably be a better choice than me since he's actually read the thing. <laughs> what chapters is it, anyway? Up to chapter 14. 14. 14. No, I haven't read that. Come in, Canada. The Olympics are in Canada. They are. Apparently, mm. they had to truck snowing. 
That's just sad. Did they come and get it from here? I heard New York came to a standstill. Well, the running <laughs> gag here is they told us we were getting a foot and a half of snow. They, they sent every state employee home. They told us to stock up on bread. They shut the state down. P.S. What happened? It didn't snow much It didn't at all. snow at all. Uh, do you know who got snow today? <laughs> Jen? Jen! <laughs> Deep in the heart of Texas. <laughs> My favorite thing was she went to New York City to see snow. There was no snow in New York City. James called her, Jen, it's a blizzard here. <laughs> New York. Danielle and I are obsessed with a show on HGTV called Property Virgins. It's a Canadian real estate agent who sells houses in the Toronto area. It's kind of like a My First Place kind of thing, but it's with a different woman. I guess in the second or third season, they start going to the United States to do shows. So I didn't realize it. It was Jen's double from the Fort Worth, Texas area. So I'm watching a show. I'm like, oh my God, this is Jen. This is Jen. This is Jen. <laughs> I'm sure she'd tell us if she was going to appear on television. She's the sweetest little rosebud that Texas ever knew. Her eyes are bright as diamonds, they sparkle like the dew. The yellow rose of Texas is the only girl for me. Scott's ready. He's got holes in the bottom of his feet. Scott? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Big fracking deal. All right, you guys ready to talk about the fic? Anyone read the fic? We good? We're good. Yeah, I read the fic. I read it five minutes ago, so there you go. There you go. Kez, are you sticking around? Um, yeah, I'll stick around until I get bored. All right. <laughs> you people are wondering about the weather now, aren't you? For Thursday, May 13th, 2010. This is episode 106 of Potterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the insanity never ends. Seriously, it just keeps going. There ever be again a podcast quite like this? One brought us together and started its own forum list. Where the hosts are all our friends. All the stories told by Jen. Will it drive lying round the bend? Artific Weekly, where the story never ends. Mm-hmm. And welcome back to Artific Weekly. This is Ryan. This is Rena. I'm P.S. I'm Sue. And I'm Scott. I'm Keza. Oh my god, I'm like sitting here, I'm like, I think we're actually going to do it, the hell? All right. <laughs> because it's kind of not really here because... Oh, so I'm not really here, so I wait until the end. <laughs> Keza oh, okay. kind of crashed the podcast. Now, the theory for Pufwa is we all meet like over someone's house, you know, after a game of Canasta, we all talk about our favorite fan fiction. Keza came over, brought food, but hasn't read the story, and she's just kind of hanging so we, Keza will be very beneficial to this episode, as she always is, as she is basically Keza. What are you, nuts? More like Super Mega Foxy Awesome Hot. So this week we are reading up to chapter 14 of Stealing Harry. 
Um, now, the only thing I want to jump off with on these chapters is The Talking Snake Has Returned. It's our third fic with The Talking Snake. Fourth out of the history of Pofwa, third in a row. And I'm starting to think it's being played by the same snake. You know, um, what's, her, what's her name? What's the actress? She's the deaf woman. She was on Picket Fences. Marley Matlin. She's the only deaf actress in Hollywood. She's cornered the market on deaf characters. You know what I mean? I swear to God, there's one snake in Hollywood who can play Sal, Sandy, Maureen, to you know, go for a different name there. And now we've got this one. I was looking for the snakes in this fic to stand out from the other fics that we've read. And then... Harry looks to Snape and says, he looks like a mean snake. Well, we'll talk to him, see what he wants. Hello, snake. You prat. And the snake is like, <laughs> like the snake is Ron trapped in the body of a snake. That's the only thing. So I, I enjoyed the snake and I wanted to just make sure I Every second phrase is just... thought off. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Stop Sought sleeping off. with my sister. He's eight. Calm down. Throw a mouse at him. He's fine. <laughs> I guess snakes would sound the same. I mean, how do you characterize a snake? Like, how do you make your snake stand out from all the other snakes? Yeah, I would m- make my snake sarcastic. Maureen but then was some of the grandma. snakes don't understand the concept of sarcasm because they're well, snakes. Well, I think that's stupid. Was it Sal's? Harry's like, I'm giving you the name Sal's. And Sal's is like, what's the name? Harry's well, like, I'm even, calling you Sal's anyway. Even in this, you know, he said, don't you, Snape snakes says, don't, don't you want to know? They don't, they, yeah, they don't need names. They don't have This them. one is male. That's different. I don't remember well, Sal's characterization, but I remember the fact that Sandy, Sandy at times, one of them didn't really think it needed a name. I think it was Her Sandy. Was Sandy was like special needs a little bit like say like harry where are we going now harry like it was like you know, she exposition. was a snake she was a, she was a very Her brain is snake. like the size of a cotton ball maureen was like village elder salazar was like maureen you don't look well i am dying grasshopper like it was like <laughs> maureen had it all together sal's i don't really recall i remember harry's eyes being plucked out after that it gets fuzzy and then he started holding sharp objects and i became Came uncomfortable. And Pansy so, was a garden gnome. Pansy was a garden. We have a we have a picture somewhere of Pansy as a garden gnome. I found it the other day. It was lovely. So that's you know, what... I actually don't know what happened after like Christmas in that fic because I stopped reading. So all this Pansy as a garden gnome stuff, I'm just going by what Ryan says happened. It was actually in there. It's documented that Pansy like, was she a garden gnome? Did they actually change her into a garden gnome? No. What happened was Draco and Pansy went up to like this tower of the school that was completely sealed. So it's like Bubble Boy's house, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, Pansy went flying off the side of the thing, down at the bottom. And as I recall, the question was, how did Pansy get through the little narrow railing thing? And how? Uh. Did and I'm picturing the garden gnome thing doing the, oh, am I going to die thing? And then I'm like, well, maybe they kind of shrunk her to the size of a garden gnome and threw her over, I don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm doing this from memory, and I'm not doing a very The good only thing I remember from that fic is that Lucius Malfoy was the statue that the owls were pooping on. Oh, I do <laughs> recall I remember, that. <laughs> I remember Harry's stupid color-changing shirt. Oh, that was the stupidest shirt ever. I think <laughs> Knott's legs turned into scrambled eggs. I was thinking of that the other morning because my wife made scrambled eggs. I'm like, this reminds me of Knott's. <laughs> and, and this is what the this is what okay. has done to me. I have a question. Yes. 
Why is it that every week we record a podcast and every week we bitch about that story? Because we're on episode <laughs> 105. 106. Honestly, we've read stories on this podcast that I have started and I'm like... <laughs> Oh, no. And I take the week off. That was actually not one of them. I read the entire story. It was not my thing, but it was well-written. There were verbs. Some of the adverbs, as we remember, were incorrectly chosen. (laughs) We would never, ever say, Snape scathed. We would say, Snape said scathingly. Every time I write the word scathed. I think of... Every time I use the word scathed, because I would never write scathed, because scathed is not a word. Well, it ruined the scathing process, because we talked about it so much. So many people love the story. It, it was well-written, but it's not our it's thing. Really, but... No, it No, it, no. Back to stealing Harry, going up to chapter 14. So we have the snake who is Ron in the body of a snake, and I would like to read a one-shot about how Ron was you know, reincarnated as a snake, because I would be interested. Considering he's eight years old. Considering he's eight years old, Harry likes to hold hands with Snape. Yep. <laughs> it's really wow. 30-year-old Ron. That's why he's so cranky. Oh, God. That's like merging every story we've... Re- we should do that. We should do a skit where we merge every fic we've ever covered oh, into one coherent oh, story. Lord. I really had a problem. And this kind of gets into you know, the argument about, well, why do you read fan fiction? if you don't like it when people change things. And it's not that I don't like it when people put the characters in different situations. What I don't particularly care for is when they do things to the characters that are so far out of character from their actual selves that it just yanks me right out of the story. And this whole interaction between Harry and Snape, the goal is to make Snape into a fluffy little kitten, and he's just not. He's a smarmy jackass, and there is absolutely no way that Severus Snape would ever condone spending his time with an eight-year-old, especially an eight-year-old that looked like James Potter. He well, would I not that. I didn't like that either. It. I think he would do it, but I think he would be a bastard nope, while he would did not it. do it at all. No, I mean, he teaches kids. Dumbledore orders him to go babysit. He would go babysit, but Harry would have the worst time of his life because mm-hmm. he would be miserable while he... He went to fight Dumbledore. Yeah. But, but not that they, it's like when you look back at Psychic Serpent trilogy, you have Snape in that one is a much more amiable guy, but there's plot reasons put in there. He gets a glimpse of a life where he was happily married with a wife and kids. There, there's plot elements that get put in there that shift his character. He gets a girlfriend. He gets laid. And then he goes, bow, bow, chicka, bow, wow. he's a happy, happy, happy man. So then he's walking down the hallway, good morning, Hogwarts, and he's giving people roses and crap. I mean, that's fine, but in this story, it, there's no catalyst for him yes. being not... I mean, there's uh, no he was reason. just charmed by the charming child, Harry. You know, it starts out okay, because it's Remus asks him, but you hate children, and he says, I hate idiots, and most children are idiots. So that's fairly in character. It's just that it changes the after o- he gets to know him. The only thing I can possibly put in there that could possibly do this and I'm not convinced of it is if you have like look at uh, Death Rolls Fick you know they shook hands if one thing changes then after that your perception changes then if your perception changes your actions change then if your actions change the, you know, the way you treat someone changes and it kind of snowballs from there if they met in a different way than they did in Sorcerer's Stone and if Snape's initial impression of Harry was a little bit different, and that prompted Harry to respond differently, and they kind of got off on a different foot. And the fact that he's been raised by Remus and by Sirius changed. If it changed something that made Snape not hate him 
to start, then you could kind of argue maybe everything went down a completely different path. But I just don't think that the fact that he was raised by Sirius and Remus and, and was told to be polite would prompt yeah. – because if, if someone's polite to Snape, Snape is still going to be a bastard back to them. He's not going to be, oh, hello. Like he's That's not who yeah, he is. Yeah, exactly. I mean that's what bothers me about it. They're turning Snape into a fluffy little kitten and he's just – not. Most of the time, when Snape looks at Harry, he's not seeing the kid who looks like James, because he's under this glamour as Parvis, whatever his last name is. And it addresses that in 12, I think, or something like that. He says, it's easier for me to relate to him, because I'm not thinking of him as James Potter's son. That was a plot point they had in a year like none other, too, because uh, Snape was disguised as Remus when he took Harry to the hospital, so Harry saw body of Remus for so long that he forgot it was Snape and kind of loosened up. I mean, that is a... I think there's stuff in there that kind of points to why their relationship could be different, but in the mm-hmm. end, I just don't... It's not substantial enough. If you had something really substantial to change Snape's plot arc, you, you could argue that would... Do, but I just feel like it's kind of window dressing. It's put in there to show why it's different, but I just don't buy into the fact that it changed. Yeah, I think the Snape plot kind of seems a little out of place to me. I mean, I don't know. I, because, I agree. I mean, I really like, like I love, the, you know, Sirius and Remus raising Harry and taking him to the Weasleys and stuff. And I even liked the first bit with Snape, you know, where he found him and he, you know, I would have liked to see, you know, he found Harry and then he sort of brings him back just so he can, you know, gloat, taunt them. gloat, gloat. I mean, I really like gloating Snape. I don't like Snape babysitting Harry. Well, so that doesn't make any sense to me. He doesn't need to get involved. He's not friends with Remus and Sirius. From what I've read of it, because I did read some of it, the same thing has happened. James and Lily are dead. Harry's gone to live with the Dursleys. Yeah. But obviously something happened where Sirius didn't end up in Azkaban. Peter oh. got away and... Lucius yeah. found Peter yeah. before Sirius yeah. did. Has there been any explanation why Snape suddenly best buds with, with his mortal enemies? He isn't. He was ordered to do this by Dumbledore because Dumbledore wants to keep a better eye on Harry. He didn't want yeah, them to he, take he, him that's in That's what I'm saying. Remus and Sirius aren't good enough. Like, Dumbledore seems particularly stupid then. <laughs> They're saying if we know that Harry Potter has vanished and there's a little kid wandering around with Sirius Black, who is it going to be? Whereas if there's a little kid wandering around with Severus Snape, who absolutely hated James Potter, you're not going to immediately think, ah, that must be Harry Potter. Well, the Why other thing- Harry have to be with Snape in the first place? Yeah, that's what I don't get. The plot point is that because Harry is now, uh, you know, not living in the Muggle world, because he's now in the Wizarding yeah. world, if he goes to Diagon Alley, if he goes to Hogwarts, if he goes to a Quidditch game, he's going to be detected as Harry Potter and he doesn't have Lily's blood protection anymore so his life is in danger. So as a but result there was no reason for him to have to do any of that stuff. He's a kid just, and he wants he's a I well, mean, they, want he, him, they don't want him to be this isolated child who only ever sees Remus and Sirius. I mean, and they don't want him to have to sneak out. So but here's the here's the problem with it. You can why it, Snape? Why do they have to use Snape? You are very much a downer whenever Snape is in these <laughs> I don't know why anyone would write a story with Snape in it because I don't like him. Well the world must revolve around you because of us. <laughs> 
But seriously, I mean, you can argue the fact that Harry can't be seen out with, you know, Remus or with Sirius. You can argue the fact that if you put a wig on Harry and he walks around with Remus and Sirius, someone might be like, I wonder if that's Harry Potter wearing a wig. Right. But the problem with the story is, why don't they just put a wig on Sirius and Remus too? Because the plot says so. Why don't they just exactly? Make, uh, that's the that's <laughs> because why. then you become living with danger. That's that's true. <laughs> I, I mean, but there thing to was, quote Gen Two. Hello, are we not wizards? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the question I have too is why the hell have they given Snape the Medal of Valor? He found a lost See, kid at the mall and walked him back to the security. They probably did it because they all expected him to eat Harry. <laughs> I know. It's like here's the here's the chain of events. Harry sneaks out of his house and goes to the mall. Remus and Sirius are beside themselves. They've lost the kid. Snape is shopping at Victoria's Secrets one day. Now this is Harry walking through the mall, takes him by the hand, walks him over to the security station where Sirius and Remus come running up from behind. You saved him! And all of a sudden now he's on Oprah. It's not like he gave him mouth to mouth and pulled him out of the well like that kid from the <laughs> 80s. It's not what happened. So I just thought that yeah. was a little bit over the top. There. I just don't know why why they have to use Snape in this way in all these fix. That's why I'm just like, why can't we leave Snape in his dungeon, stirring his little potions and being cranky like the character that he is? Why do we have to redeem him? Why do we have to involve him? And I don't, maybe they're just like there. stereotypes. Yeah, just use Hagrid. But they, oh yeah, because that wouldn't look awkward at all. <laughs> <laughs> Because then Hagrid would tell everybody he'd go down yep. to the pub and be like, I found well, Harry at the mall today. I guess I shouldn't have told you that. For those of you watching, those of you watching Lost, I'm on season two of Lost at the time of this recording. Hurley mm-hmm. is so Hagrid, it's not even funny. Yeah, I know He's it. He's a big guy I, who can't I, keep a damn secret. Like, I'm at the point now where they found the station under the hatch, and Hurley tells Rose what's down there. So Rose goes back to the, to the station, and Jack is there, and Jack's like, Hurley, why'd you tell Rose? I had to tell somebody, man. Come on. It's me. <laughs> I did good. <laughs> she looks like she can keep a secret, much unlike myself. Dude. I can keep a secret. So I just... I, I love Harley. He's I'm cracking, my favorite. I'm cracking up at the fact. And I've started saying dude just all the time. Like, oh, yeah. Like, Hello, dude. Like, if this, if I had watched okay, this earlier, I'm serious. dude would have been in my He wedding. had the best line I have ever heard in a television show ever on this What's past... That? Or, like, the episode two weeks ago. The season premiere. It was the funniest line ever. He says, dude, I carried that guitar case across the island. And, like, through freaking time... You've got to tell me what's in it. <laughs> Dude, looks like someone's team ruled Harry Potter. You know, we're nearing the end of, of our season of Perfect Weekly. We've covered like 15, 16, 17 stories. We've read hundreds more. It gets really hard to find original scenes or original uses of characters that don't come across as corny. So imagine my surprise when we're reading these chapters tonight and we get to the scene where Remus and, and Sirius are having their little thing going on and they kiss and then Arthur knocks on the door immediately after their first kiss and he has that kind of twinkle in his eye that he borrowed from Dumbledore because he has Dumbledore's eyes from the Psychic Serpent trilogy, like the actual eyes. Now, I found that amusing because usually it's Hermione that interrupts Molly's big moments. Now it's Arthur interrupting Remus and Sirius's big moments, so apparently they're, they're, they're now even. And then 
Sirius is stays as a padfoot for days, and there's kind of some tension. So Remus gets invited over to the Weasleys for dinner, and he brings Padfoot. Now, they don't know Padfoot is Sirius. They think Padfoot is the family dog. So they bring him over, and Molly and Arthur and Remus are sitting in the lawn chairs, and, and Padfoot is playing with Harry and Ginny on the ground. And and and. and Arthur decides to start a conversation. Keza, just tell me what you think of this being a new reader here. Oh crap, I'm on the wrong story. I just opened the chapter for tonight. I accidentally opened in blood only instead of stealing her. So I'm looking (laughs) down and the chapter opens with, you raped my mother, didn't you? And I'm like, I don't remember that. What the I hell remember did, that? When the hell did that happen? Missed it by that much. Let's do it as a play. All right. Keza, you want in? Is Keza not here? I'm sensing that Keza's not here. She's left us. I'm on mute, man. I've been talking. <laughs> <laughs> How dumb are you? Take it from me. We're going to take it from you raped my mother. <laughs> <laughs> He's right. such a gentle dog. We're going to do this as a play for Keza, because Keza hasn't read this yet. Sue should be Molly. Okay. I'll be Remus. I'll be Arthur. All right, yeah. Scott, would you like to play Ginny? Oh, sure. Why not? All right. There now, Pads. Don't smash her. Remus chided as Padfoot nearly sat on Ginny, who squeaked and moved out of the way. That your only worry with a dog his size? Arthur asked. Pretty much. The worst he ever does is accidentally knock over furniture, Remus answered, while Padfoot allowed Ginny to rest her head on his neck. He's such a gentle dog, Molly said, and good with the children. Harry's always talking about him. It's rare to find that in big dogs. He's a child himself, Remus murmured. There was a twitch of the ears from Padfoot. Ought to breathe him, Remus, Arthur said. Padfoot snorted suddenly, and Remus hid a smile. Oh, I don't know. Perhaps he wouldn't take to it, Remus replied. Well, then you ought to get him new... My! Molly exclaimed as Padfoot yelped. Ginny, don't pull his ears! I wasn't, Ginny said petulantly. Padfoot slunk most of his enormous bulk under Remus's chair. Especially since you don't keep him on a lead. I mean, who knows what he might get up to while you're not watching him, Molly continued. I'm not sure I want to know, Remus answered easily. Padfoot, head poking out from under the chair, was glaring balefully at him. He reached out to scratch him behind the ears. He's a good dog. Well, if you do stud him out, we wouldn't mind a puppy, would we, Maul? Arthur said. Molly looked dubious, even at the prospect of gentle Padfoot's pups. Arthur reached over and pulled Padfoot's muzzle up slightly, checking his teeth. Ought to have some of these looked at, he said, with the air of a professional. There are chew toys that cling in the teeth, I've heard. Remus coughed to hide his laughter as Padfoot tugged away, resting his head across Remus's shoes. Is he a mutt now or a purebred, Arthur asked. Oh, very pure, Remus replied. Padfoot (laughs) bit his ankle. His mother was quite a fine bitch. (laughs) Padfoot lapped at the bite apologetically. How does Sirius like him? I thought he and Sirius didn't get on so well. Not at all. Sometimes Pads even sleep on Sirius's bed, Remus said amused, though of course he likes Harry better. Really? I'd think an eight-year-old wouldn't hold much interest for a dog like him. Well, Harry feeds him, Remus grinned. He was going to get thoroughly yelled at later by Sirius, but it was entirely worth it. I just love that section. It's <laughs> like, seriously, like, we're going to neuter Padfoot, we're going to breed him with someone else. Oh yeah, his mother was Checking quite his the... Teeth. And his mother was quite the bitch. Well, after 
after the Psychic Serpent trilogy, where Mrs. Black was, you know, like walking around like Martha Washington, I thought that was a nice change of pace and acknowledgement of reality. So, like, I, re- I just really enjoyed the humor of that scene. Now, let's talk about the. the I'm glad PS is here. Let's talk about the Remus serious ship in this. How do you think it was handled, PS? I really like it. It's one of the only novel length Remus serious fix I can come up with at the top of my head, and I didn't want to find something in the Marauder era because I feel like we've done that twice. I like this one because the way it's developed seems to be, I guess, a little more realistic in the sense that it's not, you know, the usual re-mysterious tropes. Yeah, because I'm thinking back to the ones we've covered. I have some things I would like to say. Oh, I believe that you would. The only thing I just want to comment (laughs) is that after the end was pretty much re-mysterious, don't ask, don't tell. Because, like, if you look at it, you can kind of think maybe they're having a thing, but it's not acknowledged in any way. In the Shoebox Project, all the Marauders were naked all the time. Mm -hmm. Every day, everywhere, always (laughs) naked, no clue why. And then we had the Dangerverse, where they were each married to their own Mary Sues. And then they were in uh, Psychic Serpent, where uh, Remus was bisexual. I know this because he held a press conference and told people he was bisexual. And uh, there was like, wah, 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 music in the background as that was happening. And then Harry took him out to a 50s diner in the middle of the Forbidden Forest, so that kind of got dropped for a while. And now we're here. The thing that seemed odd to me, Remus is obviously gay. Remus obviously loves... Uh, Sirius. And Sirius, to me, seems to be straight, but having a dry spell, and he's really good friends with Remus and tries to give it a shot. And I'm going to go out and say that I would bet, especially based on what I said earlier in the story, that people are going to be quite surprised that this is my take on it. But I think the problem that I've had with a lot of stories that do a Sirius Remus relationship, or a Harry Draco, or they take a, a canon character and they turn them gay. The problem that I have is that the way they do it is, you know, the character is just going along, being a wizard, everything's cool, and then they just sit up and slap themselves across the forehead one morning and say, you know what I've been missing all my life? A penis up my butt. And <laughs> it's... <laughs> and that's it. And then all of a sudden, they're just like, flaming homosexual. Okay. <laughs> Right now, there's been, like, an earthquake running the entire length of Arkansas to Australia. The world has cracked open. That's what happens, you know? They just take this character, and without any explanation, without any whatever, it's just all of a sudden, I'm gay! You know, there's nothing... And I hate that. You know what I mean? Like, I I feel feel like I have to... I had to come out and defend myself as being not one of those slashers. I mean, I like good slash. Okay, so, having said that, I actually really liked this depiction of this relationship. Oh, good. I'm so, so glad. (laughs) This is why. When I picked this, I was like, okay, it's Trina's going to hate it. But I'll forge ahead anyway because I really love this story. And I'm so glad you liked it. I'm so, you don't, you don't know how glad I am. I really Turn around. I will explain why this one does not bother me as much as other ones. It's because this is not a story about Sirius Black one morning waking up and realizing that he just really wanted to give hand jobs for the rest of his life. This is about one person falling in love with another person, and it has nothing Mm -hmm, to do mm -hmm. with gender. It has nothing to do with what plumbing you have. It's just... I like you. I find you interesting. You're my best friend. We've been through so much together. I think I've fallen in love with you. It does not matter to me if you are a man or a woman. You are the person that I love. 
and that is why I love you. I'm speaking as a person who has been in relationships with people not based on their gender, but based on who they are and how I interact with them, and it did not matter to me one way or the other. And that is the way I think things should be. You don't buy a house based on the plumbing. You buy it because you like the house. And it's more organic than any other story I've ever read where they've taken a canon character that we know is straight and turned them gay. So I really, really liked that. I've never put it in those words, but I think that's always how I've seen the ships I like, you know, which are slash. It was never like Dick A and Dick B. It was just, you know, these two characters. I ship them. I almost and- wish it went a little bit more than maybe my uncomfortableness with it is that it didn't go far enough and I'm looking at it like from the other direction because like far enough what do you mean like like okay like let me give you an example PS has finished Battlestar Galactica and she's writing a slash <laughs> story between Commander Adama and Colonel Tide big fracking deal and when you watch this totally <laughs> what was that Kissa? what did you say Totally. They love each other. Oh, totally. yes. Yeah. Hi, oh, I, I'm sorry. We had to wait hi, for the translation hi. to come back in here. It was like the UN. Like, don't wait for the translation. Answer me now. All right. So th- 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 I'm like, turn, turn left? What? But the, you're the, saying turn around. Turn around. The thing, the thing with it is when you look at the two characters in that, it's two best friends. They do everything around each other. That They, like, go to the bathroom around each other. You know, the closest friends are four years. Memories, right? It's lovely memories, well, I'm trying to find the things that's, that give it that special oomph. The, like, they, they absolutely love each other back and forth. They're probably closer than any two people, you know, on the show. The thing with me, though, was I never saw any romantic component there. And P.S. has done a great job writing it. My thing is, I just never saw it. It's, you're, you're such close friends with your best friend that all of a sudden now it turns romantic. I mean, to me, I see it either is or isn't, but I don't see that as being almost like a natural progression. So being, you know, a straight heterosexual male who's very cool with gay rights and very open to these kinds of things, I guess my thing is I would like it, and maybe it will be over more chapters to to show, okay, this is Sirius's best friend in the world. This is the person he's been closest to more than anyone. He's never, you know, really had that type of relationship with a woman before, so he's pushing this to the next step. But it should be an awkward step because it, it's not the natural progression for a lot of people. So maybe in serious case it is? I don't want to spoil you, and I also can't remember because I haven't read the next set of chapters recently enough to remember. I think that... I you think will you'll find be more that happy with okay. it as it goes mm-hmm. on. I'll okay. say. Okay. Yes. I mean, the last three in this section were all about that being awkward, and Remus yeah. has told him, "Okay, back off and think about this, because if yeah, this I mean, is I just going to be a is, thing yeah. where yeah, you're I mean, be with me for two months and then go try and go like back to normal, Remus then it's not going to work." Like, right. What are you doing? Are you experimenting? Like, are you, mm-hmm. you know, are you picking me as your gay friend to be the one that you're going to experiment with? And I think Remus is like, right. you're not going to use me like that. I'm going to stand up for myself right now and say that if you're going to do that, go somewhere else and do it. And I want to hear that conversation from Sirius. Maybe that's the bit I'm missing. Because here's the thing. If it was if it was Remus that kissed Sirius, this, this would take on the tone of, 
gay friend loves straight friend trying to turn straight friend gay so that yeah. they can have a lovely relationship. Right. Which now it's straight friend is the one who's trying to initiate it, which is, did you just decide you're gay? Are you bisexual? Is this something that you're trying to force even though it's not who you are? I mean, it's some combination yeah, of all like If you look at the way that Sirius has been characterized in this story, I don't blame Remus for thinking that no, he's not at all. No, not at all. Maybe I want to hear more of it because you definitely get the discomfort from Sirius. Obviously, he stays as Padfoot for many chapters, but I would like to see that. I think the fact that he stays with Padfoot is him being like he doesn't want to talk about it, so he's you know hiding in something that can't talk, and he's trying to process it. He's trying to figure out what exactly his feelings are. Yeah, I'm glad that you said there's more coming yeah. on that. Because I think re- when he kissed Remus, he thought that Remus would be like, yay, let's shag. You know, I thought <laughs> it wasn't like he didn't think Remus would say what he did. So I think... Can now anyone picture to- Remus actually saying that? <laughs> no, because <laughs> no. that's the point. <laughs> no, I can no, picture I serious so- imagining that, though. Somebody, somebody, yeah. somebody needs to like pull David Thulis from like different sentences to say, "Yay, let's shake." I don't think we have hay available, do we? You don't think we have the technology? <laughs> <laughs> not, oh. not with the equipment we have. <laughs> Rina, I think you're about to turn into a Dalek, so don't talk or don't talk. It's a podcast. <laughs> don't talk, talk anymore. Talk, talk and see if it is. But I heard don't something. Talk. Shut up. You have no. Yeah, idea. definitely. You're you 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 having that sizzling thing. Oh, can I just tell you, now that I've actually listened to some of our more recent episodes as we're getting ready to edit them, I've now heard me as a Dalek. I never used to know what the hell you people were talking about before. (laughs) So I'm definitely interested to see where that goes in the future chapter. So what else do we have from these chapters that we want to talk about? My big things were the shagging, the sarcastic snake, and the neutered dog. I like Harry's interactions with the Slytherins and the Gryffindors. Yes. Because how he sort of is thinking about the differences when he's with the various groups. Oliver Wood's a shrimp. (laughs) I thought it was cute that Oliver was in the story. They've made Percy gone up a year. He's not supposed to be at Hogwarts, but he is. I thought that I was I don't think weird. that actually happens, but... I don't think so yeah. either. I, I don't understand where that came from. I think they just wanted to put Percy in the story, and they were like, oh no, it's a year too early. Let's just make Percy a genius. No, isn't that... Re- Hold on, though. Wood was a fifth year in Harry's first, right? Yes. Wasn't Percy also a fifth year prefect? Percy yes. was fifth year. Percy and Oliver are in the same year. So why did he jump ahead? Wait, is he ahead? I, I, I lost well, track of Percy. I don't know that he's jumped ahead so much as year-wise, but he's taking second-year transfiguration. Oh, okay, and, yeah. and so he is at school so a year like early. A no, it does say that. He's, he's already like, taking second year transfiguration and he's at school a year early. Who is he? Doogie Hauser? What the hell? So are they operating <laughs> under the perception that Percy is a year younger than everybody else in his year? I don't know, maybe. No, he should they it sounds like he's just taking work out the because I know Percy and Oliver are in the same year, so I would assume that they're the same age. But I guess in this universe, Percy is a year younger because he's some kind of genius child. Yes. It didn't seem odd to me at all because he should be the same year as Oliver. Yeah, mm-hmm. he is. I'm saying they are saying this story is positing that he is in the same year, but he's a year younger because he skipped a year. He might not be an entire year younger. It might be like his birthday's in August or something. So normally he would have to wait the year like Hermione did. Right. <clears throat> I don't know what the Did Hermione, um, Hermione is didn't I mean she didn't wait a year. She went when she was supposed to, but because her birthday is in September, she's a year old. She spends almost, most of the time almost older a than year older than almost mm-hmm. everyone. You know, 
because it's like okay, the kid born on September first is going to be a year older than than the kid born on August thirty first. Right. So because I think, they have to wait. Right. So her, like Hermione's birthday being in September means that she's one of the oldest kids in the year, which is part of her advantage. I which like is the way interesting because I remember there was some debate in the fandom of whether you thought Hermione was born in seventy nine or eighty, like whether you. Yeah. Everyone used to think she was. And I only assumed she was one of the youngest because she came off to me in the first book as being a kid that's one of the youngest and is, you know, smart and trying too hard. Right. I may be from B, but I'm super smart. What I lack in looks, well, I make up in heart. And well, guys, yeah, that's totally awesome. Rand's a Dalek. Yeah, I've wanted to say that to someone. What is this that makes both you and Rinna have this problem? I have no idea, but I think the turnaround music is about to start because I haven't had an affair with Rinna yet. Turnaround. Oh, so you're making it sound like it's some kind of... Oh, God, it's like an STD. <laughs> Scott, don't become a Dalek. It's going to look bad. It's yeah. going to spread throughout both my like, salads. Wait, did you just have a salad? <laughs> <laughs> Well, syphilis is awesome. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Exterminate. Exterminate? <laughs> what does that even mean? It's the Dalek catchphrase. You've never watched Doctor Who, have you? Uh, no. Let's, you find Dalek. Let's just find Daleks on YouTube so she knows what they are. I still love the Shakespeare episode of Doctor Who with the Harry Potter because reference. the Harry Potter reference. <laughs> So, magic and stuff. That's a surprise. It's all a bit Harry Potter. Wait till you read book seven. Oh, I cried. Rena, yep. did I tell you, did I tell you the story about that one? I believe so. Yeah, that that was good. That that right there was worth it. Fanny's like and Tinker's cast, I say to thee! The new podcast that I've been listening to did a Harry Potter reference the other day. It was kind of fun. Which one was it? Stuff You Should Know. Oh, don't lie. You were listening to One Gay Unicorn, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be at the One Gay Unicorn staff meeting, and they're going to be like, why are our numbers up by 80% all of a sudden? I had, to, no, I, I, had to, I had to Google One Gay Unicorn to see what it was. <laughs> then I'm worried. Like, are our ratings so low that we're below oh, One God. Gay Unicorn? Oh, God. Do you see the picture they have on their MySpace? I'm not someone who uses this word that way, but... This is the gayest unicorn I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> like, I swear, this this unicorn is deaf. <laughs> oh my god. I have no idea what you're talking about. Brian, oh, oh my god. That is a gay unicorn. <laughs> this is a 16 year old female. This is actually not a gay community production. Are we on the wrong one? It's just nope. the One Gay Unicorn Podcast, and since it's the One Gay Unicorn Podcast, I assume there is only one. So now, Scott, they're trying to find Ryan because they hear him laughing at his podcast, and he won't tell them what podcast it is. So they have a worldwide search going on for Poofla, but they have not found it yet. I think the One Gay Unicorn Podcast is gone, because the blog link doesn't work, the email doesn't work. Well, apparently you can still find it somewhere. Yeah. I can't see the picture of the gay unicorn. Okay, I'll, I'll send it to you. I cannot believe I'm here. Oh, I think it's happening. I think it's happening for me here. 
<laughs> it is a religious experience to see the one gay unicorn. Yeah, I feel like I have communed with the one gay oh, unicorn. You know what I did the other day? We got a wafer Christmas. Look at a gay unicorn before you tell another story. Have you seen you it yet? You sound like all she does is tell stories. <laughs> That's all I'm doing here today. Uh, it won't come up. It's being a pain in the butt. Here, hang on. I will save the one gay unicorn to my desktop. You know what? We'll this is one. The way you're referring unicorn. to it, it's like one gay unicorn to rule them all. <laughs> one gay unicorn. I'm saving that, and then I am no. going to share the one gay unicorn with all. Of Can you. I tell my story now? I went to the game shop because we got a Wii for Christmas, and I went to the game shop, and I thought I don't want to spend a whole lot of money because I already have a PC version and a DS version of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. So I went into the game shop to the pre-owned section, and there, lo and behold, was Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix for only thirty nine ninety five. So I bought Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix for thirty nine ninety five for the Wii, and I'm playing the game, and I'm waving around. <laughs> Honestly, this. The Wii Remote as a wand would be great if it worked. It's like, you have to stupefy someone, and I'm, like, stupefying, and I'm waving my hands around like a lunatic, and, like, the guy is killing me! You know, I'm like, I'm stupefying, and I'm yelling at the TV, stupefy, stupefy! (laughs) (laughs) Anyway... Yes, that so really should make it work castle. better. Yeah. I'm running around the castle bashing Harry into all the walls because apparently I can't control the nunchuck. And all of a sudden he like runs past this tapestry. Now I'm supposed to be going to find like Hermione in the library or something ridiculous that Ron is reminding me every five seconds. I almost and beat I to- Hermione over the head of the couch because <laughs> all she kept saying was we have to meet Phil and George in the entryway. I remember that. Yes, I know. Yes, I was about to brain her. And I had to turn (laughs) around and Ron's panicking. He's like going... Hurry, we have to go and meet Hermione in the library. We have to. And I'm like, no, 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 let me look at the unicorn tapestry. It's a spousal abuse. We have to go meet her, Harry. We have to go now. You don't know what she's capable of. (laughs) But you know, the tapestry that covers the room of requirement in Half Blood Prince is on the wall in the Order of the Phoenix game. And I had to turn around my little little electronic Harry to go and have a look at it. (laughs) But it was there the whole time. (laughs) And I just wanted to share that with you. So, have you seen the one gay unicorn? I am looking at the one gay uniform. Uniform. (laughs) (laughs) There's only one. This is the the one gay uniform that they all wear. (laughs) Any minute now. He's now deciding if he wants to wear it for Remus. We're going to cease and desist order from the one gay unicorn people. Honestly, I don't think they're capable of that. I mean, look at it. It's obviously on some kind of psychotropic drugs. Oh dear. Have you seen it, Kevin? This should be our new catchphrase. Butterpick Weekly finding wilder tangents every week. I mean, honestly, this thing is too glorious to, like, let go. I mean, we need a mascot that's this glorious. Oh, Bernard needs a a makeover. Bernard doesn't need a makeover. Bernard, no! Oh, I'm leaping over a rainbow. There you go, Bernard leaping over the rainbow with the light striking. Exactly. The rainbow came out after we, the storm that killed Bernard. We wondered all this time why Bernard went. It seemed like such like you know just a senseless act. He's wearing like an aluminum foil antler set on his head, jumping over the tree. 
Okay, can we do something right now? Can we? No, I have, you have to, I, this is our answer. This is what we have to do, Pete. We have to put Bernard in I just thought of what we need to do. We are going to record a message from my friend at work taunting her that she can't find us and thanking her for bringing one gay uniform podcast <laughs> you, you said, said the uniform, uniform. can we do that yes can let's we do that say hi everybody hi maybe hi. May, maybe we can all introduce ourselves to beth um would you like to go first uh, little one in the front i'm fran you really do talk like that i'm sassy this is andrew I'm Cleopatra. And I'm Billy Joe. <laughs> Thank you, Billy Joe. That was lovely. I love how you threw your voice and you sound like you're from Lost. I like that. Now, we just wanted to stop for a moment and, and we wanted to thank you, Beth, for what you brought into our lives today. Um, Fran, would you like to give this special award to you? Beth? It was the one gay unicorn. <laughs> After seeing that image, it is now burned permanently into my frontal cortex, and I have been forced to quit my job as a merchant marine and become a high priestess of the one gay unicorn, spreading the one gay unicorn love throughout the land. So, thank you for the one gay unicorn, and let's order lunch today, okay? Okay, bye. You'll never find us. <laughs> You will never, never find, find us. us. <laughs> Love it. See, the only taunt I know is Nina, Nina, Nina. <laughs> we lost Scott. Oh, God, there was too much more. Andrew, no, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I'm sassy? Things you never thought you'd hear Sue say when you sat down to bug. Why, did I, why did I say I was a merchant marine? Why <laughs> 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 did you say you were a merchant the first occupation that popped into my head. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to say the real one because Ryan said not. <laughs> what would you say for the real one? You're a college student. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first I thing I could think more. of. I could have said something better. What was best? I was about to go with a fake name, and I realized I'm the one giving her the iPod. You'll know. <laughs> you should have been like, can you tell which one is me? Because I, I actually did. I played a segment of Puffa for my mother, and she couldn't tell. She, like, didn't recognize my Really? Because you have a very unique voice. She couldn't pick you out of the group. No. Wow. I'm sorry. I don't know if we can talk about the fic tonight. I I think we've gone. Now I have a whole page of This is my training at the United States Merchant Marine Academy. (laughs) Has told me that we have to stick with the program. Stick with the program, but get Scott back. Oh crap! Do you realize I have actually now looked up the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy? It's located at 300 Steamboat Road. Postcard from the Merchant Marine Academy when you go. We'll have to see if I can apply because maybe I'm too short or something. What are the requirements to be a Merchant Marine? <laughs> um, I have to fill out this application. I have to write this biographical essay. I have to send my high school transcript and my 
SAT scores and three letters of recommendation. Will you write me a letter of recommendation, Ryan? <laughs> I'll see if Beth will. Oh, the essay question means I have to talk about my sailing and or military experience. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you have a lot of sailing experience. I I can tell the underside of a boat from the other side of the boat. Oh my god, she could never join the Merchant Marine. I could drive a boat because it's probably not that much harder than driving a car. Is it a string pulley boat? No, can you picture PS? Do you mean a boat or a boat boat? It is required that you include your reasons reasons for wishing to attend the academy and that you state your understanding and willingness to accept the service. Yes, response. Why do you want to join the Merchant Marines? She'll never find me there. <laughs> oh, I have to take a medical exam. Oh my God, I have to get a nomination from a representative or senator. My vision fails. Well, I think. Well, yeah, you're blind as a bat. <laughs> oh, Scott. To recap, what you've missed. P.S. Cannot join the Merchant Marine. I have to know how to swim. Mm-hmm. Do you not know no. how to swim? I don't know how to swim. You don't know how to swim. That's sad. I, I could make myself swim, but I can't demonstrate the capability of swimming 100 yards using two basic strokes. <laughs> well, um. So I guess I'll never join the Merchant Marine. Aww. <laughs> You know what? I am too short. No. You're too short and you can't swim. <laughs> I am too short. Oh my god. You're such a liability. I am one inch too short. Hold on, wait a requirement. 60 inches. Hold on, let me get this straight. You're under five feet tall, you can't swim, and you don't know anything about boats, but you want to join the merchant. I don't want to. <laughs> I was trying to figure out if it was a plausible cover story. <laughs> and the answer is no. No, it is no. Nope. <laughs> Sorry. Not as long as it remains audio only, perhaps. <laughs> oh, yeah. So she doesn't know who I am. <laughs> For all she knows, she, you could be six foot, so. All right. Are we going to attempt to finish? We should do something here. Let, let, let me close all these Merchant Marine windows. It does say that if you've become interested in this career as a result of hobbies, you can say so. So I can be like, <laughs> because of, of Buffalo, <laughs> I've become interested in learning the difference between a boat and a boat. So the Gryffindor storm just hit my house. The What's one that woke here? the one that woke Harry up in in the middle of the night. The first night he spent in the Gryffindor tower. The winds picked up. The rain's hitting the windows. Now I have a question. In that scene, did it seem like Oliver was older than Harry? In that yes. scene, well, he was. He's, he's he is older. He is, he's but older he seemed very young. Yes. Where he like climbed down in, in bed with him and got into his sleeping bag to like keep him calm and everything. Yeah, I don't like, think well, an eleven year old boy would do that with a eight year old. Like I think he would try to be. I mean, I guess is eleven the age where they try to start acting grown up boys? Maybe. And I wondered yeah. if he wasn't a little bit afraid. Do you picture Oliver Wood, who's this obnoxious guy who wants to be the Quidditch star of all ages and stuff? Wouldn't it be funny if he started out his Hogwarts career as the shrimpy kid who was like very sensitive? No, I like that, but I, yeah, I, I definitely of, thought he was a little scared. I mean, maybe he's like Neville. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe like more of an assertive Neville. Well, the other thing too is when you picture it, you've never seen in any of the Harry Potter stories like people. I invited my brother to stay for the weekend. I mean. 
that's more of a fan fiction thing, but I like the fact that he invited Harry to stay in the dorm. And it was interesting, too, you know, we were talking earlier about Snape and how Snape seemed a little bit out of character. You know, for Harry to go there with Match, you know, between Slytherin and Hufflepuff and, and see Oliver in the distance, and Snape is like, you may see your friend later. <laughs> I would picture Snape more as stay away from the red one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like that, well, he that, did do that the first time. Hey, and it really bothered me that the kid's name was Parvis. Because the whole time I kept thinking of Parvo, which is a dog disease. What is <laughs> the story okay. behind Parvis? Because when Dumbledore names him Parvis, Snape gets this like evil glint in his eye or something. Well, I just thought if it was there because there is of a story, name. we'll find it out later. Because yeah, I don't know. Do we know why Parvis? Like, does it smell like dickhead backwards or something? Do we know what it does? <laughs> I don't remember anything else about it. Hold on, there's something to do with the last name as well, but I can't remember. Because I got the same impression, because Dumbledore says Parvis, and Snape like looks at him, and then he says, Parvis, whatever the last name is, and Snape is going, uh-huh. Well, in reverse, it's Subwrap. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel really stupid when that happens. Like, is it like the god of greasy hair? Hold on, I'm Googling it. Scramble the letters in Severus. Parvis, rugged solutions for real-world applications. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Parvis. Parvis Rana. He was a controversial activist in the, so- in the Social Democratic Party of Germany. <laughs> he was a German intelligence agent. He could see Professor Snape mouth it once or twice, then smile. It was Ooh, not Parvis, a nice smile. Parvis makes tanks. <laughs> And battleships. Some of which I'm sure are used by the Merchant Marine. Yes. <laughs> Actually, it looks like a toy. A toy tank. I honestly can't tell if this is real or a toy, because it really looks oh, like Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Parvis. Whoa. Parvis. Adjective meaning small, little, cheap, and unimportant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it does mean dickhead in Latin. What the hell? Why would Dumbledore name him stupid and unimportant? Well, because they want to keep him under disguise. Yeah, they don't want people to pay attention to him. So he's stupid and unimportant. Under the radar. Name him Bob. You want him to go unnoticed. Name him Bob. Don't name him Parvis. Write a story where you write about a character named Bob. Because I swear to God, everything we cover, you talk about why the character should be named Bob. But once we get one Bob, I'll be fine. Bob isn't an interesting. I mean, I mean, it's so undistinctive. What was Parvis's last name? Rana. Rana. Spell it. R-A-N-A. That's a Hindu god or something like that, I think. But yeah. That's I don't Rana. know if it's anything else. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's a dynasty. Oh, good. So he's going to be small and unassuming, but a dynasty? A yeah. genus of frogs. <laughs> well, that goes, that goes with his frogs. name, right? He's a little frog. So Dumbledore named Harry unimportant and small, useless frog. Well, isn't that what they call him? They call him Sprog. Wouldn't that be a cross between Sprout and Frog? And he carries a frog around all the time. Thank God Dumbledore is not a parent. You know what I mean? If he had to name a kid. (laughs) He named one person in his life and he named him Little and Unimportant. My name is Albus Dumbledore and I am headmaster of Hogwarts. You can all call me Dumbledore. I suppose you can also call me Albus if you want a detention. I'm just kidding. I'll expel you if you call me Albus. I'd like to point out how cool Parvis is, all right? Parvis goes to study with Percy, right? And he opens a book, and he sees a werewolf, and he pieces together in his head that Remus is a werewolf. 
So, of course, he falls off his chair. And, and when Percy says, you know, my God, you've fallen to the stone floor, you may have broken something, are you all right? He responds, I saw a scary picture and fell down. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're like, all right, that's a little weird. Just picture this, okay? The man who has been raising you, Uncle Mooney, you know, he's like a dad to you. You find out he's a werewolf. You fall out of a chair. You're so surprised, okay? Now, Harry decides he's running for home. He has to discuss this with Dumbledore. He has to get back home. Thank you for inviting me, he gasped, meaning Harry. Because even Mooney being a werewolf was not more important than the good manners Mooney had taught him. I had a wonderful time. I just thought that was great. I know you may be a werewolf, but you taught me to always thank people when they help me out. And I have to say and thank To you. be polite. So maybe there is a reason that Snape likes him, because this hair is like the epitome of Captain Manners. Apparently he still has the natural skills, because the first time that he gets to watch the Quidditch match, and or the practice, and the seeker says, you know, can you catch the snitch? And he's like, sure. And she lets it go, knowing that he's not going to catch it, and he, he snags it in front of her. Everybody's just like, oops. <laughs> yeah. Way to help him make friends. Rob. Yeah, is it possible yeah. that you could beat an eight-year-old when you actually play? I think maybe you need a new seeker, folks. I liked Remus's dreams. That Remus. They incorporate the canon into mm-hmm. the dreams. Mm-hmm. That is what I honestly love, because when we were covering um, Nightmare of Futures Past and... I think um, Backward with Purpose, I mentioned this too. Wouldn't it be great if you had a story where in an alternate universe, instead of remembering the canon, characters got like flashes of the canon but couldn't make sense of it. So they can see Remus and Sirius in the Shrieking Shack from Prisoner of Azkaban, but they can't see Peter Pettigrew and they can't see Scabbers and they're not paying attention to Ron and Hermione. I thought that was a really great scene. It's like a flash of the truth that you can't understand, but you know <laughs> something's wrong. I thought that scene was incredibly well done. I really like that. And, and it's also, know that can be done to good dramatic effect as well as comedy, because it's easy to um, take an alternate universe and have the canon characters look at it and go, what? <laughs> yeah. But, but this has them look at the canon and it actually, um, it looks to him, they both look terrible and obviously this is a horrible place for them where really it was just one of the worst places in that particular year. But as far as they know, they're both living on the street or whatever. So, Although Remus knows that he's a teacher. He can't figure out how that's happened, but he does know that. And then I liked that Sirius used the pensive to store his memories so that he was able to tell Harry about his parents dying without becoming emotional. And was able to, you know, do it. And while he's doing that, Remus is kind of standing in the doorway and crying silently. And Harry's first question is, did I kill Voldemort? Yeah, was... I was responsible for that death. Yeah, and it's like, not even his fault. Right. Mm-hmm. They do explain that, which is good. It's kind of just as well that it came up then, rather than him thinking over that and um, coming up with it at another time. Like, well, see, even the scene, like, too, is like, yeah, you don't want him to like learn it on the street or something. It's like, there's a huge secret not to tell someone. Yeah. They knew they were going to yeah. have to. BTW, you killed somebody. Good night! <laughs> <laughs> and from Milda Vane, I love you. Okay, just kidding. All right, what else we got? Harry is not a thing. Sirius needs to learn that, because there's times mm-hmm. where he's just, you know, he's talking he about... He has a lot of trouble with sending him over to spend the night with Oliver, because mm-hmm. he's used to him always being there now. 
Yeah, you can't send him to Hogwarts. Like, Hogwarts may not be safe. What if he needs water? Yeah. (laughs) He might wake up in the middle of the night. I thought it was cute, you know, seeing how Hmm. attached to him. Well, maybe because they got him when he was so much older, they haven't gone through the thing where, like, they go out for a nice dinner and they keep calling the babysitter every five minutes, then they go home early because they can't... I mean, he's eight in there at that stage with him now. Yeah. Right. I like that Harry didn't confront Remus about being the werewolf. I would have loved the scene to be changed. It's it's your decision, Harry. I would have loved Dumbledore to have said it's your choice and reinforce the whole choice dynamic <laughs> plot. Whoa, I think s- someone just fall down. No. No. I don't know what We're that all was. okay over here. It's Beth. She's found us. <laughs> <laughs> She's coming in the door. Get down! I can't defend us. Send out the marching memories. <laughs> send in the marines. We send out PS with a helmet two sizes too big for her. I, I have a tiny plastic gun. It's as big as my thumbnail. <laughs> she goes out with her. She goes out with her salt chimes. <laughs> Action figure. Oh, yeah, but they're always like <laughs> Big fracking deal. So, from all of us here at Perfect Weekly and our partners over at One Gay Unicorn, we'd like to wish you all a wonderful <laughs> evening. Enjoy yourselves. <laughs> We're not gay. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Is this 107 or is this 106? This is 106.5. Oh, good, because 106.1 was just brilliant. This is not a new episode. This is going to be the second half of the one from before. Yeah. The one from before We're was pretending first. we all went for a sandwich and just actually... Okay, we all went. Scott, nobody is going to believe that ruse. Everybody knows what happened. No, in the early episodes, I covered it well. I think now we're just kind of... Now we're just like la-di-da, basically. Huh? We're just lazy. Yeah, lazy. We're lazy. Was that Jen or was that Omelie? That was Omelie. Oh, thank God, because I thought Jen lost her accent and I was very scared. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. This is so exciting. And now, Waterfink Weekly. Who is in the background trying to talk? Hello? Oh, is that Baby Lee? That's Baby Lee. He keeps trying to grab my mouth. (laughs) That's my boy. I shouldn't say that. My coworkers will hear it and they're confused enough as it is. Haley. Oh my God, he has an accent. Say hi. No, he won't do it. I'm on mute because I'm waiting for my mic. With no, the Amelie, headset you're not on. on mute. I can actually hear you. I can hear you I now. I know. I unmuted it. Well, I, I didn't think she was narrating her text. <laughs> you can't hear me, you fuckers. Oh, am I not on mute anymore? I'm sorry. All right, um, we have to keep the language. Oh, I didn't think he could hear me. I didn't think he could hear me. We're an explicit podcast. <laughs> Close your ears, baby. Oh, God. Oh, she- this is so stupid. I swear. <laughs> I'm trying to change my freaking password on my AOL account. watch your language. <laughs> oh. What did I say? Uh, no one remembers. Can I just point out the fact that Jen hasn't been on the podcast in 50 episodes and she comes back and she's like, dang it, my thing won't work. Well, like, it's asking me, what is your favorite book? How, if I remember, close well, your ears, Lee. You know, I don't have any idea. I had to get into my Comcast account, and the main user is my father. It's like, who is my best friend? I'm like, who the hell was his best? He died six years ago. So I'm trying to like, pretend to be somebody else. But it's your mother's maiden name. So like, I'll put in my mother's maiden name. It doesn't work. Okay, I'll put in my like one grandmother's maiden name. 
doesn't work. Put in the other grandmother's maiden name. I'm like, does it really go back this far? Well, Danielle's is, what's my niece's name? And she's like, I don't have a niece, but it's her banking path, so she has no idea oh my how God, mine does that, too. Like, I think one of my things for that, it's something I don't have. It's like, what is your, like, first boyfriend's name? And I made it, like, Horace or something. But I'll forget that. Well, I've, I told the guy, I'm like, I can't get into my Comcast account because I don't know who my father's best friend was. He's like, look, it was you. I'm like, oh, my God, that was meaningful. It's like a message from my dad. <laughs> right That's there. just precious, Ryan. It was very precious. I'm like, who that Dave? Ba-? Like, I'm making up people. I'm like, I don't know who that was. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. Y'all today was like. I, I, I sensed an all y'all coming on. Did anyone else sense that call? Are you going to tell the story of how you got to smell like pig What? <gasps> yes. Hi, guys. She say hi to Jen. She hasn't been here. It's, it's longer than you. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi, sweetie. I miss you. Um, say hi. Hi, Lee. I was saying I have Lee decked out all over my cube at work, and everyone thinks he's my kid. Everyone's like, who is that? And I keep trying to say my friend's baby. And, no, what, no, what did I say? I, I, I didn't just saying, say my god baby. It's your How do I say What did god I screw up? baby. God son. No, what did I screw up? I kept baby. saying... Your did you friend? say he was your friend or your baby? No. Son's friend? Yeah, that's exactly what I did. I kept trying to say he's my friend's son, and I kept saying it's my son's friend. <laughs> like, you look like this creep who like yeah no it's like yeah it's like my my toddler's young friend who i think is dashing <laughs> it's, it's very confusing it's, it's not a good situation considering you don't actually have a son exactly hey sue hey i'm talking i'm just you know hanging out it's cool oh happy birthday beautiful. dr seuss Yes, yes, that was on Tuesday. We oh. celebrated. Cat in the Hat came nice. to school and scared the kids out. P.S. is behind the times. So um, Danielle and I bought a car tonight. We did it six months ago, but we had such a good time. We did it again. And um, it's not a Toyota anymore. We went last week and we ended up walking out because we didn't like the pricing. And then we changed our minds. But he, they thought it was like a stall tactic to come is down. Is this with because it. of all the Toyota recall yeah, stuff? Half and half. We had two hours to buy a car two weeks before the wedding or three weeks before the wedding. So we just, we were next to a Toyota dealership and we got the call and we're like, you know what? Let's buy something reliable. So we bought a Toyota. My it, Toyota's reliable. Okay. Tell us that when you're speeding down. Well, no, the thing that scared me yesterday is people brought their Toyotas into the dealership and they took the pedal out and they stuck the little thing in there and they took out the floor mats and they gave the, the thing a car wash and they, you know, did the little photo op and they gave the person their keys back and they got in their car, big smile on their face and they drove out of the parking lot across the street and directly into a ditch. What? Because it didn't fix the problem. Cars oh. were still accelerating. So uh, it just was a bad thing. Funny story. Have y'all ever been in a runaway car? Like a car with no brakes? Do you have a Well, Jan has I had one, but she wasn't story. in the vehicle at the time. <laughs> I do have a story. I was, I was in the back of a pickup as a child that ran away once. Let's yeah. say I know what the clutch is for. <laughs> you almost well, ran over your husband. I'm so no. glad you're here. Go when ahead. I was growing up, we had a 1991 white Chevy Astro van. Go hey, Google. that's what I drive, man. And, it's um, the same exact the, vehicle. It's the same exact it's, vehicle. Y'all don't even know. It's so ghetto. Anyway, so yeah, when, when we were living in uh, North Jen Carolina. Jen, car. 
you were living in North Carolina, which is why I sound the way that I do. I sound like I'm from Kansas by way of North Carolina. We would drive back to Kansas every year because all of my family lives in this cesspool of a state. And so we would just just drive back every year. My mother, by the way, deserves to be canonized because she would drive this every year by herself. It's like 20 hours in a car with three children under the age of 10. I would just be homicidal, but she did it every year. And she was only a little bit homicidal every year. So anyway, we're in St. Louis, downtown St. Louis. Me in St. Louis, Louis. I was probably about 11. Why did you get off the highway in St. Louis? Because my mother has balls of steel. That's and why. Garland, hello. <laughs> we will dance for hoochie coochie. You will be my tootsie whoopsie. This is going to be a good story. My mom gets off in downtown St. Louis to go to McDonald's. We're driving down the road and the light turns red and she hits the brakes and the car does not stop. We are in downtown St. Louis in a van that will not stop. So we're like swerving in and out of traffic and trying to like avoid people. We finally pulled off the road and got to a gas station. She finally got the car to stop and I'll have to ask her how she got the car to stop. I was in a runaway car in downtown St. Louis. If you will meet me in St. Louis, Louis, meet me Jen, what was it like for you? She's got a kid now. She's probably, you know, changing a diaper or something. (laughs) Oh, God, there's Jen. All right. (laughs) I have had a great couple of weeks, but then, like, today at work, like, I got bombarded by rednecks, and I was like, it's because I'm podcasting tonight. Not, like, the fun kind of rednecks, the ignorant kind of rednecks that... I was on the phone today, and I work at Pinkford. I don't know if I can say that I work at Pinkford. Please don't say that I work at Pinkford. I'm gonna say. What? Are you I'm afraid they're gonna go to Pinkford? Then find no. you. There's more than say, two of them. Say you work <laughs> at the Pinkford. Do you work in? No, Big I. Mart. Big Mart. I work in the women's apparel department at a multi-national um, department evil. store. Wait a minute. You think if you say you work at the women's section of Pinkford, someone is instantly no, going to know what no, Pinkford. to go to to find hey, Lady department store. Call it a department store. I don't think people are going to come find me. I'm afraid that somebody at Pinkford is listening to this. Who knows Lady Chi is the woman in... Like, it's late. not very hard to find my real name and connection to Lady Chi I found out the other day. I was Googling myself. That's you gotta stop doing that. But here's the thing I have. You honestly think that we have Puffalo listeners in your... That's true. It can happen, okay. Ryan. So I... It can happen. No, it did happen so, to Rena okay. once. So Rena had an incident at a wedding. Go ahead. <laughs> it's true. I worked, I worked at Pinkford in a college town. And so just weird stuff happens. And so I'm on the phone today and I'm like, you have this like spiel that you have to do whenever you answer the phone. Like, mm-hmm. thank you for calling your Manhattan Supercenter where you can save money and live better. How can I help you today? So you just said and... what town it was. Whatever. It's not like it's hard to Glad we established that. No, they're going to go to the one in New York City looking for Lady Chi. Oh, my God. It's funny that you said this. It was four foreign guys trying to find a pig in me. 
Manhattan, New York. She, when I met you, when I, when I first met you, I thought you lived in New York. I suggested we do lunch. That's right. I, remember I remember that. that. I, was, I was like, Ryan, I Massachusetts, Kansas, like, <laughs> like Ryan, Manhattan. <laughs> let's do lunch. <laughs> I'm like, that's odd because not many people know that this place exists. Don't their private jet, Ryan? Yeah, that would exactly. be great if I you was thought I was in your Manhattan and you're like, meet me by the giant cheese wheel. <laughs> there is no giant cheese well. thinking in Wisconsin. There is no giant cheese well, but there is a giant statue in of Paul Wisconsin. Bunyan. I have seen cheese. <laughs> walking around looking for the Bunyans. You did go to the, must- the Mustard Bunyan, Museum. Not Bunyans. You went to the Mustard Museum? Yes, in Wisconsin. We went to the Mustard Museum. I'm so pissed at you because you went to New York City. Start spreading the news. And you're doing the whole Big Apple thing. And like, no one calls it the Big Apple. And then someone calls it the Big Apple. And you're like, where are you from? And they're like, Fort Worth, Texas. Oh my God, like, no way. <laughs> I have a preschool story for you guys. My little Harry Potter guy that used to come in and draw me great Harry Potter pictures. Did you say your Harry Potter guide? Like your Indian guide? guide? No, one of my preschoolers. Yeah, oh, okay. he's one of my little kids. <laughs> what? He loved Harry Potter. Harry Potter guide? Okay, keep going. And he used to draw me pictures and stuff. Well, his sister is in, I believe, kindergarten now. And they were talking about making bread. And so the little girl informed the entire class and the teachers that when you make bread, you add the yeast to the flour. And the yeast makes the flour rise. And then the yeast farts. <laughs> And that's what makes the bubbles, and then the yeast dies, and you bake it, and you have bread. Which is kind of true, actually. It's very true. (laughs) Isn't it fun how kids like understand stuff, and you're like, that is true, but not the way that I would phrase it. (laughs) It reminds me of actually the line from the chapters tonight where Remus is like. WTF! And Harry's like, that was a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Like, when I was teaching preschool, I had this little girl that we called Maddie. And I would always call her my little bugaboo. Because she Isn't was a, a little bugaboo. Yeah, it's a stroller, but she's very expensive stroller. It is a very expensive stroller. She was very cute and very precocious, and so she was my little bugaboo. You know, I had nicknames for all the other kids, too. And one time I accidentally called another girl bugaboo, and she lost her mind. She was like, Miss Katie, Miss Katie, I'm bugaboo. I'm bugaboo. And I was like, okay, all right, fine. You are bugaboo. I would enjoy the story more if they referred to you as Lady Chi. It says Lady Chi. And you know how sometimes like talk about myself in the third person? Yeah. I once almost did that out loud and said P.S. <laughs> <laughs> I do actually sometimes call myself Chi when I'm talking to I myself. desperately want I a situation in life where Chi brings that special someone home to meet Jen and I. And she brings, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I want to say the following line, Lady Chi, your lordship. That's all I want out of life. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not I say for... hi. I'm Jan a lot. And hi, I'm Jan. Nobody says anything. Oh, my... It's your real name. 
on that. Yeah. Oh, the MGN. Well, okay, my mom lately has been on this kick about how I'm not dating anybody. Like, how I'm like, you know. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, I'm only 22. Like, it's not the end of the world, you know? So I texted her the other day, and I was like, oh, mom, there's a strawberry shortcake t-shirt that I really want at work. But I can't (laughs) buy it. And she's like, yeah, Katie, I mean or whatever it is that I'm calling myself now. You're not going to catch guys wearing a strawberry shortcake t-shirt. I was like, never know. I was like, well, now that just makes me want to run out and buy a strawberry shortcake. (laughs) Doesn't it just? Doesn't it? What on earth are you wearing? You look like a common prostitute. I'm like, why do all of my actions have to be directed towards catching a man? Like, with my luck, I'm going to have to hit him over the head with something and drag him back to the cave, you know? like. I do not need a blind date. I am wearing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shirt. Well, see? It was see. love at first sight. <laughs> <laughs> If I saw somebody wearing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I would have a hard time controlling myself as well. I think that was all that. serious, let me tell you. No, I did actually have a really good experience the other day. My sister took me out to a bar because we're Catholic and that's what we do. <laughs> On Fridays during Lent because you have to fast. And I don't you know if you know it. You have to, no, you have to fast. And you know so, what's sad? Like, what has been going on for so long, she's finally of age, and we don't have to cut in with the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Kool-Aid. So when you fast, it's Kool-Aid. a lot cheaper to drink because it doesn't take nearly as much to achieve the same effect. See? Wait, so, you can drink when you're fasting? Well, not technically, but Wouldn't whatever. you get sick? <laughs> Just like, think. wait a minute. <laughs> well, well, my poor sister the other day, like, she went out and I didn't go with her because I was not feeling very good a couple weeks ago. So she came back and she's like hanging on the arm of some girl walking in the door. And I was like, who is this? And she goes, this is my friend Katie. And I'm like, well, now I feel superfluous. Normally I'm the Katie that you're hanging on. But anyway, so we went out to a bar and her friend Nick was there and like he knew how to two step. So we were two-stepping, and he's, like, graduated from school, and we were having a really cool conversation about post-1950s feminist literature, and it was, like, really awesome. And then I found out that he lives in Chicago. And he knows how to two-step? And he knows how to two-step. When I was at Ryan's wedding, I was like, dude, where's the two-stepping? Nobody's two-stepping. I don't understand why more people don't know how to do it, because literally... Jen, Jen, you were in the kitchen when I took the dancing lesson. That was a waltz. Jen, did I or did I not almost knock over the refrigerator? <laughs> you were doing good. <laughs> That's what you say to Lee when he poops. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to dance and I almost swung someone into the... What did my mother's friend so even say? so darn cute, let me tell you. I'm <laughs> jealous of everybody that got to actually go to the wedding and poor cheap. Not poor like in the sense of pathetic, but poor in the sense of like having no money. Couldn't afford to go. You could have gone with Mike. And- Don't even throw that into the realm of <laughs> <laughs> a date with Mike? If they um went with each other he's to the wedding. He's very tall. He's very tall. And I am very short. Like, I am I the only one who pictures him going to the wedding but wearing Hagrid's fuzzy suit? What's with the flower? Hagrid, have you combed your hair? As a matter of fact, I have. You might let it try the same thing now and again. I am shorter than you, Chi. No, you're not. Are you? I can see him. She's very quite small. I am so short that I cannot work the trash compactor at work. And I had to find somebody to work. Well, I don't have a trash compactor, but I can tell you that I'm not five feet. Wait, what's a trash compactor? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) A compact trash. Is that the 
in like the trash pickup or truck? No. Kind of, sort of, but kind of, in a store. Really. We'll see. Well, um, okay. They have one in my They have one at your house? I don't really. Okay. In my I don't apartment really... building, and you go in the hall, and you go into the compactor room, and you dump the trash in a hole, and it falls Is into it, the compactor. It's and it, like a wall. You hear a whirring sound from below, and that's it compacting the trash. So I it makes really... it into a little square ball. It's a wally machine. Sort of. Wally. I mean, I don't really understand how it works. My understanding is this, okay? It's a cave, okay? And you knock on the door, and then a magician grants you access. And you open the cave door, (laughs) and you throw (laughs) food down to the dragon. And the dragon chomps it up in this square. Uh, Amelie, how's that blanket coming? It's the thing that the Star Wars getting stuck into. Yes, exactly. And Han's like, I don't know how to get us out of here. Yeah, and that just sounded like, like a Muppet character. It's <laughs> <laughs> all like, oh, I'm a whiny, emo little girl. And Hansel was like, I'm a badass. And they still don't know how to get out of the thing. I'm and like, no, they like, can't smush his beautiful face. Oh, yeah, that was a trash compactor. <laughs> <laughs> now I got it. Okay. Most trash were, compactors don't have tentacled creatures swimming around in them, you know. I always hear a weird noise coming from it. It could very well be that. <laughs> I swear to you, there is a dragon that lives in the trash compactor. Sometimes you should ask me how my garbage is. So wait, why do you have one of these in your house? We just use I trash cans with bags. No, sweetie. Yeah, no, I was talking about at work. Oh, Pink They have a yeah. trash compactor. They have a wow. trash compactor and a cardboard condenser. Yeah, I've seen and the cardboard condenser. We get to see those at preschool goes. field trips. Yeah. Every time I go to Pink Fods at like 7 p.m., like can't walk around so much boxes. I'm well, like, like, dude, this at midnight when I'm asleep and don't care. <laughs> I have a question. They never close, right? So when do they clean it? They do some close. I was in the middle of nowhere, and we had to go to Pinkfoot, and it was closed. Oh my! And gosh. they were like, "This isn't a twenty-four hour one." And I was like, "No way!" I thought they were all twenty-four hour ones. Ours closes. Ours doesn't close. Not open. Weird. What happens is that at eleven o'clock we close the GM side doors, which is the general merchandise side. Doors. I know you have to go through and so you have to go through grocery, and then we section off off parts of the store and we wax the floors from 11 to 7 in the morning so that's how it gets cleaned yeah Uh and our store is like i want to say our store is like a half a mile squared or something like that like it's a huge store it's like a sam's it's like a sam's yeah wow it's it's in it's in a college town right so it has to accommodate 25,000 and all these mysteries of pig answered trash oh. compactors. I'm so glad we didn't say where she worked. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Because we don't want I anybody to find her. I have no shut up monkey. I have no filter in my like brain that stops me from just saying whatever the crap is on my mind. And I so- know the feeling. <laughs> it just comes out. <laughs> it just won't stop. <laughs> I really wish I did, because, like, yesterday I was in this god-awful pissy mood, and I was just, like, telling everybody exactly what I thought, and I was like, I am going to do some serious damage to some relationships if I do not shut up. Did they put you on as a greeter, G? You should have been the greeter. Well, that's exactly who you are. Oh, there's, a like, a greeter. federal law that a greeter has to be a 97-year-old man. Like, that is literally, literally a federal law. Were you having to drive the truck out back? Like, you could. So, I have what they call it, is they call it working the door. 
store, and I have done that before. But, like, you know, today, for instance, I was answering phones, and I picked up the thing, and I did my spiel, and they're like, is this pig fox? And I was like, <laughs> that sounds so yes. <laughs> I was like, yes. And then they mumbled something unintelligible. And so I waited because I wasn't sure they were finished mumbling unintelligently. And then I said, excuse me, what? And they go, give me electronics, please. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not stupid. You just can't pronounce English. So I transferred them to sporting goods. <laughs> <laughs> That'll show him. I was like, not too aggressive or anything. I just think, you know. That's my favorite one ever said. So I transferred him to sporting. You're the person I wish I could be, you know? Because like, I could never do anything like that. Well, it's just, don't treat me like I'm an idiot. And then I had a policeman call me, and I transferred him to the fax machine on accident. <laughs> I felt really bad about that. And then he called back, and he knew it was me. And he's like, this officer so-and-so. And I was like, oh, hey, again. He's like, oh. It's probably like they have access to all those satellites. Yeah, what? I'm sure that he was watching me. I know. Uh, those things can see everything. I was yeah, I'm sure he has access to the satellite imagery technology. That's how he is. Not the satellites, the satellites. You just Shoot. wish y'all okay. could talk like this. That's what it is. That's this is, this seems like a good story to tell. Columbia, Kentucky. This is the article. Shoot first, ask questions later. That apparently is the motto of former Adair County Deputy Sheriff Charles Wright, who accidentally locked himself in a jail cell, <laughs> suffered an attack of claustrophobia, <laughs> and saw no alternative but to try to shoot his way out. That's <laughs> reasonable. Wait, wait. Wouldn't that, like, make the bullet ricochet? He has been compared to Barney him? Fife. But then, like Fife, Wright unfortunately was not restricted to one bullet in his shirt pocket. Sheriff Ralph Curry told WKYT that no one was hurt when his deputy opened fire, but Wright has since lost his job. The one man gun battle erupted Monday, which sadly happened to be the day the new $12.4 million county judicial center was proudly unveiled to the public and press after more than a year of construction. He tried to shoot his way out of it. He probably tried to shoot the lock, though. That would have ricocheted. How do you lock yourself in, though? <laughs> You're like, asking you... this question, Melissa. You've probably done that this week. Well, like, okay, have y'all ever been to not Azkaban, but the one sexual real? Not Azkaban prison. Okay. I actually have been there. Okay. <laughs> Jen, you know what? how they walk you around, right? And then they take yeah. you to solitary confinement. And then they're like, yeah. would you like to go in there? My yeah. question was, hell to the no. <laughs> Why would you want to go in there? Like, that was so creepy. I, I was like, uh-uh. He looked at me and I was like, no. And he's like, you're not even going to consider it? And I was like, no. Because you don't have my life. If I walk in there, that door will shut and it will not open. <laughs> I know. It's going to be like Shutter Island. You're going to be a ghost. All right. I'm heating my coffee. Then we can start. Jen, you're staying. I don't care if you haven't read the fic. I haven't. I don't even know what fic 
heck we're doing? Someone give her the 10 minute version. I'll Jen, back. we're reading Stealing Harry. Oh, I've read that. Of there you go. Have. Yay. Of course I have. You're the, you're the one that gave me the link. Do you remember? Long, long time ago. Probably. Before I was young, Jen oh. was sending me thick wrecks. Aww. I, I still have the PM with my thick wrecks from Jen. Oh, boy. <laughs> Jen never sent me thick wrecks. You never asked, dude. Well, hold on. I've got to go, and I've been rocking. Oh, my God. Slam down and come back. We need you desperately for this fix. I feel like I should be singing. I really do. I feel like I should put rum in my coffee. I I spent way too much money. Oh, my God. Sing the fic. (laughs) (laughs) Sing the fic? Like it's a song. Oh, I have to watch Caprica. Yeah, like, not you do. this you minute. You need to watch no. Caprica because it was. <laughs> no, did you hear that? <laughs> what is that? What is that? That is my son. <laughs> what is he doing? It sounds like a bird. <laughs> I thought it was a parrot. <laughs> what is he doing? He's screaming. Did you put him down? This is why I can't podcast. No, no, no. This is this is Listen fine. Listen to it. This is no, fine. you're saying it's fine to you edit, and you're going to be like, dang no, it. No, you know what? It, it's character. It's yeah, character it's, for our it's podcast. Lee, when we were young, we used okay. to edit. Near the end, they're screaming children in the background. That's fine. <laughs> I'm okay with people, that. I'm okay with You know, that. he really has a good set of lungs on him there, Jen. You might be able I'm, to get it. That's my son's people, friend. That's Ryan's godson. <laughs> Oh, God. And I'm the nerdy godfather. I sent him savings bonds. <laughs> oh, I've been waiting to hey, hear the I, drum. I used to get savings bonds every year for one of my uncles for my birthday and Christmas. Every year until I was 18. That's was, what he did. That was very disjointed, but I actually understood everything. It's There's nothing because... wrong with money. Money's good. Money's yeah, I wish good. I had money. But what I didn't realize, when, when you buy a car, they make you get insurance on <laughs> And so... You didn't know you had to have car insurance? I knew, but I just didn't think about it. Have you had it all it's, this time? Yeah, you can't buy it. No, I car. thought that's what you meant, that you never knew you had to have it. No, <laughs> that was just a shock when we got, we bought our first car. <laughs> because we were like, yay, the payments are what we can afford. And they were like, so what insurance do you have? And I was like, um. <laughs> it's like all these real estate shows I'm watching now where people are like, yeah, I want to buy a house. Well, what are you going to do for you know your property taxes? Can I get those waived? Like, it's like exactly. People, like, people are funny about that kind of stuff. You know what I love? I love HGTV because okay. those people you do too? not live. Yes. They do not live in the same reality that I do. Okay. <laughs> They're like, okay, Cindy is a single teacher from LA. And I'm like, okay, you have a pretty good idea of how much money she makes. Okay. She's like, they, she has a starting budget of half a million dollars. And you're like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I turned it on one day and it was Jen. In a wig, it was Jen's sister, Jan. She's and I'm like, this is, well, the thing was, it's, it's Property Virgins, which takes place in Toronto, where they all buy houses. House. I need to buy a house. Yes. And I'm watching it, and I'm looking at the husband, I'm like, I think that's James with longer hair. Like, where are these people from? And we're in Fort Worth, Texas. Oh, my God. They all look like Jen in Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> In the heart of Texas. Now, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. You don't even want... No, you don't... Like, it's the like the most expensive everything in the... Like, Omelie lives in Boston. Massachusetts. God knows yeah, how I she has... I hear you. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure what you said right there, but I'm sure I agree with you. <laughs> so, very expensive. And I'm looking, and it's like they walk into a house. Now, it's Buckingham 
palace. They walk in and there's like it's huge vaulted ceilings and there's a moat around the house and they and they walk through and there's a press conference going on in there and they check out the kitchen. It can seat seven hundred and fourteen, but it's a little tight if you want to get the last one. Yes. And and they're like, How much is this house going for? Well, it's she's like, Well, how much do you think it's going for? And Jan is like, Well, I'm gonna guess um one twenty nine nine. And James is like, no, 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 you're lowballing this. It's one thirty three seven. One thirty three seven. Is the prices right? Yeah, and and then, and then Sandra, the host, is like, it's actually one forty nine nine. Now, I just bought a car today for like half of that. Like, that's not a lot of money for a house. And Jan's like, one hundred and forty nine nine. That's too steep. That is too steep. Like my my shed costs one forty nine. You, just, you know what? You need to move out here because your perception of reality would shift. Like, you know what I could do? I you I know how they that. always say you could take all your money and move to a small African nation and run it because you would be like the richest man ever with just what you have in your pocket? I, I think I could do that with Texas. I was watching, I don't know, something on HGTV. But anyway, and this girl gets on there and she's like, oh, I just graduated from college and my parents had set aside a bit of money for me to start my own home and blah, blah, blah. And she's looking in like, I think she was in San Francisco and she was like, well, I'm going to buy my first home. I'm thinking, yeah, that's smart you idiot but anyway and then they're like okay she's got a starting value of four hundred eighty-two thousand. i'm like okay what okay so she's looking at apartments and seriously i'm not joking she found one and it was perfect it was 712 square feet and it had everything she wanted it was in the city it was in the view blah 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 okay like hello my kitchen could fit in that like <laughs> for four hundred fifty thousand dollars I could have a 7,000-square-foot house here. Like, yes. are you kidding me? Seven I don't hundred... understand. I don't She's understand like, why anybody lives on either coast. It drives me it's so weird. Why? And then, my, what really drives me crazy I, is Because of the tornadoes. Center. Okay, what I really don't understand <laughs> is House Hunters International. International, right? You always get these people. Oh, they like, drive okay. me nuts on House Hunters <laughs> International. <laughs> Like, we're going to buy our second home in Cabo, and we definitely need, like, no less than five bedrooms. No. We would like a guest house. You know what pisses me off with those people? They want to keep their flat in London, because that's where they work. But they want to buy the house in South Africa. But if they spend more than 150 for the house in South Africa, they will not have enough spending cash. My question is, how the hell do you get back and forth if you don't have spending Someone's going to steal your house. There's going to be like a revolution. One seriously, where the guy was like in Morocco and like he was buying a house, and literally it was like an Adobe, like four walls, and like that was it. There was like no, and they're like, yeah, we have two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and we really want a Western bathroom because yeah, we don't want to have to throw out the pot every day. I'm like. What? Why would you do this? There was one couple. They lived in uh, Louisville, Arkansas. No, it's not in Arkansas. Where the hell is it? Kentucky. Where's Louisville? Like, Kentucky. It's in Kentucky. It's in Kentucky. And they live in this suburban area of Kentucky, and they've got the two precocious girls, and they've got the, the, the very nice house, and there's trees and all that stuff. But they're like, they would like to have an urban apartment so they could have a nice contrast in their lives, all right? They buy an apartment. 20 minutes away from their house. 
They're in the suburbs of Louisville, yes. and they buy the apartments because they don't want to have to drive home. So then they're looking at all these apartments, and their complaints are they're too noisy. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really too close cool. to the action. I'm like, that I commuted cool. to college twice as far, one way. <laughs> Did y'all see the one where that grandpa moved into an apartment? And, like, he had the biggest house I've ever seen. And he was yes. like, yeah, I just yeah, need an 800 like, square yeah. foot. Like, he's, like, looking at lofts and stuff, and I'm going, he's like, I just need room to put my bikes in here. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Why? I don't understand. Like, Why would you put the like... bike inside the house? So no there... one steals it. Do they need a, mo- four they need a motorcycle or a bicycle? <laughs> hell? Why would you need four bikes? You only have two legs. I was watching, <laughs> I was watching Property Virgins yesterday. This is, okay, you thought it was what? great when What's I discovered P.S. lives down the street. A show I, is property. It's virgins. called property virgins. It's, You're it's, gonna it's, have to like. Well, she keeps calling them her virgins, like the virgins that you know. She's, That's I'm the stupidest thing ever. No, it, it's, it's a, a, it's like a Canadian. It's a, a Canadian real estate agent shows, um, like you know, first time home first buyers time three home houses, buyers. and they usually pick one. So she's showing all these houses. I'm watching it. I like spit my coffee out. It's the house down the street from mine. It's, yeah. it's down the street. <laughs> And I'm like, well, I don't recognize the, the home. He could have been on TV. Yeah. Well, then you know what I... show I really like on HGTV, though? What? what? Really, really like Homes on Homes. Mm. Have you ever watched that? He is such a pud. <laughs> Give it up. You know who he is? He's the guy that you go to him because you screwed something up. And you go to him to fix it. He yes, will find 843 different ways of saying, I told you so. <laughs> All he does the entire show is talk about how the last guy fucked the house up and how glad you, you should be kissing the ground I walk on. Because I am the only man in the world who knows how to clog walls. No, that's like an unbiased like summary of the show is like, okay, people hire contractors that don't know what they're doing, okay? And they don't get permits or whatever. Because in Canada, apparently, you have to get a permit to take a piss. Like, they are really into permits. <laughs> and he's from Canada. A lot of the good shows are from Canada. Hi, Canada. Okay. And um, <laughs> so, anyway. I have nothing to do with it, but thank you anyway. <laughs> Right, and then unfailingly, he'll open up a wall and he'll go, "Oh no, this isn't good." And then the next thing you know, the whole house is like damn. <laughs> He'll like find this drainage problem is gonna cause this whole wall to fall down. He's like, take it off the backyard. He wanted to fix the electrical wall, but it's so terrible. He gets, he's such an angry human Wait, being. So Ryan, he gets so angry you're he, when you're not watching. When you go, no, he opens the wall and he's like, "Oh, mold! I hate mold!" And he rips the wall down. Then he gets angry because he has like the plaster job. He starts removing the ceiling. I hate these pipes. And he gets so angry. And, and then he'll trying. be like, he'll just take like a pipe and he'll just bang the shit out of it against the wall and he'll go, and you wonder why your pipes bang? And I'm like, yeah, because some idiot Canuck is over there grabbing hold of him and banging him like a shit And then they get the house looking nice. They get the house looking nice. And he's looking and he notices a bit of drywall doesn't go all the way to the floor. He's like, take it down. And they rip the side of the house. <laughs> And then he goes to the Elmire when you need another week. Because you keep ripping the house <laughs> this down. This is going to be expensive. There was one time, okay, that the woman, she had hired somebody to come in and put a new tile floor in her kitchen, okay? That is all she had hired him to do, okay? And the 
Parker had messed it up. Well, he gets in there and he's like, this is going to be easy. This is going to be a nice break. Right. And he tears up the floor and he's like, oh, no. Oh, this floor is not level. And I'm like, what? He rips up downstairs. This woman's brand new kitchen renovation. Brand new kitchen renovation. She just spent $30,000 on this kitchen. And he's tearing that sucker down. Because it's not level. It's like, like, he gives her a nice kitchen at the end of the day. One that's much nicer than what she started. I just think that he's a frustrated interior decorator. Because he just walks into these houses and he's like, this is some ugly shit. There was one episode where, where this, this condominium comp, it, you know, it's a neighborhood and it's everyone's houses are back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this guy came around and offered to put a fence up between everyone's property, but everyone had to chip in $500. So people chipped in, and he left with the money. He, like, did a bad job on, like, half the fence and left. So he's like, no, 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 oh, this is bad. This is not done well. So he starts ripping all of the crap. He's, like, taking up, like, like he's taking up the crust of the earth to rip these things up. And he rips everything out, and he's like, no. In the entire episode, like, Danielle and I are used to, like, the half-hour, 22-minute episodes. We're 38 minutes in, he's still measuring where he's going to put the <laughs> like this is not boring out like I seriously like we're watching him measure the then he's complaining I hate people who steal money oh and then, like he goes back it's terrible it's like he's such an angry human being right now we have though. bathroom construction going on in my house that so this just hits a little close to home <laughs> does he if he were there now he would have to level the house and start over <laughs> see what he we don't have TV but we are renovating the basement a contrast coming on saturday hang on a second really let me nervous. let me drop you and pull you back in hang on because that sounds like a wonderful story we will talk about harry potter at some point i swear just like a side note right okay my parents own a house that was redone by a flipper y'all know what that is right like yeah. a flipper like i have a french horn flipper <laughs> he buys no, houses no. fix them and sells house them to for flip more flip it to right it. okay oh, wait, sort of you sound mm-hmm. like a boat yes yeah, <laughs> Jen, that's what? Evil. We do not I'm talk sorry. about boats on this podcast. No, not boats. Boat. <laughs> a goat. How can you sound like a boat? Like a boat. No, I don't sound like a goat or a boat. <laughs> would you, could you in a box? Would you, could you with a box? <laughs> I would eat them here. I would eat them there. I would eat them there. Does Omelie sound like a boat? Does she sound like a goat? <laughs> Omelie, talk. Um, talk, 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 talk. <laughs> Oh my god. Amelie, like do you want me to call you? You sound a little distorted. Does she sound like she's in a moat? <laughs> she does kind of sound like she's in a moat. She sounds like she's in a dryer. Have y'all seen that one show, Renovation Reality? or re- Yes. I love I- that. Love it. I, I love, love it because show. I love to see people really that like have all these TV. grand hopes. Like, to see them dashed and crushed. Oh, I know. Did reality. you see that one with that girl? She's decided to uh, rip out this uh, strange theater, and she's going to have a hallway and a bathroom. And, like, right. this neighbor comes down, and, like, they could just fight the whole time. And they, like, does she, like, slam, what's that thing called? Sledgehammer? Sledgehammers yeah. through the wall. And then she's like, man, I'm tired. And, like, at the end of the show, it's like, she did not accomplish what she was doing. I was like, how did this girl get paid to be on TV? Why can't I not do something and get paid for it? Because I'd be good at it, dadgummit. <laughs> it cracks me up. It cracks me up. 
Okay, so anyway, my parents own this house that was built by a flipper. Not built, a flipper. but no. Wait, right. what is a flipper? A flipper. A flipper, is flipper. a flipper is somebody that buys a property and then renovates it for a profit, okay? Okay. But, what his name? but this guy that did this, the market in Johnson County about 10 years ago, which is where I'm from. See, I'm just giving people all the clues to be able to put it together. What's your social security number? <laughs> no. Put your phone number out there. She will be fine. What's your father's best friend? <laughs> oh my gosh, I just realized the other day that I accidentally told Twitter that people could find me through my phone number, and I realized that that was a terrible idea. But anyway, it's a scary like, idea. There are like weirdos out there, man. I had to tell Twitter to not be able to find my email address with the Puffwa Exchange Twitter. I'm like, this can't end well. Wait, I haven't <laughs> been on Twitter forever. Can they find me? It's gonna ask. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, the guy that built Your our house was a flipper. Okay, ten years later, our deck is no longer attached to the actual house. Homes on homes. My dad has been electrocuted trying to fix the washing machine. Oh, he's dead. No, he's not dead, but he was pretty. Is he dead? No. Okay. This is a funny story. from electrocution every day. I know, but don't you think you would have said my late father? This is a funny story, okay? Well, my dad has electrocuted Electrocution is not funny. Poor Bernard was struck and killed by a bolt of lightning. (laughs) Okay, you guys are the ones who obviously laugh during people's funerals. My dad has electrocuted himself once before fixing the washing machine when I was really young. Because he didn't turn the water off and he kept it plugged in. Like, my dad just has to piss on the electric fence. He just has to learn things the hard way. Well, anyway, this is about three years ago. Dad's home. It's just me by myself. Dad is attempting to fix something and I'm watching TV. I hear this explosion. Like a bomb has gone off upstairs. So I run upstairs. My dad said a really loud word that I won't say. I thought like he had a heart attack and died or something. And I came up the stairs and he's like laying on the floor. He probably did have a heart attack. I just started laughing. That thing means when they say clear. (laughs) <laughs> that is, you know, that is what happens, Chief. Jen would no, know she actually gave her father a heart attack. I electrocuted myself once, okay? There was, like, somebody she said never did it again. I did. It was on an auditorium thing, and I was climbing up to the stage, and somebody had put a freaking, I don't even know what it was, but it's like a, a what are those things called? Not safety. They, they keep papers together at the top. Paper clip. Paperclip, paper yeah. Thank you, anyway. sir. This is for you. Yes, paperclip. Like, they'd stick a paperclip in it. So, like, I touched it with my leg. And literally, I'm, like, laying on the floor on my face, you know, like, wobbling. And they're like, oh, my God, what's wrong? And, like, yeah, I got electrocuted. It was awful. It scared the crap out of me. It was like having a seizure. Yeah. Of which I'm assuming was... you've also had. No. She sounds so disappointed. Are we going to hear Omni's story, or is she still stuck in the dryer? Omni? You're not really a goat. Or a boat. What the microphone, microphone is unplugged. I just a sec. The... What chapters I've... are we doing? Um, 15 to... to 21. We are doing the chapters in which Ramus and Sirius get it on, yo. Oh, I have some comments about that. I have some comments about that. I thought you liked it, Ryan. There is a point in this story at which the porn music starts.
Okay, let's start the podcast while we're, we're, we're uh, waiting for Amit. Jen. Jen. Okay, well, Jen, wait for, Jen, wait for the thing. I don't even know what the weather we're using now. Welcome really? back to... I almost said Pink Flots, Jen. Welcome back to Pink Flots. Welcome to Pink Flots. There ever be again a podcast quite like this? One that brought us together and started its own forum list. Where the hosts are all our friends, all the stories told by Jen. Will it drive Ryan round the bend? Part of it weekly, where the story never ends. Mm-hmm. And welcome back to Part of it Weekly, this is Ryan. Welcome to Pink Fox! <laughs> My real name is Sorensen. <laughs> I was listening to that the other day. I missed that. Fact. Did, did everyone say hi? I have no. Uh, I really Sue, Sue. We haven't I gone really through the whole list. Yeah, Scott we should start Sue. over because there was a point there where a lot of people were talking and not everybody got to say hi. Hey, and welcome back to Marvin Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm P.S. I'm Sue. I'm Scott. I'm she. Jen always goes before me. All right, it we're going again. Yeah, welcome back. Okay, we're doing it. Not go Ryan, Jen, Chi, PS. Like, All right, we're doing it one more time. <laughs> and welcome back to Powerfic Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Chi. I'm PS. I'm Sue. I'm Scott. It's hard to believe that it only took us four takes. Jen is back. You've Wait, heard you're her. Wait, you're not Omli. Grab Omli. We're Omli. Omli. She's Omli still plugging in. She just wrote, I'm hanging up. She's, she's <laughs> hanging up. Omli has left. Okay. All right. Puffle people. We need a word for puffle people. Like, you know, your Twitter people are. Puffwainians. Omli is in the room. She's here in spirit. Why is add to conference not an option? It makes it sound like she's dead. Well, she is kind of dead. Not dead. Unlike not dead. Unlike Chi's father, who is also not dead. Oh, Ryan, your mom is on Facebook. Hello. Hi. Hello. Is that any Hello? better? It is. Yeah, yes. It's great. Yes. yes. Yeah. Fantastic. It's the powers of Buntu. It's the power of what? It's the power of what? Buntu. Buntu? It's an operating system. Oh, thank God. I thought you were, like, going no. tribal. I thought it was in it. some, like, African spirit or something. Is that, too. I was like, I think it's just this computer. So if we just change everything over... Amelie is a Puffwani, and she went out and bought a new computer when she was having difficulty with her <laughs> um, In the living room alone, I'm counting four computers. That's just weird. Oh, good. Five. Five. She bought, she bought five computers in case one broke. Five and an iPhone. Oh, P- oh P.S. would like to talk to you after the podcast. <laughs> P.S. has oh been... Okay, can I just tell you, P.S. is online 24-7. She's always here. You would think she knows everything going on in the internet. She, she pulls me aside the other day. Ryan, I would love some type of device. I don't know what. That would allow me to call my family, browse the internet... 
and listen to music. Do they make such a thing that operates on an <laughs> AT&T service? Like, well, there is an iPhone. Tell me more. I said, I, have you I said to the way she's never heard of an iPhone Have you before. looked at this thing? It is amazing. They've had them yes. for like three years. They're expensive. They're expensive. Don't you remember the Jen episode? An iPhone. Don't you remember that? When she was in Walmart, and she was in Ikea. Oh my gosh, I'm looking at it again now. It has a map. You can find your house from space. But you have to pay like $400 a month just to have that phone. Okay, Jen should not work for Apple because that's completely false. Good (laughs) story. Okay. It takes pictures and it is. Was there a fix that we were going to talk about? Yes, we were discussing stealing Harry tonight. All right, here's the deal because we're we're Uh jumping back into stealing Harry. Now, I have to tell you, this is the first. P.S. would be proud, you know, a little bit, but not really. This is the first story I've read in the fandom. I've got, like, two stories left in me. And this is, like, the first story I've read in this fandom that includes a slash love sex scene. Now, I have to tell you, I'm from Massachusetts. (laughs) I am a social liberal from Massachusetts. I love gay people. I love gay marriage. (laughs) I love Provincetown, I love rainbows. Wait, what is Provincetown? It's where the gay people live, Jen. <laughs> like DuPont Circle? Mm-hmm. All right. What? I went there. All right. I so wasn't joking. That's me, all right? That's the inner Ryan. That's where I'm coming from. I'm listening to this story on my iPod, all right? And I'm sitting at my desk. Now, my coworkers, I'm, I keep the volume down because they're still trying to find us in Pofua. They're still mm-hmm. looking for Pofua. They can't find it yet. Week three, they can't find us yet. I'm in that mode, and a friend of mine, you know, knocks on the little wall to my, my cubicle, and she looks at me, and she's like, why are you blushing? <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I don't know if it's because I'm a happily married heterosexual, or if this is like the area where I think Remus and Sirius just need to be alone. But it was doing nothing for me. So I decided to start fast-forwarding through the love scene. Now, I've done Best that before. I did, no, I did that before, because after reading the entire Lavender Brown trilogy, we moved on to Backwards with Purpose. There was a Ron Hermione love scene there, which was eerie because he was a bagel. But, but number two, after reading the Lavender Brown trilogy... I knew everything there was to know about those two and didn't give a damn anymore. So I oh, Ryan, to move you're on. so cute. Yes. So, <laughs> I decided to fast forward sort through. Of pitch his cheeks every once in a while. I, I decided to fast forward through the love scene. So I, so I grabbed my iPod and I said, fast forward three minutes. It must be well, over you, in three oh my minutes. God, does it do that if you say that? No. 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 The iPod, the, the iPhone might, but the, the iPod iPhone, doesn't. It can tell you driving directions if you tell it to. P.S. For example, if I'm listening to an uncomfortable slash scene on my iPod, I can scream, Warp 9, get us the hell out of here. That's exactly it. Warp 9. Are you watching Star Trek? So I jump ahead three minutes. Remus was licking serious. I jumped ahead another three minutes. I don't want to tell you what I found there. I jumped ahead another three minutes and was disturbed. I'm fine with it. It's just not my thing at the office. You know what I mean? So I jump ahead three (laughs) minutes more, and I apparently overshot the sex scene and ended up at the breakfast the following morning because I jumped from the disturbing material directly to a reference to Arthur's sausage. (laughs) (laughs) And on behalf of everyone, I'd just like to say my hand. And that's the point I hit pause because I wasn't sure if I wanted to keep 
going. Oh, come on, Ryan. You said you liked it. You're just no. I like Can the I... story. I just don't like that part. You know what, Ryan? This is a weird kind of random offshoot thought. But yeah. I have been watching that Star Trek movie. You are so Scotty. Montgomery Scott, chief engineer. Call me Scotty. I, you are the why am I Scotty? Like, oh, oh, you're watching the I, movie, no, movie, oh, yeah, movie. All you're right. like, not only could I beam an account from one planet to the adjacent planet in the same solar system, I could do it with a living animal. <laughs> I can't even tell what accent that was supposed to be. That was definitely Russian. That was Russian, which is unfortunate because he's Scottish. Scottish. It was Scottish. It sounded it Scottish Scotty. to me. Oh, and you're the expert on Scottish over I'm here. The Hi, I'm Jan. You're mocking my accent. I thought it was Jimmy doing I'm like, I cannot change the laws of physics. I'm like, how the hell does that work? Scotty would have been Hey, that was even more Russian than she. All right, now, now I think you're just being difficult. I can't change the laws of physics. So that was my thought. I don't think the graphic slash stuff was my thing. Everything else I enjoyed. This is why you read it on the internet, and you can just do the little scroll button whenever you feel the need. Well, do you remember that one that I was like, oh my gosh, this story is so good. And then I read the eighth chapter, and I was like, oh my god, take it off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, that was unfortunate because there were children involved. This is actually an interesting thing for me, because I've never read a slash sex scene before. There wasn't a slash sex scene. Yeah, but there was there was. Where? That did not yeah. count. That but was it lame. was. Well, it's interesting for me because I've read slash stories before and I've never had an issue. I mean, you could argue, you know, if the fact that it went on for nine minutes was that a little too much. Well, but what was your problem? I mean, was it the level of detail? Or I'm wondering if it's just maybe for, you know, a heterosexual male to read it, if it's just... Because I, I've never read a graphic sex scene you know, well, depicting two men. I don't have problems with the ship, but I've never well, read one before. Like, this is actually kind of interesting. This is kind of relevant to my interest because there's a lot of psychologists and people kind of analyzing the internet culture and the things that we kind of accept as normal. And this phenomenon of slash fiction, in particular like slash erotic fiction, is really interesting because it's not like an area of fandom that's particularly populated by gay men. It's an area of fandom that's particularly populated by women between the ages of 20 and 35, and sometimes older. So, like, the question is, what about Slash is appealing? What about it? I don't think it's necessarily Slash as reading fiction. Like, I think men are visually stimulated and women are... When there's no male Slashers, there's no male... There's a point to be made that there's not a lot of... I mean, if you, like, look at the the percentage of, like, fandom in general that's male, obviously you're going to have less male Slashers because, like... It's yeah. a right. subset of well, Even never, with fem slash, though, I can't. I can't get into that at all. I've never read a fem slash fic either. I've never read a slash sex I've, scene before. So that I'll was, let you know. In Harry Potter fandom, there isn't any. Not any that's worth reading. The fem you, slash. You, you mean? You've looked, you will find yeah. there's plenty of men fem slash writers in other fandoms. I mean, yes. it's not like, it's not, I mean, Harry Potter is weird is, in that there's no films last. all over the place in Doctor Who. Well, see, the thing that drives me nuts is people always be like, well, people that are, like, going off against female slashers will always be like, well, there's no male femme slash writers, and it's always, that's the point I have to make. That is in, so not true. In, oh, that's not in true. In this fandom, in this right. fandom, there is no femme slash writers at well, all. But if you go to there are other very many adult women characters that people would care to slash. Yeah, so, and I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not really a big fem slash reader, but I think I would like to see Ginny Luna more. I like that ship, and I've read some Jenny Hermione that's pretty good. Well, here's the thing. It would make more sense for Doctor Who because, 
you have, you know, one How character. It, it wouldn't make sense for Doctor Who at all because there's no women at the same time. You know, like he's got Rose yeah. and then Rose goes away and Martha comes, so you can't do Rose Martha, you know? Well, you have – no, I mean like if you had like something with, oh, you know, Jack and the Doctor yes. and Rose. I mean that would kind of yes. work be- – but I'm just speaking in general terms, hon. I know. I mean you can do anything in fiction. I'm just saying the obvious. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like this is why it's not – I've wondered about that because even in a lot of stories, there are certain characters that are homosexual in fiction that are easily converted. But there's not a lot of femme slash. It's just not the same. I don't know why. In this fandom, I mean, it really does depend on the fandom. That's true. But, yeah. like, if we talk about Harry Potter, we talk about, like, the kind of readers that read Harry Potter. Right. Like, it's kind of a chicken or the egg question. Like, is it that there is a lack of female characters to slash together? Or is it because I think this particular base... the people that are writing Harry Potter aren't the people that are writing Femme Slash. Yeah, I think it's that, actually, because in other fandoms where there's the same problem. In Doctor Who, there's technically the same problem. Rose and Martha meet each other for, like, five seconds. Like, you can't really write a porn porn story about Rose and Martha, except people do. Obviously, you can do whatever you want, but, I mean, my, my example with Rose and Martha was just, like, you wouldn't right. think that Doctor Who would have a lot of femslash because there's not, you know, two women at the same time interacting a lot, like, which is what leads to... Oh, when I said Doctor Who, right. just so you know, I meant slash. You know, I meant... Probably oh. the doctor and right. Jack I, thought, I thought we were talking about himself. No, well, you no, no. were. You well. were. I was. I was wandering aimlessly in the woods. One thing that's interesting to me is this: I like slash stories, and I particularly like slash stories when I can buy the sexuality of the characters. I'm not particularly interested reading and in, in reading Han Solo and Luke Skywalker because you'd have a hard time convincing me that either one of those men were in any way like homosexual. Did somebody just make a Darth Vader noise for no reason? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why. <laughs> I can't help myself. No, um, that's incestuous and weird, and I don't want you to do it anymore. <laughs> just, I just heard Star Wars. I'm sorry. No, Darth Vader and Luke and Han. Wow. That's just wrong. There's an OT3 that will never set sail. Anyway, um... <laughs> No, I'm sure anchored to the rocks. Like, that thing's not moving. Well, he is, he's encased in the black suit, so it's not like he can do anything anyway. Maybe that's so why he's a voyeur. That part got, like, volcanoed off, so we're not even going to worry about it. Volcanoed <laughs> is my new favorite verb. <laughs> it had never occurred to me, but I'm pretty sure that's why Darth Vader's so pissed off. Like, he woke up and he didn't have a penis in his That would be a major bummer. Is that why he yelled, No! <laughs> was it. <laughs> Jen, I'd like to thank you for destroying Perfect Weekly yet again. I am sorry. Artie, you were talking about, you said Han and Luke, you would, seriously, we're getting back on track because we're talking about Slash and that makes me happy. Right, okay, we're talking about Slash. Okay. Slash, Slash, Slash. I really do like Slash. I like, I'm glad. I, I do too. Which is weird. There's this, there's this essay that came out just a couple weeks ago that I was reading and I think I sent it to UPS because I do tend to send you stuff that's relevant to your interest. I don't remember this essay. You have to find it again or send it to me it, again. I don't it was actually a study that was being done by a group of university people and a bunch of fan of people got up in arms because they were asking 
all these questions of women that like slash. Do you think that you like slash because there's an equality in the relationship because there's not that gender? That, that drives me bananas. I have never seen it like, the, like that way. I've always seen it as like I like the ship first and like it just so happens that all the ones I like happen to be slash. Like I don't know why that is but I've never actually. It honestly wasn't until somebody drew my attention to it that I realized I am a slash. Yeah. You know, I it's think just like, oh, I like in this particular story I enjoyed the fact that it's not just hey look Remus is gay and hey look Sirius is gay and oh look they want to be together it was more complicated with that because up until this point Sirius has been a practicing heterosexual and has been very happy doing so. Remus has been gay because he's been bringing a lot of book dealers to the house. And, you know, <laughs> over the course of the story, you know, Remus and, and Sirius just kind of come together and it's a question for Remus whether or not Sirius is... I'm, Sirius. Like, I'm going there. Is he serious about it? I just like that this is a story about two people that love each other. I'm serious. Right. Like, I think that this is a story that makes the point that gender... It doesn't have to matter. Like, it That's just one has of the to be about lines two people. in the first chapter in this section. Yeah. Like, um, Sirius is thinking about this because he's just come to keep Remus company after the full moon, basically. He gets into bed with him to heat him up so it'll be a sort of healing thing. And he's thinking about it, and he's like, it's a lot different than with women. There's there's all these various things, and of course, they never have a stubble, and it's kind of weird, and yet it's moony. And so all that matters really to him is it's Remus. It doesn't matter that Remus is a man or Remus is a woman. Like I remember when Jen came up, you know, I showed Jen what New England looked like, and I showed her home prices. And she was it was a whole new world for Jen. <laughs> and we talked about you know differences between the North and the South and things you could get away with here and that you couldn't get away with there, and vice versa. And that's when I beat you over the head with their microphone. And that was not me that time. Swear to God. Who is doing that? What or doing? I don't even know what you're talking about. Someone is whacking their microphone over and over. Is it my my hands are sitting. I'm sitting nicely with my hands in my lap. All right, we're finding out who this is because this is taking me days to edit. Yeah, now everyone's quiet. I see how it is. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we're talking about, and we were talking about gay marriage, and we were talking about you know whether being gay is a choice or whether being gay is something that you're just born with, and it's it, it's something that's completely beyond your control. And a comment I remember I made at the time was, I don't feel like I have a choice with sexuality. I'm heterosexual. I didn't choose that. I can't change it. It's who I am. So I have no difficulty believing that there are people who are hardwired to be homosexual and they can't change that. They didn't choose it. And I can believe that because it's the exact same thing that happened to me. So it was interesting for me to read the story then where a character questions his sexuality because we haven't read one on the podcast and I haven't read them you know, on my own. And that's the question. Can Sirius just fall for me like that? Is he trying to force himself to do so because he pities me or is he trying to force himself and he's going to realize it was an awful mistake and then we're going to be awkward forever and I'm going to lose him and Harry and the bookstore and everything it, it, it was very well written because that's how Remus as a character should be perceiving that because you can try and imagine what it feels like to be you know someone else but you can't actually know it which I thought was just very fascinating right. and a really good way to do it. As for the sex scene and why I couldn't deal, I just think it just was awkward for me because I wasn't getting anything out of it. But I can't say it was the writing because I didn't actually read it. So that can't, it may have been very <laughs> right. well written. There's no, like, no way to know. Like if I can bring this back to personal time in my life, I read this story shortly after I met Jen. She sent me the link. I have a friend, Michelle, who's now married to her girlfriend, who is no longer her girlfriend, but is her wife. Anyway, it was a time in my life where I was really sort of trying to figure out 
how I felt about stuff. Like, do I really believe in God? Do I really want to be a practicing Roman Catholic for the rest of my life? For me, a huge question was, do I believe that depression is a mental illness? So reading this story at the same time that Michelle was moving in with her girlfriend and there was a lot of awkwardness with my parents because Michelle had was over at the house all the time when I was a kid. My parents, I'm not saying that it's good or it's bad. It's just that my parents tend to take the church's view of gay mm-hmm. marriage, which I think is a valid view. I think that if you, if that's how you interpret the Bible, that's how you interpret the Bible. But that's not how I interpret the Bible. Anyway, so I was reading this at a time where I was sort of figuring that out. And I think that this is a story that sort of impacted the way that I think about sexuality and homosexual relationships and, you know, that kind of stuff. And really started me on this train of thought that I'm still sort of continuing, like, artistically today about sexuality and that kind of stuff. So not to, like, steal the conversation away. I mean, as an author, I think to get people to think about stuff like that, I think that'd be really great if somebody told me that they got, you know, thought about stuff like that from something I'd written. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the point of fiction. When you're sitting down to write something, I mean, sometimes you just sit down to write porn, and that's fine. But, you know, when you're sitting down to write porn, you're getting people to think about sex. Or sometimes you sit down and you, you set out to write about fluff, but then your ulterior motive is really, I'm trying to get people to think about what makes people happy in relationships. Mm-hmm. Or angst is a way to get people to think about how they handle tragedy. Or if you're cold and call-filled, it's how you want to kill spoiled little rich brats. And, you know, like that kind of stuff. Writing is a way to say to the world, this is what I'm thinking about. Are you thinking the same kind of thing? Yeah. You know, and I really think that like internet fiction in particular is good because then you can have a dialogue back and forth. Yeah. You know, and the most important thing about it was that there was a dialogue. You know, if it were one of the stories where it was a pre-established relationship or it was pre-established that, that Sirius was bisexual, it, it would be weird because think about that. If you had a best friend of the same sex and you you know, we're homosexual. And all of a sudden they're like, well, I'm going to be homosexual too because I want to have what we have together. You're going to think that person can't make that choice because I personally couldn't make that choice. So it's, for me, it was, I felt like Remus did. Well, I don't think that's what a, like a pre-established story would be. Well, I was giving two examples. If it was a pre-established oh, okay, sorry. Sto- no, if it was a pre-established story in chapter one, they'd be holding hands and skipping. Right. It wasn't one of those. It was I mean, one that's where that's a legitimate choice. I mean, I no, no, it is. I mean, for me, I would find that a little bland because I never really thought of the character. I if, don't that, think- if it was that, then the story wouldn't be about that. I mean, you know, it would yeah. be like a story about X plot. When you're like sitting out there, it's like this is a story about you know Remus and Sirius raising Harry and becoming a couple if they were already in a pre-established relationship it would just be a story where they're raising harry they wouldn't go through all this rigmarole right i think a lot of themes pieces are character driven i'm just trying to justify the established relationship pieces i have written <laughs> no i think that's a perfectly valid choice i've done that with heterosexual couples and nobody ever questions it you know what i'm saying like yeah. i don't think that every story has to be about two people meeting and falling in love and i think I know, that exactly I, otherwise you would never write anything else you know that's the thing that drives me crazy when people say things like that because that's not what they mean she just made me think of it p.s is a big Battlestar galactica fan and she's writing a story about um two of the characters um commander dama and colonel ty and if you watch the show they're the bestest of bestest of best friends they love each other you know he likes his best friend more than he's ever liked his wife like he just loves this man with all his heart but they're not gay characters they're both heterosexual and you one of the best things about the show is just seeing their friendship and seeing how absolutely close these two men are and p.s were the story where they were involved and there was a song story i thought that was interesting because i couldn't buy into that from watching you know the characters on tv but that was the direction she went with her story. But it's interesting because aside from that romantic 
component, they would be equally close. Like, I don't think they could get any closer even if these two characters were romantically involved. So it's interesting at what point do you add that component. So in this one, Sirius and Remus could be closer than any two men have ever been, but when you add that component in, it's either going to rub some people the wrong way or it's going to seem natural, it's not going to seem natural, but it's the assumption that you, I guess, from the character's perspective, that you have to do that. So if, right. if, if Sirius wasn't gay, he could still be closer to Remus than anyone you know in the world. It's not necessary. Oh, definitely. Actually, this is something people say about all ships I found, and it's not just Slash. When I hear it about Slash, you know, I take it personally because I'm a Slasher, but I have seen people say it about all ships, and that's like, can't you have people that are just friends? I mean, it's not like I don't want them to be friends. I'm glad they're friends. You know, that makes me happy. You know, I don't have nothing against friendships. That's not my point here. I understand the need to to see people in slash relationships. Just because I happen to want to write them in a relationship doesn't mean, like, I don't, you know, value their friendship. It doesn't mean I'm, like, cheapening their friendship. I'm like, Well, I I find it, you know, very interesting in the cases where they are just friends. Like, for example, like, you know, Ben Sisko and Dax, or Jed Bartlett and Leo, or, you know, Bill Adonis. Frodo and Sam. Yeah, to have the... I find it more interesting when you don't try and force all the close people have to be in we'll relationships. See. Fathers we'll and sons, brothers and... Well, first of all, I'll just say I'm trying not to force it. And if it seems forced, then I would certainly appreciate... You no, know, it's I mean, one way to write it, but it's interesting without it. I mean, it's like, that's not my... Like, see, people act like that's your intention. No, that's, that's not my intention. I can appreciate the friendship, too. I obviously like Harry Jenny. I didn't used to like Harry Jenny. Before I liked Harry Jenny, I really liked stories where, say... Like, for example, I like Harry Jenny, but, like, I also like, like say, a Harry Ron story where Harry and Jenny are friends. Like, I really like that kind of story. So I like different circumstances. I can appreciate me, different it's a aspects. Lot, it's a lot easier for me to like get into a slash story when a character isn't already set in whether they're homosexual or heterosexual. You know, there's such a thing as bisexuality. You know what I mean? No, no, no. I'm not saying it has to be one or the other. I'm just saying for me, like, it's easier for me to, like, read Arena Oh, you're saying you mean if there's no canon ship with them. I see what you're saying. Yeah, like, for me, the Adama... What's his name? Saul Ty. Saul. Yeah, Ty. I could never see it as Slash because I've already seen how they're not. You know what I mean? I was confused for a second because I thought you were saying they couldn't possibly be bisexual because they happen to have had relationships with women. But I see what you're saying. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I do. And even, you know, with the main characters of Harry Potter, because in my mind, like, I exclude that the epilogue ever happened. A lot of the characters are open, you know? Nothing really happened if you exclude the epilogue. That's why I like Harry Potter fan fiction, and well, then, I think that's yeah. why there's so much slash in, you know... Well, I think to me, groups. that's like, um, if I may, I think that's a different issue. That's not like a slash versus head or whatever issue. That is like a canon versus, you know, other ship issue. Because it's like, are you saying that because you see that you could never ship anything but what's presented in canon because are you saying no. for example since Harry Ginny is canon does that mean you can only do Harry Het or only Harry Ginny no you know what I mean? well that's not even true I was just using Harry as an example right you can apply and that to so. I'm like I'm thinking of it you know and I'm thinking the only slash that I've read is either Sirius Remus or Harry Draco or Snape somebody go on but none of those characters were ever like really with someone in the books except yeah, i was trying to figure out what it was because i know i know i have the issue where it's like i mean it's not canon but if i have like a very strong favorite ship with you know character x i won't want to see them with anybody else i don't think that i have that i was thinking though compared to other ships have you found that the harry potter universe has more slash fix available than other no genres no um i think harry 
Potter is certainly bigger. So in terms of numbers, yes, it has more. I'm just wondering, like, is I there think, more well, definitely slash? It has way more in terms of numbers because there's way more. And I would even say more in terms of percentage than even, you know, than, than BSG, too. Because I'm thinking, like, let me give you a good sampling of for BSG is there's a fandom newsletter that comes out, you know, on certain days and they have a list of everything that's been published in the fandom on that day and so you can just if you look at a couple of days you can kind of get a glimpse at yeah let me go get that the thing for me which makes it seem you know more preferable to have just friendships versus you know slash relationships is when you look at jed and leo where you look at bill and saul it's a very basic relationship we're talking about jed and leo and saul ty and commander adamo and (laughs) saul um, (laughs) i can't say his name i'm so bad and um frodo and sam and all of those relationships speak back to a trope that's very prevalent in all of the literature that you would have read ryan you know it's the shining hero and his dressing man his assistant it's very basic it's their just best friends. No, it's and not an assistant. Half the, okay. Yes, they are there. Well, they are. In every single case mentioned, there is every ship you mentioned. Knight and Squire the guy and his assistant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the knight and the squire, the doctor and the companion. You realize that's my favorite trope that like describes literally half of the my boss life. and the butler. It's very similar, but the difference yeah. is they're best friends, and it's just it's basic. Known each other for forty years. You know, closest friends. You know, would tell anything. Would die for. It's all these very basic things when you get into a romance it's complicated if you don't say good morning you know in your most cheerful voice your day is over you have to remember flowers what kind on of Valentine's Day. no but you know i mean there's rules and there's complications you have to talk about your feelings all the time <laughs> and you know where are you going i don't know whether you want See, to do today Jen, he would so, do so much better in the midwest wouldn't he? <laughs> so much better than midwest. But, because if so- a guy tried to talk to me about his feelings i'd be like what are you gay like seriously that's where we are right now i'm glad you brought it up <laughs> Brian, i don't know whether yes. you're talking about the friendship ships or the ship ships can Friends, someone please get the boat, boat quote to pull the string to make it go. I thought it was like a boat boat. What do you mean a boat boat? I want to know what Mike's definition of a boat boat is. Yeah, what's a boat boat? I mean, not like a rowboat with a motor sticking in the back. Like, I I don't mean like a cruise ship. A boat that needs a motor. It's not a string boat, is it? Not a rowboat, but it's a string boat. No, it's not a throttle. It's a a boat with a key and a throttle and a motor and an engine. It's not a string boat. But so this is an actual boat with like a cabin in it, like where you can go in. It's a speed boat. I think of the one where you have to pull the string to make the motor start. I just think there are different kinds of boats. I mean, what's a boat boat? (laughs) (laughs) The ship ship or the boat boat? Rewind. Let me say that again. (laughs) Were you talking about them like when they're platonic or when they're in a relationship? When you're in a relationship, it's very, very complicated. When it's platonic, it's very, very simple. Like Jen and I, we are very simple people. I call Jen and she's throwing up and she just talks over it. Like, Ryan. But you know what I mean? Like, that's, the, this metaphor. That, that's Jen and I right there. We don't need Jeez, therapy. Ryan. We don't need to talk about kids and should we switch the health insurance and should I start buying skim milk? Who gives a crap? See, I find that very endearing. Like, I really like that, you know? 
steering. That kind well, of yes, thing. but here's the thing. If I wasn't married and Jen wasn't married, and if we decided to start dating, it would be over. Because then all of a sudden, it would be awkward. Ryan, I'm yes. glad that you're a reader and a podcast host and not a writer, because your personal experiences do not equal Gildama's personal experiences. I would hope not. He had a crappy, difficult life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've seen Caprica. Think, I've seen Battlestar. Could the well, man okay, could his life be more by himself on his last well, day at the office? It's like four fifty-eight, and he's almost there. Are you going to spoil there. this for me? No, Shut it's up. You know, it's in the first episode. It's four fifty-eight, and he's it's like, so you know what? Weird. That was a good Is it career. His last day at the office, and he gets stuck on eternal overtime. Yes, on his last day at the Jesus, office, there's a it? holocaust. And they have to move. Okay, and he's Brian, okay, hit, we know the story. Not that. See, when I said that, I didn't mean that you would have to live his life. You wouldn't include what you thought in what he thought and did because you are not him. What a writer does Wait, is tries what? to. What? What a writer does <laughs> is try to reply in that one again. Because Boyard was like, he, you, huh? Like adverb city. Go on. Re- re- it's not adverb, it's pronouns. But yes. anyway. Whatever. I was a music major. That was a, that was a bitch slap if ever before I heard it. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. If it of makes hand- any difference, I said it's pronouns at the same time that P.S. said it's okay. pronouns. <laughs> she was thumping over you. We both can take you know, I understand that Ryan likes to exaggerate for the purposes of humor. No, also, you just I that it's episode 106.5. Like, if we were a temperature, you'd be you dead. Because, yeah, you know, Jen like, got I... pregnant on a boat. You thought I Jen love... got pregnant on a boat? I've realized in this podcast that Ryan just lies to me nonstop. <laughs> to this day, I still have people believing that. People are going to think mm. I was a murder suspect. Did you ever think of that? You were a murder suspect. There's a difference. I think that what you have to do is imagine what the character would do and not just write what Ryan would do. Do you get what I'm saying? Right. We need, like, those bracelets that say, like, instead of what would Jesus do, do not do what Ryan would do. <laughs> Ryan is saying that, like, Bill Saul wouldn't work because Ryan Jen wouldn't work, and he knows Jen, you know what I mean? Wait, can you say that again, but just, like, five times slower? Wait, we can't be slashed together because we know each other? Hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I can't Jen, sleep Jen, with Jen because Saul can't sleep with Bill? The other way around. And I can't I'm, sleep with wait, Saul because Jen <laughs> No, the other way around. Jen can't sleep with <laughs> Bill okay. because no, no, I can't no, sleep with Everybody stop. Everybody stop. stop. Listen to P.S.'s analogy. Right. It has an order. The order is important. All right, P.S., okay. go, go, go. Ryan was saying yes. Bill Saul, i.e. Yes. Any friendship shit. What are you doing over there? <laughs> I think it's a chipmunk. I think she's getting electrocuted. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> wait, wait, is it my plug? Should I unplug the computer? No, no because no, that would turn you off. No, it's, it's a laptop. It's your microphone. It's is something it? in your microphone. Like, oh, no. It's clicking. It's clicking. Oh, no, no. What are you doing? I want to hear this. Who cares? But he was saying that I was having an audio issue. I don't care. Go, go. My point was Ryan was using his own personal experiences and applying them to fictional characters. He was saying that because he can't see himself being shippy with Jen, that 
he can't see Bill being chippy with Saul. Wait a minute, I don't wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying, you're saying that I can't accept that two male characters could have an intimate relationship because I don't have the huts for Jen. No, because, because that's the analogy that you use. Pretend that yes. I'm a man. What you were saying before, you were saying that this is what like a relationship relationship is like, and this is what a friendship relationship is like. No, what I'm, sa- no, what I'm saying is when you have a close relationship between characters, the, I think there's always a tendency to make it a romantic relationship. So like Star Trek Voyager, Janeway and Chakotay, when will they do it? That was the question we asked. I don't, because see, the show was so bad, we had nothing else to ask that's ourselves something for people seven years. Jump to, but that's not necessarily what I jump to. And I, I, I resent the fact that when I do write a romantic relationship, that people are like, well, you're just jumping to romantic. What I'm saying, my personal preference is I will almost always enjoy a strong friendship more than a romantic relationship. Because romantic I think that's because you're a guy. Maybe. Honest to God, it, it I may straight be. up what it is. Your Scott, okay, women, Scott, Yes. do you find that, wait, what's the question? All right. <laughs> <laughs> wait, am I still yeah. clicking? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> no, I'm, okay, I no, do I'm like the strong really friendship concerned. fix as well, yes. Yeah, but I think sometimes Do you find that you out. can't read man slash because yeah. you're a man? I don't know. I, I don't want, read it, the, but it's, it's not a, one of my favorite things. I don't know if it's just because I'm a man, or if it's just. Well, okay. Do you like graphic male sex scenes? Are, are I'm assuming. Are you, are you asking him on a date? What is this? <laughs> do you also enjoy long walks to the beach? Let me ask you next question. The question we really need to ask Scott is: When you're taking in media, any kind of media, audiovisual media, do you prefer stories about friendships? Where there's no sexual component or a maybe subversive kind of highly ignored sexual component. Or do you prefer stories that are primarily about two people finding each other and falling in love? Can I add a C? Yeah. I want to add a D. Because my actual preference <laughs> is like, or if it wasn't obvious as before, but I, read, I, like, I like stories that don't focus on the relationship, but that have it. I don't like the ones that are specifically focused on relationships. Or I shouldn't say I don't like them because I have read stories like that that I do like, but the majority of stories I read aren't focused primarily on the romantic relationships. It's not just Slash. Like, I will skim graphic sex scenes in Slash or Het fix. I don't tend to read that just because it's not my thing. I have a theory, and I'm just going to say it's D. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory, some kid is dreaming, and we're all stuck inside his wacky Broadway nightmare. I've got a theory, we should work this out. Got a theory. (laughs) That's from Buffy. (laughs) I have a theory, and this is going to be a stereotype I'm like doing the quotations so nobody. Oh, thank God! Away. I thought you were pronouncing it like you pronounced a phone. No, it's an iPhone. <laughs> okay, heterosexual men who like women, right? That would be the definition uh, okay. of heterosexual. This is saying a male member of the opposite sex. Well, okay, carry on. It's stereotypical that they kind of get a kick out of fem. Is it called fem slash? If it's yeah, fem slash lesbian yeah. porn. You can you can okay. also call it Jen. If you don't like fem slash, you can call it sapphic romance. What? No one has used that that since approximately 1998. The pilgrims used that. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Whatever. Okay, so they think that's hot. As a woman, as a heterosexual woman, I don't find visually looking at 
femme slash hot at all. I think it's kind of pointless. But anyway, okay. So I have you on tape saying you enjoy looking at female butts. <laughs> female I just butts. want to point that out. Okay. Episode fifty-five. Jen's like, yeah, I like looking at female butts more too. So what? Women are beautiful. Doesn't make me gay. Find the female figure attractive, okay? Uh-huh. But that doesn't mean that it turns me on. All right. Okay, I don't know why, but, like, I can read smut all day long, but I can't watch porn for anything. You start laughing. I do. It's ridiculous. I just took a guess. You seem like you would be a laugher. I don't know. (laughs) I and I are not this kind of friend. (laughs) (laughs) Jenna Aura of what? When are you watching me laugh at porn? In all honesty, don't you find porn kind of pointless, though? Like, you'll start watching it, right? I have tried porn. Really? What, you got a porn camp trying to get hooked on? It's just hard. It's just the thing is, I need it to be, like, about, like, the character. I need it to be fanfic, you know? Yes, I can be I know these characters and, like, but, and that is what does it. But for a man, I don't think it does it if you read a sexual type of thing. Like, I think they have to see it. So I have the theory that heterosexual men would not like explicit sex scenes in smut fan fiction because it does nothing for them. But for women, it does. There is some evidence to suggest that men are very visually oriented and they're also very easy to arouse. Right? Men, Ugh. all you have to see the is like that a flash. <laughs> just leave me alone. <laughs> Scott, try and contain yourself. Carry on. Um, um, being serious, sort of, kind of. So all those men are very visual. And, you know, you bend over the kitchen sink and all of a sudden it's like, you know, hello. But women, we're much more mental. And I believe you. We are There's not mental <laughs> like the games of Ryan. <laughs> No, I'm saying. I heard that. I said it loudly. (laughs) Yeah, but I need your tone. Not to go all Dr. Sue on you or whatever her name is. Dr. Ruth. Your name is Chi. I thought you were trying trying to say Dr. Who. I am so done. Someone just snored very low. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were saying if Sue were a doctor. No, there's that. There's that. that late night it's Jewish doctor. Maybe he's awfully quiet over there in the yes. corner, Sue. What are you talking <laughs> Yes. Yes. I only know about this because of Peon Cast, but uh, yeah, go ahead. Right, talk to Sue. Right, okay. Anyway, dang it. Stop. I need a subject and a predicate. Hold on. You know, women, when we decide that we're going to have sex, and it's usually a, like a conscious decision. Like sometimes you're like, oh, I'm horny, but then you make the decision to do something about it. You know? How are you looking like at where the hell am I? What am I doing? No, I mean, it's like when you get lost driving, you look down, holy crap. No, I'm just saying, if you think about it, you know, and you think about what it's going to be like, and you like, for us, it's a mental experience, right? Like that's our biggest sex organ is our brain. And <laughs> then so your biggest sex organ is your eyes. Cause that's what turns, that's, you know. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> when I think of sex organs, I don't think of those things. You just, I think I'm just, just amused by how genre. very little this actually has to do with I've the story. I've missed the two of you very covering. much. There's no way we could have pulled this I think this it's endlessly fascinating. You. I think we should continue this conversation. Yes, continue, Chi. I've got to know. Like, I don't want people to laugh at me when I say that. Like, you said my eyes were my biggest sex organs. <laughs> I, mean, I understand you mean so much. I know what she meant, too. I'm just saying. I, you know what I feel like? I feel like the gym teacher in seventh grade trying yes. to 
you can't take it seriously because like, Ryan makes a joke. Yeah, exactly. It's very like, difficult. I'm, I'm sitting here giggling through this whole thing, and I feel like I'm eight. Jen, mother of one, is going. <laughs> she said penis. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm thinking of sexual organs out of your eyes. <laughs> oh my god, that's the like fic I found. That's like the fic I found where Ron had an eye. Oh god, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay, he had a penis in his eye. No, he oh, had, he had an eye. eye in his penis. <laughs> They wouldn't okay. do it because Harry was like, no, we can't. It'll see where it's going. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, luckily it wasn't Harry who had it. It would be Lily's <laughs> So my question relating what she was saying oh, is God, to the, you know, the actual story was that, okay, so if, if we take this premise that men are more um, visually stimulated and women are more Reading? sort of story, mental, whatever, when you read this, knowing a lot of people of both sexual orientations who do writing, this felt very honest and real to me. And if it is indeed someone who does not have experience, I really felt that it was incredibly well written, both in terms of not just being something that's like, hey, this is smut to like, you know, make housewives get hot. But like, it was very thoughtful. And like, the things that time was spent on were things that were important. I just really liked it. It wasn't like, just like, this is gratuitous. I'm going to do this because I can. I think as a sex scene, it really sort of served its purpose, right? Which within this context is to illustrate to the audience this revelation that's taking place in Sirius and Ramus's relationship that isn't so much a revelation as it is an extension. And so yes. I think that there's nothing in the scene that doesn't need to be there in you know order what? to get that point across. I wouldn't call Sam necessarily a concise writer, but I will say Sam has an economy with words that you need to read every word in the scene to really understand what's going on. Otherwise, you end up with, like, Ryan going, what is this about author sausages? That was a fast-forward <laughs> malfunction. No, but I think the important thing is that it doesn't take anything away from their relationship. The fact that it shifted, I think it just adds mm-hmm. something. Like, I think that's that was what actually was my of. entire point about, you know, friendship ships. I think that Ryan is baffled by. I think it adds something, and I don't think it takes anything away. Well, I'm not baffled by it. Like, I can understand the concept behind it. I mean, one... A point I was trying to make it's about. So beyond. Like, I'm so You confused. certainly sounded bad. <laughs> <laughs> they're friends, but they're. Mm. Well, that was badly worded. I still don't know what the hell you were talking about there. But no, the difference for me is like, okay, take Jed and Leo. I watched Jed and Leo for six and a half years on the West Wing. I know where. Oh my God. I was sick last week and I watched, rewatched the whole thing and I thought about you. Okay, guys. I'm it's, glad it's you said what show because I didn't have a clue who Jed Leo I have it's, to admit, I forgot who Jed was for a second. Like, I saw. Like, you like, forgot said, who Jed was? When you said Leo, Leo appeared in my Barack, mind. Barack, Barack, who is like, that? It sounds familiar. He's okay. our president. There you go. Well done. Because that was good. Sadly. Because when you, when you went to vote, you forgot who was running. So hey, I'm who won our governor thing? Perry. In white. See, I know this, and I live in K Massachusetts. Kay lost 51 She almost lost to the woman who thought 9-11 was an inside job. I know that. You don't know that. So I just want to put That's because you're a politics junkie, Ryan. I really am a junkie it's kind of bad 
Exactly. What we were saying was, I, I, I was making fun of you when I said you were babbled by it. What I mean is just like you said that wouldn't have occurred to you. But, I mean, I think that doesn't mean it's, you know, not... Oh, I don't think it's not valid. I mean... Valid or something or... I can only speak I mean, there's to there's Snape and... Here's to me why Jed Leo does... would yeah. never have occurred to me, but, like, you know, it occurred to I don't to think something. it occurred to either Snape or Colin. Like, that's just <laughs> No, weird. but you, you get my point. Like, just, like, anything can occur to anybody, and that's great because it's... Awesome. I think we have to draw the line at Snape Colin. I don't even think that can well, exist. I was, I, never was, never I was just honestly picking the first right. two people that popped into my head. That okay. Jed Leo. The reason Jed Leo can't work for me is I watched the show for seven years and I know everything about Jed Leo. So I can't then go back and pretend that Jed and Leo were, you know, romantically involved all that time. This is what people were saying before. I've seen it so well done. I can't reinvent that wheel very easily. Like, I can have Harry go to school 5,000 times in his fifth year and do something different every time. I can have Harry end up with Hermione if Ron died. I can do all of these different things. But I can't go back and, like, reinvent such a friendship that was done so well. Same with Bill and Saul. You know, it's, well, I think it adds something. I don't think it takes anything away. I think that's exactly why I think No, it, I... P.S. If I can play the devil's advocate here, though, I do see kind of Ryan's point, though. I you know? I don't think I do, but... <laughs> I think... That was funny how she said I was trying to decide if I did or not, because, I mean, like... No, like, I'm sitting here thinking about heterosexual relationships that I like. Wait, if wait, I'm, wait. I'm, what is Ryan's point? What my is point... My, all right, my <laughs> point... <laughs> My I'm point. Confused. All right. Okay. What shows have you even watched? Okay. Um, Kirk and Spock. Okay. You can't. Yes, go they're b- friends. Y- yes, you can't watch every episode we of Star Trek. We just let Scott again. You yeah, can't... we just let Scott. Uh, we'll go. Well, we need him back. No, hold on, hold on. I need to get the Kirk Spock. Because they weren't like shagging on screen. You have been. Yeah. And always will be. I think the reason that this, like, the style of the story really works for me is because although it's a friendship and you see it on screen, and so you know it's a close relationship, like Ryan is saying, the reason this works so much for me in this story is that what's between them is very quiet and intimate, and mm-hmm. I can imagine it happening off stage yeah. where it yeah. wouldn't influence how they they interacted with other people. So that seemed well, like and it didn't conflict. Mm-hmm. Whereas well, Ryan's saying, well, I see these people all the time in the stories. I've watched them for six years. They're very involved. I've seen how they interact and they're, they don't interact like lovers do. Right. And I can say right. that too. I think it has to do with perceptions because <laughs> I don't know because take Battlestar Galactica. I mean, obviously Ty was really in love with his wife and Adama was really in love with the president. And I don't think la, like, la, I don't, la, la, la. <laughs> I was like, I already ship it like burning, but I don't want to know anything about it. Hold on, Scott. Did you happen to like you know shove your head into your microphone since last we spoke? Um, oh my god! No. What was that noise? Exhaling. It sounds. It sounds like a cow. Scott, remain still and try not to get excited. All right. <laughs> It doesn't sound any different from me. Right. I'm missing out here. Okay, what's I happening? Like I don't know. I feel like I'm being like either misinterpreted or like... Let me clarify what I've said, because I think everyone's getting the wrong idea. Here's my thoughts. I think Remus and Sirius has done extremely well in this fic, the one that we read for tonight. I think that graphic sex scenes of either kind, I don't want to read because I've read them all before, or I'm not gay and I just don't get anything out of it, and it makes me blush <laughs> at my place of business, number two. Number three, in places... <laughs> Where you have very firmly established friendships between characters, it sometimes is awkward for me to then try and create romantic relationships from those, because I find, in many cases, romantic relationships to be less interesting than those friendships. And the reason is, I think in many cases, people...
people try and make everyone into a romantic pairing, and I find it in some cases yeah, boring. I think, I, I think it's more. It drives me nuts when people do it to everybody. Too. But it doesn't it doesn't mean they can't. I think Luke and Lorelai had to get together. I love John and Aaron. Who are love- Luke and Laura? Lie. Laura. Lorelai. There are cases where you want to go there because it's interesting. I don't mean in all cases. Let me put it this way: P.S. wrote Saul and Bill very well. I enjoyed the way that she wrote them. On the show itself, I like them better as friends. And I like Jed and Leo better as friends because I think it's more interesting to have them in friendships. I don't mean it can't go the other way. I don't mean it can't be interesting the other way. I just think that in a lot of cases, there are some authors who think to have a strong pairing, they must be romantic. So everyone must date everyone else. And I think sometimes... No, I don't necessarily think so. I just think, you know, that's just the kind of story that appealed to me when I decided... It's like Dawson's Creek Syndrome. When I decided to sit down and, you know, like, write fic X, you know, that's what appealed to me. I do have to bring up the point that the sex scene was actually in the second last of the entire group of chapters we're supposedly covering. So... (laughs) We may want to back up just a little bit and cover some <laughs> well, of the other stuff that happened. Given that this is um, sex is all that matters. Through. Oh, I don't even know how much the regular chapters we're going to be like get through now after this. I have to tell you, there have been enough like memorable lines in this like just this two hours that I think you could cut a whole new intro to the podcast from just this podcast. We may have to double down next week and just make this the sex the episode. Most, but the most God. entertaining thing was when Ryan was trying to figure out which analogy he went. Like, I still don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> Explain that analogy to me again. Okay. (laughs) Once upon a a time, there were two friends named Ryan and Jen. This is Ryan. I enjoy long walks on the beach. Hello, I'm Jen. Ryan thought, everybody must be like me and Jen, because me and Jen are friends. We tied you. Wait, am I a boy? No, you're a girl. Okay. about it was that was he was what my point was that Ryan was using his yeah. own friendship dynamics okay I think Ryan and Jen as friends is more interesting than Ryan and Jen having sex together I can't oh say that God. for sure <laughs> but that doesn't, you never know but I'm willing to take that like chance that, that I can't finish my analogy and then you get confused all right. <laughs> this is all a little weird for me um, I don't even Jen feels so rejected. She feels so rejected. Can you please try to explain my analogy? Because I forgot what it was, and Ryan's not going to let me say it right. I just keep getting mental pictures, and it's just not going to. Not good. I'm picturing me trying to pick up Jen. She understands it. She always understands what I'm trying to say. She? What is she trying to say? Yes. You are my homegirl. Okay. Yes, this point is this. Ryan, you are comparing your platonic relationship with Jen, okay? And you're saying that all platonic relationships must have at least some semblance of this same type of dynamic. And I see this dynamic with characters like Saul and Adama and Jed and Leo. So wait, in order for a couple to like be romantic, they need to be friends too. That's true. Because but that's I not, agree with that's that. Not, that's true, but that's not what that we're getting at. Ryan's okay, point continue. Is because he can see an element of the way that you two function, he sees that kind of the same element in the way that those other characters interact. He can't see a romantic overlay on top of that dynamic. And so he thinks that therefore there must not be one. Does that make sense? Yeah. I said that. Basically. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you just Ryan, didn't. You're it. so clever. You just didn't say that the way that an 
English major would say that. I said that the way that an English major would say that. Oh, she had missed again, you. You haven't again, compared me to you in so many ways. <laughs> I just finished writing a paper on how two main female protagonists had to sublimate their personalities and accept servitude to their husbands in order to find true happiness in pre-1950s novels. So you're probably a much more interesting person than I am. And that doesn't sound very healthy because we just established that couples should be friends first. Yes. I still have no idea what the hell anyone is talking about, but I'm prepared to move on. Can I, should I draw you a... Do you want me to draw you a chart? Yes, draw me a chart to figure out what's Okay, going I will out. do that right now in MS Paint. I have a point to go back to that Melinda spoke on in the first podcast of go. this. Oh, great. Melinda was talking about the fact that Harry drew a lot and that she yes. couldn't see that because her sons were not drawers, but that her friends who had girls were. Right. And I don't have children, but I've worked with children for many years and so I've seen both. I have had boys that draw beautiful things. So I didn't find that unusual when reading it here. But what I did notice was that Harry might like drawing, but he was not very good at it. And he doesn't do it well. They're all like, oh, that's nice. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the kid who makes the ashtray at summer camp and it dissolves. You know what I mean? Well, and also you have to remember that Harry is like, what, he's eight in this story. Eight, he turns nine, right? Mm, yeah. Even then, sometimes you're going to have now, you probably should be able to tell what kid's trying to draw by. Yeah. And he's well, also I'm... trying to draw a terrarium with a set of five colored markers. Yeah, okay. that's so, true. Yeah. You know. That's he had a little a stick bit, uh... and a snake. That stuck with me because I, I remember, I've actually heard that podcast, so I remember Melinda talking about it. And when I heard her say it, I was like, well, I've known little boys that can draw and do beautiful drawings. So I, I just found that interesting that she made that comment because when I went out with her and her family, her husband was drawing at the table. So. <laughs> He wasn't drawing. He was drawing. He was drawing. I say yeah. that too. I say it. Oh, too. Jen, you haven't been here. Is it true that Leo got you drunk at the wedding? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing that was upsetting after the fact is, I think Leo. I th- he's like a financial analyst of some sort. He's big into money. And the thing was, because Jen was in the wedding party, she got free liquor, and he didn't know that, so he got buying her liquor. So it was kind of funny. So it's like, ooh. I told them though, and every time it got empty, he'd go and get a new glass. <laughs> And I was like, thanks. I was so enjoying talking to them. And oh, well, I was just drunk. And then I danced with Brian and I was drunk. And then Brian's mom left me and I was drunk. (laughs) I'd like to apologize for that. I didn't care. It's okay. Uh, and I apologize for the cone incident as well. It's okay. Um, I was drunk, have... but I noticed it. Yeah. <laughs> I had so much fun at Ryan's wedding. Previously on the podcast, we, did you guys talk about characterization um, as of Sam Harry? Part of Big Weekly. I know. I know. Yeah, <laughs> By the way, um, I have finished my chart that I will now show Ryan so that he can understand oh, my analogy. The R's better be reversed on this thing. Hold on. I have to check out the damn thing. Hold on. Okay. So Don't previously. Call my did... art damn thing. <laughs> Hold on, we have to stop for a moment. I still don't... I still... Okay, wait, I haven't oh. opened it yet.
walking. I've decided they're walking. <laughs> he has an eye patch. <laughs> he, he seriously has a tail. <laughs> oh, and Brian, she drew our headpieces. Oh, no, that's, that's, that's how you could comfort you. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to do the new flowchart here. I've got to edit this. Do not equals. It's do not equals. You put it one looks line. It's like a number song. The number, it's like press pound for more Brian, you've got to put this picture at the top of the... I can't breathe. Can I edit it too so I can Oh my god. No, it has to be preserved in all of its glory. Oh my god. You know, it's a pound sign. I'm thinking it's, it's not like. A pound sign. Well, now that I'm watching it, I think it's drawing a line between Saul and me. So Wait, like, who is B? Bill. Bill. Oh, I was thinking Adama starts with an A. <laughs> <laughs> this is Badama. But. <laughs> Bill and Saul do not equal Ryan and Jen. No, it's yeah. do not equal. And I because still... they're holding hands, and look, we're all, we're, there's a huge gap between us, Ryan. This is a friendship gap. <laughs> Plus, your arm is a little short. <laughs> okay. I have a question. That's not Saul's penis, is it? <laughs> 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 Obviously, you know who's the <laughs> Because at first Jen had it, had one too, and then I realized that isn't. Wait, you. what? Jen, Nothing. you don't have a penis. Oh, thank you. I love the clip of Jen earlier tonight. Am I, I a boy? <laughs> I mean, I was trying to understand. This is not obviously my best art because if you'll notice, this is my right arm is not next. To I thought it was a freaking Picasso. Wasn't exactly going <laughs> my head looks like a potato. If you look at this, this is actually now that I look at it again. <laughs> It actually looks like Bill is chasing you with a stick. <laughs> the one-eyed one the one Saul tie with a tripod being chased by Bill with a stick. The one-eyed Saul is different. It's the love stick. <laughs> is that like the talking stick at camp? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's just like that stick. Oh, God. No, I have to, can I please redo it? No. Let's, no, try it. I want to see what you come up with next. Okay, I, while she's drawing. What should yes, I draw? You, were, you had a point. While she's drawing. I still don't understand Sorry. your point. Help. No, wait. I want to know Holly's point. Okay. Oh, I'm trying well, to get You had a question. Previously, did you talk about characterization of Harry just in terms of as an eight-year-old boy? Because I think children are really, really hard to write. And having a ten-year-old, it's interesting looking at how your they... Kid how, is ten now? Oh, uh, yeah. She's she was definitely be, eight when we started. Oh, that's right. Last year, she was nine. Yes, she's ten. Okay. It's going to be 11 in April. Holy crap. Wow. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Sneaks up on you. But it was interesting looking at how he's written. Because I know children are really hard to write, especially if you don't have a lot of Experience. children in your life. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so I, I thought I, it was really interesting reading Harry because, I mean, yes, he's been raised in a very different situation to some I, you degree. You know what? The first time I read it, I didn't read it with this angle. Mm-hmm. But I, this time when I read it, I read it this way because I was... I've been thinking about kids in fiction because I'm writing an essay on, on kids in fiction and how people just do it wrong, 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 and it irritates the crap out of me. Because, you know, four-year-olds are cute based on the merits of being four. Four-year-olds aren't cute because they're 20-year-olds stuck in a four-year-old's body. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, there's mm-hmm. precocious, and then there's just wrong. Wrong. I think Harry sort of walks this line that I can really believe, given what we know of his childhood and his development. He sort of walks this line between being too mature and being too young. He swings kind of back and forth along this pendulum. Are you saying like, this thick or, like, in general? I don't have a kid, but, like, I was trying to picture, because he's two years younger than, than Harry was in Sorcerer's Stone, but he's walking up giving Snape hugs. It was weird, because, like, when I thought of him as, like, you know, being eight, that or being nine or however old he is, it seemed okay to me, but then again, I don't have a kid. But then again, when I thought about, like, this is two years before the book, that seemed off to me. Because, like, I often find first years in fix, you know, are way less mature than Harry was when he was a first year in canon. You know, like, if somebody writes, say, a fifth year fic that includes, like, first year OCs, I always find that these mm-hmm. OCs are less mature than the canon first years we saw in the first book. Like, they're crying all the time. You, the advantage of the first book is that you're looking at it through the eyes of a first year. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Whereas, even in Order of the Phoenix, when Harry's looking down at the first years, his opinion of them is very different than the objective that we were given in the first book. Does that make sense? So some of your perceptions are going to be colored based on who's telling the story. Yeah. You know? And how old they are. Exactly. Because 11-year-olds think they are very immature. They are. Yeah. And I will say this, 9 is a hard age to get. I really think... Like, 8, 9, 10, 11, before the teenage angst really starts to set in and they just become miserable and sullen. That's really hard to capture. Mm. Because the developmental crises of that age group aren't necessarily as obvious as they are when kids are really young. You don't have the personal memories. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I can't remember being 9. Like, I have vague, Mm -hmm. sort of fuzzy memories of things I might have done. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember what it was like to be nine. I can remember when I was nine, and I'm pretty sure I was nine, for some reason, 12 seemed like the magic age. Like, if I could just get to 12, I'd really have hit the big time. <laughs> I thought you know that I mean? was 16. Me too. 16 was my big number. I was like, I am going to have the world figured out at 16. I think 12 I was the worst not. year ever. Like, sixth grade was the hardest year, I think. Well, I junior year. Junior year. I had year. my first boyfriend in sixth grade. It was awesome. My <laughs> nephew Enough just said. turned nine. Uh-huh. And... While he was here visiting, my mother's back went out, and she basically was in an outbuilding. We got her as far as the steps. She collapsed on the steps and laid in the cold for an hour, not wanting me to touch her, not wanting me to call the paramedics. And he slept through most of that, but I was finally able to talk her into letting me call for help. She put a poll on Poof when we all voted, and we thought she should do it. Yeah. And uh, they came, and they carried her in and everything, and she was afraid of what he was thinking. So she called him in and she said, I'm going to be okay. It's just my back. Everything's fine. And he said, yes, grandma. And then I took him to Portland and dumped him off at friends so he could go to the snow and do all the things that he needed to do. And when he came back, he told her, I was really worried about you. And she said, but I told you I was okay. And he said, grandma, they always say that before they die. Mm-hmm. So the movies. they always say that in the movies before they die. So he spent the entire weekend just sure that when he came back, she was going to be gone. Yes, so that's from I a nine-year-old perspective. I think I went through, I know I went through a phase where like I was, I don't want to say preoccupied with death, but it's, I think like once you mm-hmm. get the idea that people can die, you always think, you know, they're, you know, anyone could die at any moment. Mm-hmm. And 
and I think it was around that age. Like, for example, if my, like, father was, like, napping in front of the TV, I would watch to make sure he was still breathing or something. Like, no, once you, you know, cotton on to the fact that death happens, you go through this phase where you worry that it'll, like, strike at any moment. Well, and, like, eight or nine is about that age yeah, exactly. where you really get it, where mm-hmm. you understand that things have a beginning, a middle, and an end, including mm-hmm. lives. What I will say that I found extremely right on is Harry's black and white view of the world. Even though to us, particularly with the Mooney situation, when he discovers that Ramus is a werewolf, he makes a very black and white decision. There's not a whole lot of thought that goes into that decision. Well, Ramus is basically my dad, and he's a good person, so he's okay. He's not a I monster, he's was- Ramus, that's that. That's that. I'm trying not to be, like, blanket pontificating. But, you know, to me, that felt very realistic for a nine-year-old. That's a very logical Mm -hmm. train of thought. Um, And when I was working with kids that age, that's the way that they would think. I was teaching uh, catechism classes. Um, Catechism? Yeah. CCD. I thought it was catechism. 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 (laughs) You put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Sorry. I was teaching catechism classes. And I was teaching this age group. I was teaching third graders and fourth graders. And I had one particular boy who came in one day and he said, I don't want to be here. I don't believe in God. And I said, well, okay. I mean, like, because what else are you going to say to that? Right. You know, well, your mom wants you to be here. So you can sit down. <laughs> For a second. I, I don't know. I thought you were going your mom. <laughs> no, no. I would never say that to a four-year-old. Oh, sidetrack. I heard somebody call their toddler, you little shit today. And Pig fox. I oh, my God. Lost, I about lost my ever-living mind. I had to walk away. I, oh, yeah. I, I was literally, I was almost in tears. I hate That's people. That's awful. People so much. That's terrible. Like, and, you know, she had the baby in the in the stroller. And I'm, I'm very upset about this, so I have to tell you. She had the baby in the stroller, and the baby had a binky. And she said, now don't you drop that, you little shit. Oh, like, my God. How is that necessary? Why is that necessary? And I it's was like, not. I, was like, I was reeling. I was like, what do I do? Do I say something to her about how completely inappropriate that is? Or Because, I mean, it's not my place. I don't want to get fired. But at the same right. time, that's a kid. Yeah. You're you like, know? what does that mean? Like, is she just saying this? Or is, like, is she... Or is that like, an indicator of how he gets treated at home? If yeah, that's, that's what I'm just getting at. Public, mm-hmm. How is she treating him at home? Like, it's really going to mm-hmm. bother me tonight that I didn't say anything about it. It's really going to bother me. Anyway, what was I saying? At the catechism class. Right. Well, he'd already made up his mind that there was no God. And you can't really have a philosophical discussion with a nine-year-old. You can't bring up the watchmaker argument, for instance. I found that a really kind of a difficult situation as an educator. But I think that's kind of indicative of the thought process of these kids at that age. And I think that that is something that they really captured very well Mm -hmm. um, this story. And also his attachment to Frog. I thought it was really interesting. Right. Yeah, I almost, I mean, because the thing is, I, I think the fact that he seems both mature and immature at the same time. Now, I'm certainly not an expert and I do not want to make it sound like I think I am. But I think children that come from situations like Harry mm-hmm. tend to find that kind of, you know. Emotional stuff. Things like his Yeah, attack. that kind of juxtaposition where it's like in a certain like situation that. they will, you know, act really yeah. mature. But then in other situations they'll act really immature. Because, like, he never, like, had a thing like Frog that he could, you know, you know, have as his own own toy. So I think that because he had to skip that stage, I think he's going to go at it in that kind of, like, me, a younger... A younger that makes me, makes me so sad. I mean, Sue, you're with me on this, right? Like, mm-hmm. kids really do need security items. They need oh, yeah. something. They need something that's constant. See, yeah, and right. I was wondering when you introduced that. Like, Lee doesn't have one yet. How old is Lee? 
one. Thirteen months. There, if there's things okay. around, then he'll pick it up. But but you know, yeah. he, he, he hasn't clinged to anything yet except well, the snack then he may, thing. He may not need to. Okay. Certain kids don't need to. Certain kids will. But he will. I mean, right about. I've always I always notice that right about fourteen, fifteen, sixteen months. If he's going to get one. That'll be about the time. He'll pick okay. one particular stuffed animal, one particular scary, scary blanket. And he don't ever let an educator tell you that that's inappropriate for him to have. Okay. Because right. he should have that until he's comfortable in a situation. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, if you take him to the park and he wants to play with Bear, he should be able to play with Bear until he sets Bear down aside. You should never be taking Bear away right. from the kid. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Right. It's a pet peeve that I have because I have to deal with it all the time with parents because they think like they have that, you know, Linus and like Linus perspective from Peanuts. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way that we look at it early childhood education anymore. I think for Harry also, I mean, and not just for Harry, but also for us as readers, Frog has symbolism. Harry's clinging to it sort of reminds us how important Ramus's and Sirius's connection to Harry is. And how mm-hmm. paramount that is to Harry. Yeah. Because of the situations under which he acquired it and, and that kind of stuff. And but, you have yeah. to really like that, and this is jumping way ahead, but since we sort of started in the middle, when they decide that they're going to, after the attack and everything, and they stay, decide that they're going to stay at the um, house, when Sirius, it is Sirius, Sirius goes back to get clothes and things, he brings Frog to Harry. That's one of the things that he goes to get right. and remembers to bring it. He also brings the snake, but he did that only because he thought the snake would starve to death. I know that Snape had an agenda with the snake, but I really like the interactions there. It's not just a little boy thing to be fascinated with, you know, the snake eating. Like, mm-hmm. uh, we have a snake in the house and we cannot feed the snake without my child there or she feels like she has missed out on life. Like, <laughs> she gets really upset. She's like, "You fed Salazar without me." Yes, Salazar. Salazar. <laughs> so <Okay>. awesome. <laughs> but you know, there is this sort of fascination with how life works, and you know, sort of the circle of life. And we lost a um, a lizard last year, um, and there was this sort of fascination with his death, and and she had a really hard time with it because she was at that age where she's really focusing on. Things can go away mm-hmm. forever. So I really thought a lot of the stuff that Harry deals with here in terms of not just items, but figuring out relationships and, and other stuff like that rung very true for me as a parent. Occasionally, he's very, very cutesy to a point where I'm like, okay, so this is a little bit we're, we're pushing sort of literary. He, he approaches literary device. Sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but in general, I felt that he rang very true for me in a lot of levels, which I was really impressed by, actually. Yeah. I like all his interactions with the other kids, too. I just happen to have um, 17 open at the moment, and the chapter ends with they have a discussion, and they finish their point, and they're okay, and then the chapter ends with Ron flinging a piece of chicken at Harry. It's just a random thing that they would do. Or yeah. his relationship with Oliver is interesting. Mm-hmm. I also like the differences between how he relates to Ron and to Oliver than how he relates to some of the Slytherin kids as well. Right. Yeah. I thought it was interesting how many characters were choking on pieces of chicken in these chapters because it seemed like <laughs> Harry made the reference to a werewolf once and Sirius is giving Remus the Heimlich and then later on at the kitchen table at Grimmel Place which I've never heard it referred to as the townhouse on Grimmauld Place before, but apparently it's townhouse. Uh, one, either Remus or Sirius made a 
inadvertent reference to a gay sexual act, and Andromeda started choking on her chicken and like had to like have it slapped out. So I, I just thought that was interesting that there was a lot of choking involved in these chapters. Mm-hmm. Well, that is right after she's walked it on them, so you know. Well, there was that. She, she's she's like, oh, not making any more references to choking on chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I just say my other favorite scene, there was a moment where Snape says, I believe to Sirius, this is deep, dark magic or something like that. There was a very long moment, I forget what was exactly said, and then Snape makes the comment, this is deep, dark magic, and there was a pause for a moment on my iPod, and Snape leans forward, this is deep. <laughs> it was like my favorite Snape line in the entire thing. Fortunately, oh there wasn't a period. Right? Oh, boy. I- what do you think about Snape in this story? No. I just kind of ignore <laughs> Snape in this story. It's not yeah. Snape. I'm sorry. There is nothing that you can tell me that's going to make me believe that Harry got Snape to get his hair cut. It's not going to happen. That was fun, though. Well, he could have just gotten his hair cut as normal. There was nothing involved in the contract that made him shave his head. <laughs> that was incredibly random to me. Yeah. That yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like- I think that was in there just to give you the fun image of Snape with hardly any hair and the rest of them are looking at him going <laughs> yeah but what you do is you shave him at the he's the last guy to fall asleep at the slumber party and you shave his, and head. Yeah, shave his head you know I think that Sam is so artful generally that you don't normally see the writing process it just springs fully conceptualized into your mind whereas that scene you could totally see Sam behind the screen cackling as he was writing it and it kind of broke a fourth wall for me does that make sense or am I the only person that has that experience where, like, if I read something that the reader is obviously doing just because they think it's amusing and it doesn't really serve a purpose in the story, it kind of throws me out of the story. I just thought it was really bizarre. It was just, just tremendously out of character for Snape. You know what it was? Every time I pictured Harry in the story, I was picturing Harry from Living with Danger, where he's much <laughs> younger. No, he's much younger than Yeah, eight. he's much younger. Yeah. I wasn't picturing an eight-year-old. Oh. I was confused as to why they didn't do it with magic or something. Why they didn't yeah. do it with well, magic? Oh, there was the animated <laughs> tape measure in book one things like that so it's yeah, an extrapolation the idea that the scissors and stuff had eyes, eyes. because it's a blind the barber i could see that well, we, had the bl- we had a blind bus driver the wizarding world accepts people with all disabilities <laughs> age, colors creeds sexual preference it, it, they definitely have an equal opportunity it's a very welcoming I, place those I with disabilities recently, are strongly encouraged to apply people with access to issues i do like some of the scenes with snape though like just in the beginning of that chapter harry's asking him why doesn't sirius like you and he says i'm sure i couldn't say why don't you like him i'm sure i wouldn't be allowed to use those words in of front of you <laughs> <laughs> well i did like the point at the very end where snape holds it over remus and sirius that he knew all this time that harry was a parcel mouth and when the scene ends and sirius blows up at snape and they have this fight and all this stuff happens and snape leaves and it's this awful moment and remus is like you realize he's on our side what do you mean he's the one that gave us a snake he was trying to let us know without telling us. And Sirius is like, idiot, I missed that whole thing. I missed that point. And Harry leans forward and is like, I'm sorry that Sirius yelled at you. <laughs> Just as he's leaving. Sirius in the background, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> 
And Remus, I could have told you that earlier. But Remus is hysterical. Yeah, Remus, Remus yeah. is definitely the mom in this fic. He's definitely the oh, yeah. woman that's really because in every scene, Sirius is like, and Remus is like, I will negotiate a peace treaty. And Remus comes in the middle, <laughs> and he and he kind of sorts everyone out. And this one scene where he threatens Snape. Remus is so Switzerland. He's no, he threatens <laughs> Snape at one point, and Snape kind of like backs around the table and goes down to the far end, away from Remus. I'm like, he's yeah. actually intimidating Snape. I like the way he wrote that. He's speaking very pleasantly and then well, I like that whole scene where Snape has come to offer Harry a snake and then gets in a sparring match with Sirius and Remus resorts to pretending Harry's in the room to get them to stop that was fun they're both like <gasps> where did he come from and he's not there and he continues to talk which is great I think like these characters they're kind of like the canon characters but they're not exactly like the canon characters well, not the difference is when I read this, when, I, when you read the synopsis of the story, it's Sirius owns a bookstore. You're like, this is going to be one of those really weird AU fix where everyone is just absolutely bizarre. And then you read it and you're like, it's almost exactly what happened, except they made a wrong turn because their GPS <laughs> shorted out. So it's, it's not as That's weird. That's why I like this fix, because I don't yeah. like really crazy stuff. Really? Really? Yes, because I've written some really crazy stuff that you say that you like. (laughs) You know what I mean. Giant void spiders. That's my current project. Bill plus Saul equals minus... Okay, do we have the updated version of the thing? (laughs) I thought I wasn't... Okay, do you want me to update it? No, I think we got the most of it the first time. I think I wet myself, so that's probably the most appropriate. (laughs) That's good. I don't know how I could make it any more clear. Jan? Yes? I just want to make sure you were still here. I'm Guys, still here. Really? My only other point I was going to bring up mm-hmm. was they kept bringing up scabbers in these chapters, mm-hmm. and you're going, oh my god, it's Peter, they're not noticing. And then right at the end, it turns out scabbers actually isn't Peter in this story. <laughs> It's actually like a, they're it's staring around scabbers, and he was nibbling on some cheese. It's like, maybe <laughs> he's really that stupid that he just sits there and nibbles. Sit there on Percy's lap and eat the popcorn. Well, can I, I just say, there, there's no defense whatsoever. Oh, oh, thank you for bringing up Tonks. There's no defense whatsoever to Avada Kedavra. I'm going to use Remus as like the, like the trash barrel lid. I'm going to walk around using him as a shield. He took four AKs and was perfectly fine. Oh, he yeah. had a headache. Yeah, he had. <laughs> Sounds werewolves are apparently really tough. Yeah. yeah. No wonder he scared the shit out of Severus Snape. There's nothing Severus can do. The last Severus thing maybe. I need to say is... Except we just... for apparently serve him tea in a silver oh, yeah, yeah. setting. We just read In Blood Only by E.M. Snape. Lovely fix. So glad Mike put it on the podcast before he quit. And um, <laughs> yeah, we, I get it. I just, it wasn't my thing. But we got through the story and there was a plot line where Harry is 16, but Tonks had an illicit affair with him and Snape called social services and it was very, very messy. It was awful. It was bad. I think she got driven over by a garbage truck or something. But point being, in this story, Harry wants to marry Tonks but has to wait until he's 18. Right. And I thought that was really good that Tonks raised her standards up from 16. <laughs> yeah, I thought that showed positive movement for Tonks. I just was laughing. I'm like, oh, Tonks, you whore. But that was the last pick. This one, she's a perfectly precocious young whore. There Except she still of... strips over everything. But, she strips yeah. over everything. Every, everything. Everything. Yeah. Everything. There were a lot of bat references to Snape, I noticed, through this, that that kind of was through. And I thought this was interesting that Snape loved Harry with no thought of self or pride. And I kind of had trouble seeing that one, too. Well, I I can't picture him hugging Harry, like... Hugging. Can you picture him hugging anything? Yeah. yeah. I can see him taking Harry's hand at the very beginning when Harry's 
first there and Harry like holds up his hand because that's how he's been taught to be. And I can see Snape going, uh, uh okay, and doing it. But I don't know. It's just hard to see. Now Jen has. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a, we have a revised <laughs> flow chart. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Jim, what the hell's in your pants? <laughs> oh god, come on, hurry up and download, you stupid thing. And what am I wearing? It's taking a backpack, obviously. Why is it taking forever? And why is Bill so sad? <laughs> I apparently have to wait two minutes. Yeah, I'm still waiting another minute. Fifty-seven <laughs> seconds, one minute. away from Bill. <laughs> He's <laughs> actually <laughs> constipated. <laughs> He's constipated. No, they're sad. That's a very large bottle. <laughs> 33 seconds. Eight, seven, six, 15, five, 14, four, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Two, one. Open file. My ears are oh, not Oh, my You are such a good artist. Oh, please. What, do my mouse? Do you see my letter writing? Do <laughs> <laughs> preschoolers write like that, Jen? That's cool. Is, he, he actually, Ryan, <laughs> looks like he has, like, an alien creature attacking his back. What am I wearing? I it's think it needs to be a fanny oh pack. It's a oh backpack, right? Yes, yes, yes. Ryan right. is in turn left. Ryan yes. Is yes. Why does Jen look like Hermione? <laughs> Jen looks really smug, like she knows something. <laughs> Jen's crotch is way out of proportion with what she's supposed to be. <laughs> she's just wearing baggy pants. You know what I think? I think it Thank looks. You. Like, I think it looks like Ryan and Saul are kind of interested in each other. <laughs> Turn around. And Bill's jealous. Bill's jealous. Bill is so mad. Their, their heart is deflating. And Jen set them up and look how smug she is. She's smug. Saul, I think, I think Saul's hitting on Ryan. So now what you're basically is. saying is like, I want to... me out in my big bottle and my big pants. So what, so what you were saying before was because Jen and I are friends, she set me up with Saul, and now Bill's pissed. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Every now and then I get a little bit lonely, and you're never coming round. Have a good Turn night, everybody. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit lonely, and you're never coming round. Look at how small Bill and Saul are. I will say, in all the exercise and dieting I've done in my life, I aim for Bill's waist. 
<laughs> and why are Jen's feet like the legs on an end table and mine are like going sideways? You look like a pig leg. Like, what is, and why, when has my hair ever been that big? <laughs> no, that's not your hair. That, that is, is the microphone. Your head is underneath. Well, oh, see, he's not, oh. not going to wear his microphone when he's trotting off to go drink. Where's the laptop? Like, it's that's... in your backpack. It's in your backpack. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Like, like Bill is clenching his fists. I think he's like holding his ass cheeks together. Look at him over there. I think he really is. Oh my gosh! That's Saul true. looks like he's about to pour his drink down his pants. Look at Saul. His like pants are open. He's about to pour wine down. Well, I'm sure that's what he's gonna do if his pants are open. <laughs> no, look at this. He's like, he's gonna take a swig of the bottle and go for it. I, gotta say, I have to say, I can see why he would look elsewhere. I don't know how the tightness of Bill's pants is affecting their sex life. He's clenching. Can we look at these side by side, please? For a can we do that? Oh yeah, my god! Oh goodness! I mean, at least in mine, they're smiling. Well, their planets blew up. They're unhappy. <laughs> no, but they're happy because they're in love. Well. Yeah, Bill but does not look or maybe happy. they're unhappy because they can't mostly make they're just unhappy. Yes, that's what they need to do. They the next scene is really going to be Bill bashing Saul in the head with an axe because he really he really looks angry. He's frowning. <laughs> He's tongue. It's terrible. Oh goodness. Oh my god. I don't even watch Battlestar, and this is still funny. <laughs> this, this is it right here. This is it. I just oh. like that I got their uniforms. <laughs> I did enjoy them. That's, that's a good. See, in mine, they Most were just impressive. little stick figures. Well, all had a penis. <laughs> that would help. It's a tripod. I can't thank she and Jen enough. Without you, none of this would have been possible. And just think about that for a minute, all right? <laughs> I had more fun than I can express in words. Thanks so much, guys, for having me back. And Amelie and Scott, thank you so much for coming prepared. You'll see what that got. (laughs) If anyone would like to offer more on-topic things about these chapters, do send a voicemail. (laughs) (laughs) Or fan art. I think I would like to see more interpretations of this analogy. This is going up at the episode itself. Until Ryan understands. (laughs) Hi, honey. Good night, Jen. Good night, sweetie. Yes. Good night, everybody. My husband. No, no. If you call each other sweetie, that totally defeats the purpose of the analogy. Me and her. See here, honey. Look, there is Bill and (laughs) Ty, and they're in love, and that's me and Ryan and friends. But I wasn't being loud. You're being abnormally quiet. (laughs) You see, it's complicated. Complicated. This episode of Potterfic Weekly was brought to you by MS Paint. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. Beat me up, Sue. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs>
There is a funny thing with the Star Trek because I just Oh God, now we're channeling Brian. No, because of Brian and because of the podcast, I was like, okay, I should probably channel my inner nerd and figure out what the Star Trek thing is about. So Sue and I watched the Star Trek movie together one evening. That's right. I remember. That was the night that she I am being she said Explain to me the different colors of the shirts. Yes, I asked. <laughs> what they mean? Yeah, it depends on which series you're talking about. Oh, uh, this is classic. What's yeah. red? Mean? Red means bad. You don't, yeah, yeah. Want, to you don't a want a red, red shirt. shirt. <laughs> Ryan asked me a question last night. He wants me to do an exchange with him on the fan movies mm-hmm. that have been okay. put out. And asked me on a scale of one to ten what my Trek geek rating was for classic Trek. And I told him that on a scale of one to ten, I was probably a nine to a nine and a half. I don't want. <laughs> I might be good for just like, what the heck is going on? I've traveled the country to meet the actors of that television wow. show. I mean, wow. <laughs> you talk about people going to conventions and this, that, and the other. I cut my teeth on Star Trek conventions, and so I am a classic fan. I mean, major, big time. Oof. I've probably forgotten more about Star Trek than most people know about Star Trek. (laughs) So. Yeah. Yeah. I have the movies. They're based on the classic series anyway. Mm -hmm. Well, we have Star Trek, the major flop, otherwise known as the motion picture which was a conglomeration of three different plot lines, one from the animated series and two from the series that they tried to start and failed to start in the late 70s. And so they took those plots and mashed them all together. And a couple of the episodes of Next Generation that came out in 85 were actually plots from the failed series from the late 70s, early 80s. Okay. Yeah, some of the plots. I'm not sure if I've ever watched that one. I've watched two, three, four. I don't know if I watched five or not. And Five heard- was The Search for God, and then six, seven, eight, and nine were combinations of Next Generation and Classic. Mm-hmm. And then okay. ten was Generations, which was all Next Gen, and then this is Star Trek Eleven. This is the eleventh mm-hmm. movie. Well, there you go. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't watched that, actually. Probably so, should so sometime. You should. So slowly but surely, Pufa has corrupted you. Made me interested in Star Trek. Yay! <laughs> now we Just, really have to put the new intro on this one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now that everybody's eyes have glazed over. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, people yep. in, in podcast land. <laughs> I didn't mean to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and get this. You know how last week. I don't know if y'all know this, but Brian went out and bought a Blu-ray and a big screen TV and a stereo like home theater network. He did? Really, cool. Kelly? Are you sure? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he actually went out and bought this last week after grilling me, you know. And yesterday he watched the Star Trek episodes through it and was like totally Ooh. geeked out. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So he talked to us on Monday. I mean, to the point that Robert and I were like glazed over and drooling in the corner and <laughs> Kelly and Ryan were just like, Robert's sending me Skype messages going, will they shut up anytime soon? <laughs> and then called the next night and I think Scott was with us. Yep. I was there for that one. And Robert had gone away and had come back and he Skyped me again. They're back. 
<laughs> oh no, save us all. Yeah. <laughs> Fanfic, the final frontier. These are the ramblings of the PFW peons. Their continuing mission, to explore strange new stories. To seek out new authors and unending tangents. To boldly review where no one has done before. Welcome to Peoncast. I'm Kelly. I'm Scott. I'm Sue. And this is Oliver's gal. And we are going to cover a fic called Sapia. Hi there, it's your friendly neighborhood Canadian editor here. I thought I'd introduce you all to a little conversation we had just before this point. And it's Sapia or Sepia? Oh. What did we decide? I don't know. We didn't really. <laughs> what did the like Sapia? Sapia. Okay. I suppose I could always check the Oxford Dictionary or something. Later on, I did, in fact, go and check the Oxford Dictionary, just because, and it turns out it is, in fact, pronounced sepia. At least in England, maybe the American dictionaries have it differently. Who knows? So, of course, we pronounce it wrong for the rest of this podcast. Not that it matters all that much. Just thought I'd put that in there. It is a rated R Ron Hermione fic. And it is posted on Checkmated, which is down right now, and on LiveJournal. So we are using the LiveJournal version of this fanfic. It was written for the Ron and Hermione Colorful Winter Quote Fic Challenge. And its characters are Hermione, Ron, Harry, Ginny, Rose, and Hugo. I thought this was a really very well-written fic, and it skips back and forth in time, mm-hmm. talking about the things that really happened during Harry's adventures at Hogwarts and afterwards. We all know how much Hermione loves books, and it upset her when she was reading news articles and things that were not true about the people that she grew up with and who she interacted with during all of the battles with Voldemort. And so that's what this story is about. It sort of begins, well, first it begins in the future because it keeps skipping back and forth between two general time periods. But the actual story part of it begins with Hermione reading a particularly bad article and the prophet and Ron bringing up something that's apparently been a recurring theme with them that really she should set the record straight somehow and write it herself. She doesn't think she can possibly do that because she's not a writer by any means, but Ron figures she's Hermione, she can do anything. So I like what he says. He says, you've read enough books in your life that you should have picked something up on how to write one. And I thought mm-hmm. that was really a good statement. <laughs> she's mad because she's looking at this article and she says to Ron, it's been more than 10 years, but they persist in writing that creature was with us the whole time. And they've spelled my name wrong. You'd think they'd be getting the facts straight after all this time. She's complaining because this is rubbish. So that's why he's saying, you write it. Mm -hmm. How we got through that year, you write it. And she says, no, I can't do this. I write reports, not stories. He says, no, 
you can do this. I like mm-hmm. how throughout this, it is interspersed, but a good portion of it, she keeps talking about how she knows that Ron's not joking, that there's no twinkle in his eye, he's not smiling, and he's being very serious, which can be kind of un like And so she starts to think it's a joke when he says it at first, and then she's kind of, I think, in a little bit of shock because he's being very serious about this, that she should write something about it. You know, who better to write it than one of those three? And obviously since she wrote their uh, essays in school, who better to write what happened than her? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we also need to remember that she's worried that people are going to remember it wrong. It always reminded me of my grandfather in this part because he wanted people to know what really happened to him mm-hmm. and not remember something that was incorrect. Yeah. This really happened here and this really happened there. And nobody's going to remember it correctly unless someone writes it down and someone publishes it because the news stories are going to get it wrong. They're going to extrapolate from different things. It's kind of like a game of telephone. Mm-hmm. If it's oral yeah. tradition, at some point, somebody's going to make a mistake and it will never get fixed and people will remember remember the wrong facts, like for the fact that they can't spell her name. <laughs> it's just, you yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> to your point, Kelly, I was listening to an old podcast for Coven of Echoes, or the second one of Melinda Leo's fix, and they were talking about, I guess, this one line that Harry said to Ron before he went off in the final battle about, I want you to remember me. Remember that I was stubborn and messy and, and things like that. And I think that that's all anyone could ask for, but I myself struggle with trying to remember my family's traditions being the youngest person in my family. And it kind of feels overwhelming that there's going to be a time when I'm the only one left. I have to remember all of these stupid anecdotes. Not that they're stupid, but just silly moments that had happened. And I can understand Ron's idea of writing it down. Yeah. And the thing that eventually convinces Hermione that she should start this is Rose comes home from school wondering what a mudblood was. Yeah. Because a kid at school pushed her down and told her her mom was a mudblood. She has no idea what that is. And Al said it. And she couldn't believe that Al Potter said this. And it was Mm -hmm. because he was saying that it was a bad thing to say. Right. Somebody else had called somebody it, and then he was responding to them. Well, We don't know who Simon is, but Simon told Rose her mom was a mudblood, and Al punched him and said, you shouldn't say mudblood. Right. the first thing that Rose says, of course, is that Al said it, not that Simon (laughs) said it. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Talk about somebody freaking out. Someone's kid's going to (laughs) get... And he got in trouble anyway, because Mm -hmm. the kid who said it was the one who got injured, and so Al got in trouble because he hit him. Right. Not because of what he said, but because he hit him. Yeah. But that's because the teacher didn't know that the kid had said the bad word. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting. And I like that Ron said that he wants her to write it so that she doesn't forget. Yeah. You know, she says, why do you want me to write this? And he says, actually, so you can forget. And she says, but I don't want to forget. How could I forget? And he's like, you need to write it down and kind of let go. Mm-hmm. There are parts of this that you remember too well. Yeah. yeah. And writing is, it's a great way of letting go of things like that. So it's probably a great idea. Here's the quote. And Ron is saying this. I reckon this is a good reason why you should write. People, children, know that frigging word because their sodding parents use it. We were kids. And blimey, after all we went through, we were still naive. That's a bloody miracle if you ask me. Remember how we thought everything would change? How we thought that people would finally understand how blood status is utter rubbish? 
Now our daughter is exposed to the same dung. You remember what happened, but you need to write about it so others, the ones who should, can remember it too. People forget too easily. Let them remember for you. You've done enough of that. So he's yeah. mad. I mean, he's not mad at her. He's no. angry because people aren't remembering everything that they went through so that people could walk the streets kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, The world hasn't changed the way it should have. No, it right. Has. And now she's trying to figure out, do I really want to do this? And I know I've wanted to do this at some point, but... I'm too young. Yeah. And and the uh, writing about it remains the best way to reestablish some facts. I thought that was a good... Let's make it right before it goes wrong. Mm -hmm. I often wonder, because many things in Harry Potter I've always attributed and related to the Holocaust and World War II, Mm -hmm. the similarities and just that not forgetting. And I wonder if there was that fear in those Holocaust survivors of, are people going to believe us that this actually happened and that we need to learn from this? And You see that now. People saying, well, that never happened. It didn't happen. It It did happen. It did. Yeah. (laughs) I've been there. I've been to Germany. I've seen the concentration. You know, that's like saying 9-11 didn't happen. Hello? What rock have you been under? I can understand that, though. I can understand doing all of this work and risking their lives and everything, and people just don't remember what happened. I mean, that's... Mm -hmm. Or they choose to remember it differently. Right. She said earlier, the journalists aren't writing what's true. They're supposed to be writing what's true, but they're making things up. They're talking about conversations that we know we never had, but supposedly were eavesdropped on. Right. You know, none of it's true. The facts aren't correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that's at first what she thinks she's going to be writing about. But it turns out it goes in a completely different direction. Mm -hmm. As with a lot of fic writers that I know, they have one thing in mind, but their characters have an entirely different thing in mind. and The characters sort of run the show. (laughs) That seems to be kind of what's happened here. Well, first, she says, I need to talk to Harry. Mm-hmm. I like this bit that Ron says, well, fine, talk to him. He'll say yes. Right. And actually, the first thing Harry says is no. Yeah. 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 The first <laughs> though, that's not quite what he's talking about. Yeah. Well, you know, it's. He doesn't want it published. He doesn't care if she writes it. He doesn't want it to be another book all about him. Right. Mm-hmm. He wants but it to be about them. But it won't be all about him. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. It won't be all about him. He will be obviously a main character in it. But he's not the main character in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sort of has well, a different perspective from her. She doesn't believe she could ever possibly forget, and he doesn't really care that it's being represented wrong. He just wants to let everything go. Harry's viewpoint is the opposite side of this. Harry doesn't want to remember. He wants to live a normal life. He wants to go on in his little universe the way that he wants it. But the thing is, his little universe wouldn't exist without everything that happened before. Right. Yeah, and I don't think he realizes that. Well, he's not worrying about the record and things like that. He's just wrapped up in his family at this point. Yeah, well, which I can understand. By the way, the dates on here, this one says winter of 2014, which would have been 17 years after. So James is either at Hogwarts this year or he's going to Hogwarts the next year. I like that she called it her winter project. You know, she wrapped herself in her shawl that she got when she was pregnant and everything and almost nested to do it. And then and realized as she started to write that time had already started softening up and that the details had begun to fade and that things were blurry and it just frustrated her because she was sure she was remembering everything that she would never forget and she's already starting to. Well, it's been, you know, 17 years. 17 years, yeah. That's a lifetime, you know. The whole generation has gone by since everything happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And they were kids. Yeah. You know, things really change once you're an adult. She 
she's been married to Ron for a number of years, and they have their two kids, and I like their kids, by the way. <laughs> yeah. They don't show up all that often, but there's little moments with them. Mm-hmm. Right at the very beginning, there was a thing where they seem to be doing something. We don't know what, but she just calls through the wall at them to put it down and get ready for breakfast, and they're like, how does, How does she just know? <laughs> She's a mom. <laughs> yeah. She has eyes in the back of her head, and she's magic. And it goes through walls, right? <laughs> that, uh, Hugo has dressed himself entirely in green. Apparently today he is a tree. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's a <laughs> Very ferocious tree. Yes. Uh, Rose is not having with any of that. She's just herself. <laughs> But all dressed in red, eye-popping red, if I remember correctly. And I like Hermione thinking to herself, this may be hard on the eyes, but at least I know that I've raised children that are outgoing and going to do what they want to do, and it's a good thing. Harder to lose them in a crowd, too. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Take them on the field trip. But anyway, she's gotten Harry to say he doesn't mind if she writes it. He just doesn't really want to see it published that much. Mm Mm-hmm. He wants to make sure it's not all about him. Right. And she's fine with that. The story is set up so that you have, and on live journal you'll see it. Obviously, if you're reading it, you can't hear italics. But the story goes back and forth between her interactions with people and dialogue and then what she's doing. The first one was the nesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, that was one winter. And then we go on to the next one. And she's writing this over many years. But the interaction always goes back to 2014 because Mm -hmm. that's the beginning of the process. Mm -hmm. So the juxtaposition of the timeline is really interesting to me. Yeah, Yeah, it works quite well. There's some really well-written phrases in this whole thing. Yeah, There are some bits that are a little bit odd. There's places where you think she should have deleted a word here or there, or she started to phrase it one way and then switched to a different way, and there's remnants. Mm -hmm. And it turns out, actually, that English isn't her native language. But reading the story, you could hardly tell. No, you Mm -hmm. couldn't tell. I like this one line when she's writing about the year 1997 to 1998, and she's like, During the year we were on the run, mornings succeeded one another, faceless and anonymous. Each day felt like the day before, and the promise of an eventual tomorrow did not entice us as much as I thought it would. And as irrational as the thought was, I feared that the winter would never end. And that's got to just be how it was. I mean, reading the story, just going, oh, they're going camping again, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it seems like it would never end. And to them, (laughs) it really didn't feel like it would ever end. They were the ones living it. And to, you know, have no food and to be on the run and to be always in danger. And Yeah, I just, I really liked that line. It Mm. really kind of showed where they were at. Yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out, Sue. I was being very mic in reviewing for this, and I skipped the ad talent. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here, and I'm blushing. <laughs> Leave that in. <laughs> At least you got all the sort of story parts, but you don't get the future perspective stuff. No, and then I realized what it meant. I was like, oh, yeah, that is what this is about. But, hey, give me credit. I read this file. I did contact her and say, are you planning on podcasting? And she said, no, I haven't read. And I said, okay, no problem. And she said, what are we reading? And I happened to have the link because I just put it up. And she's like, oh, I've read this. Okay, beat me up, Sue. Here you go. <laughs> and of Sorry. Course, I was like, um, does that mean you want a podcast? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just a little slow tonight. 
back to the italics because that's what got us way off track. <laughs> oh, Mike's fault. Okay, way off course. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I have no you. idea where that's from, but there you go. <laughs> no, no, but I've got it in my little thing of, of uh, sound bites. Sound bites. We're way on course. Um, okay, so the italics that we're up to is about the year ninety-seven, ninety-eight. She wrote. She yeah, wrote ninety-seven, ninety-eight. And then we have another one. She's sitting down and she's starting to write this. She's surrounded by pictures. I like their various bits of wizard technology that they stick in. She has a globe of amber that hovers over her desk and glows so that she has light to write by. Mm-hmm. It reminded I don't know me- if it's actually made of amber or if it's just supposed to be that color, but it's kind of neat. It reminded me of the bluebell flames in the jar. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a Hermione sort of thing. Uh-huh. And yeah. so... She started to write this, and Ron's away on business, and she's just struggling. All it gets me is, how old is Crookshanks at this point? (laughs) I know, I was thinking that too. I was like, wow, that's a long-living cat. (laughs) Well, Kniezels, they might live longer. I had a cat live to 21, so, I mean, if you take really good care of him. But, yeah, at the very beginning of this is that Hugo comes up from underneath the table with the cat, and they're like, now be careful with him. He's old and crotchety. (laughs) (laughs) He's got to be. Well, he was that way before he was old. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, because, gosh, Kirkshanks would be at least 21, 22. Yeah. She got him when she was 13. Yeah, third year. I guess she might have been 14, but, well, no, it was before. Yeah. She was 13. Now she's 34, so. And he's at least 21. And he, and he was full grown. Yeah. Or, or so. Yeah. yeah, somewhere in there. But we can imagine that being a Kniesel cross gives him extended lifespan. Yeah. Of some sort. Something. Maybe they live to 35 or so. Something. I don't know. Wow. She's trying to figure out where to start. Ron's sage advice is start with the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so she's Begin looking at the beginning. Go on until you come to the end and then stop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> but she can't quite figure out how that works. There isn't really a beginning, no, for isn't. one thing. Well, so. and I think it's funny that she's got, you know, blank page syndrome going on here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hermione, of all people, who, you know, five scrolls of parchment for every assignment. Mm-hmm. But essays are different, though, because they give you a framework. They give you questions you're supposed to answer, and you can go in and find those and put them down. But she thought what she was going to write was all the facts of the last two or three years of the war and set everything straight, but she can't seem to get that started. Right. So mm-hmm. she decides to go about it a different way and actually write basically a memoir, Yes. what it was like for her experiencing those particular years. Which is what she needs to do, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is supposed to be a catharsis for her as well. Right. That's what Ron's idea was. I liked the thing in the italics, which is right after this. It starts out, her loyalty, while never faltering, was opinionated. Remember I said that this jumps back and forth in time. So she wrote this in January of 17, and she disagrees with the assumption that it has been widely written that the Battle of Hogwarts was predestined before Harry's birth. Consequently, Harry had no choice but to accomplish his destiny. And she disagrees with that, and she states why. And I thought this was very interesting to see. This is how, I mean, it's almost a philosophical thing. Fate does not mean anything unless one decides to give it some sense. Mm-hmm. So I thought this was a really 
well thought out. Mm-hmm. Even if Harry was the only one destined to be able to stop Voldemort, right. if he decided not to, then, then that's Voldemort that. would still be around. That's right. And the world would be a much different place. Or, on the converse, if Voldemort decided all those years ago to not go after Neville and Harry, completely different mm-hmm. outcome. Or, if Harry had ended up being sorted into Slytherin, he could have become another Voldemort. Right. Yeah. I really liked the way that this part was written. Yeah, but then he would not be himself. He would have been another boy, another man. Right. He would have been another Harry Potter. That's very true. It comes down to the choices we make. Now we go back to the regular text, and now we've skipped ahead two years. Now it's winter 2016. Right. Mm -hmm. And And she's having another dry spell. Right. She can't seem to go any further. And Ron is reading through what she's done and being annoying and rearranging all her pages. I like Hurricane Ron. (laughs) (laughs) She looks at the floor and he's like surrounded, comfortably leaning back against all the pillows. You know, just she's like, what have you done? (laughs) And he's noticed that she won't write the word Horcrux. Right. And going around it. I don't want somebody to know what it is. Right. And she makes a good point there because they had a heck of a time finding out what a Horcrux was when they were looking for it. And she doesn't want somebody else to know how to do it, even to know about it. I, I don't blame her for that at all. Mm-hmm. I don't blame her for it, but I think that it perpetuates the taboo of of what it is, the unknown and what it is. And let's try it because no one knows what it is. And I'm going to be the first to, you know, and if you talk about it and you explain why it's evil, it's kind of like the directions on how to build a bomb. Mm-hmm. If you make it secret, people are still going to figure it out. Yeah, That's true. And if you figure it out the wrong way, people are going to die because they're trying to figure out how to build a bomb. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a big secret. You know, it's kind of like, we don't want anybody to know how to make a nuclear bomb, okay? But we all know how to make a nuclear bomb. You take uranium, mm-hmm. you put shaped explosives around it, and that's the bomb. It's not giving us the details on how to do it, but we know what the basic function is. We know what the basic model is, and we know that it's bad. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. you know? But Physics I, and science are universal. You can't take away something that's been proven. Right. And the you same know, thing so. with the Horcruxes. I think that if she talks about them, she's not responsible for what people are going to be reading. Besides, it's not going to be published anyway. Harry doesn't mm-hmm. want it published. She's right. writing this for her. And she says, it makes sense to me. What I wrote makes sense. She says, it does make sense. Mm-hmm. But isn't it all about how we were trying to help Harry? What the Horcruxes were? That's what the whole thing was. It was a hunt for these evil possessed items. Mm-hmm. You know, and if she doesn't talk about that, then she might as well be talking about why the sky is blue and why the grass is green. Yeah. But she's like- run into a thing where she feels like she has to keep working on it. Yeah. It's not something she's doing voluntarily anymore. Mm-hmm. He's sort of bewildered by this, and that's not the point of it at all. No. And- right. She says, I hate writing. I hate it. If it could just be a document about what happened, I could do it. But this isn't the same at all. And then it kind of goes back to what I said earlier about the characters not going where the author wants them. And she says, it needs something else for me. So the story is taken on a life of its own, and it's going in the direction that it, it wants, wants to, to take, go in. Right. Yeah. It's the truth, but it's not the truth I expected I'd be writing about. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Our next bit from the introduction, which is what all these sections of italics are, is an introduction to the book written many years later. 
is sort of a description of Hermione herself and how she comes across differently in this than she does in most of the other records of what she was like. Mm-hmm. Well, this little piece here is about being tortured by Bellatrix. Yeah, it's about facing your own death. Right. Mm-hmm. And she was angry. She was angry at them because they were trying to kill her. Because of all the little bits and pieces that made up Hermione Granger, they were trying to erase that. And it wasn't so much that she was angry at them because they were trying to kill her, but she was angry at them because they were trying to kill who she was. Right. Yeah. And she was angry at herself for not taking the opportunities that she should have taken. Right. Mm -hmm. Because when you're confronted with thinking you're going to die, there's all the things that you wish you would have done Mm -hmm. and you haven't. Right. It's like when people are given 10 months to live and go out and do a whole bunch of things that they always wanted to do. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought this was interesting. It was a very powerful section. Yeah, it it is a very powerful section. Coming back from that, we've moved on to 2020, and this is Harry finally getting a look at it. It sounds as though it's pretty much done at this point. Six Mm -hmm. years. Oh, I'd like to point one little thing out. The Amber Globe is back. I like how it kind of floats through the story, radiating its soft light. It's the color. Yeah. Making everything sepia. That's right. That's it. And we did mention at the very beginning that she loves to write, but the only color that she uses is black. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The ink isn't the thing for her. It's the parchment that's important. Mm -hmm. So Harry has read this, and And he doesn't know what to say. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So this was March of 2020. Harry took the manuscript and read it, and he has brought it back to her on Ron's birthday. He keeps saying, I don't know what to say. Yeah, I don't know what to say. And she's interpreting that as he doesn't like it or there's something wrong, Mm -hmm. which isn't quite what he means. And Ginny says, reading your thoughts transported me back, back when I hoped with all my heart I could be one of yours. You made me cry, Hermione. I felt so much for you. Mm -hmm. And then Ron is like, you know, Harry, say something. She's writing it as she saw it. He says, it's brilliant. Right. And then Harry says, I know it is. And again, he says, I don't know what to say. Seeing this through your eyes, seeing myself and Ron and he cleared his throat, your thoughts, it's, I just don't know what to say. Yeah. She's being very defensive. She thinks that he's mm-hmm. thinking it's not good. And he's just overwhelmed. Yeah. I did want to reiterate, I think it was Sue's point earlier, just about how different viewpoints can resonate differently on the same event. You know, the entire canon is based off of Harry's viewpoint, but it's almost like Hermione has created her own canon from her own viewpoint. And Harry's finally walking in someone else's shoes from a time that he really doesn't want to remember, I'm sure. And I think that... Hermione Granger and the year on the run. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, it is. He's seeing things in a completely different light because he's looking at what she saw of them. And he's never thought of what they did or of himself or most of the things quite that way before. Yeah, he's just amazed, really. This isn't a bad overwhelmed. This is a, oh, my God, this is totally different overwhelmed. Mm Mm-hmm. And one thing he brings up is she'd never said to him what it felt like being tortured at Malfoy Manor. And she says, well, I don't necessarily have to tell you everything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, yeah, I knew that. But still, it's shocking for him to see that. And then it's interesting. She says, you mentioned Ginny and me, but not you two. I'd expected you to do exhaustive research on that subject. (laughs) And she says, well, Ron and I falling in love had nothing to do with our friendship story. It's private. He's like, oh, no, it's private. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love it. Yeah. Where are your quills? I'll make this private. And so he wrote a piece in here that I thought it was interesting. Scott had mentioned that the italic sections are a forward. And this was this is where that sort of yeah. comes to light a little more. And it says in the italics, she's kept surprisingly silent on her love life. We understand now the tumultuous rapport she shared with Ron Weasley, but she has not written much on how their love grew. This is why it was unexpected to discover the enigmatic sum of it hastily written by Harry Potter, the boy who lived, an addendum only recently recovered from Professor Weasley's notes. Mm-hmm. One, yeah. Professor Weasley, who? Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's this little piece that's written by Harry, and it talks about Ron and Hermione. And one of the lines is, during many of those years as we three were inseparable, Ron Weasley was in love with Hermione Granger, and Hermione Granger was in love with Ron Weasley. It's the simplest way to write it, but it was much more complicated than it seems. They know it was. I know it is. And signed H. Potter. So then we go back to... Winter of 2020. And he's and she's reading his- this bit. <laughs> yes. <he> just- <laughs> yeah. She wants to know if they should just burn it. Yeah. <laughs> and Ron and Harry are, what? Oh, we're fine. Oh. You spent six years, six years signing this. You're not going to burn it. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, and this has nothing to do with the fic, but the I speak it, they look at her mouths agape, and this I speak it reads it agape. And I'm like, <laughs> What? Love? Uh-huh. What? <laughs> the mouth's agape. <laughs> that reminds me of um, escape. <laughs> that stuff just like escape. I love Dora from Finding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, I'm sorry that that threw me out a couple of times. Mm-hmm. We're way on course. Yes, they're not going to let her burn it. They won't let her burn it. But she's not ready to write anything else. She can't picture adding things to it at the moment. So we have this little section here, and then we skip to the italics again. Right. And this is the part that got me. Right. So somebody else will need to talk about it. (laughs) This is many years later, and it's basically... This is where we realize what all this italics has been. Right. This is the introduction or foreword from the 2156 edition that's finally been published of this that she's just been writing. Mm-hmm. They titled it Pictures of Dark Years, and all these italic bits have been written by her publisher, J.L. Crivey. It doesn't tell you if they're any relation to the Creevies, but you know. Mm-hmm. And apparently it wasn't intended to be published originally, but then Hugo, who is the Professor Weasley that was referred to earlier, decided to have it published. In 2097. Was, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, no, wait. I no, that's a different I book. Read it. That was a different book. That is a different book. Yeah. 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 That's a book that he wrote about it. Apparently, he is Professor Emeritus Hugo Weasley, Order of Merlin, Second Class, which is interesting. We'd kind of like to hear about how that. Yeah. Uh, and it was published because certain people had published bits and pieces of it before, but had taken parts out and yeah, did changed you, did around. You, did you see who the publishers were? The Parkinson, Parkinson and Turpin Publishers. Yeah. Parkinson and Turpin Publishers. <laughs> yeah, I guess Hugo had been spending a lot of time just keeping this manuscript private, and these publishers went to the Wisengamot and got the right to publish it, and then he had to go back to court because they published it wrong. That's because right. it's the powerful families mm-hmm. who had intervened because it was the Malfoys yeah, and the Parkinsons. For being tortured yeah. on Lucius Malfoy's hearthrug. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, that never happened. Uh-huh. Of course not. The Malfoys would never do a thing like that. Right. 
And so they've restored the manuscript with her priceless notes and exceptional help of his son, Arthur Weasley. With professors, yeah, that would Hugo's, be Hugo's mm-hmm. son, Arthur. Right. Yeah. And if you'll notice, it says the Malfoy name has been reintroduced into the manuscript following the ruling in favor of Professor Weasley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's they proudly present you. Third edition. The third and uncensored Censored. edition wow. of yeah. her memoir. Apparently, she started it at 34. Hugo has told them that most of it was actually written much later mm-hmm. because she had these bits where she couldn't write anything. They call it vibrant and powerful testimony that immortalized the strength and depth of a life-enduring friendship that was born between three young wizards in one of the darkest moments of our history. Yeah. And it's signed J.L. Crivey, publisher of London, 2156. And it's a note from the publisher in Pictures of Dark Years, third edition, Crivey Publishers, P. That's page nine. Page nine. Of the introduction. Yeah. I mean, just. <laughs> yeah. That's I know. I, I remember reading this when I reread it for the podcast and definitely blows you away. Like, I look at those dates. And I'm like, I'm not going to be alive. And just. Well, yeah. Maybe. Just, and then reading that whole line about the Malfoys and the powerful family. If she had just published this on her own. Who would dispute her own words? And maybe this whole perpetuating thing of powerful families in the wizarding world might have changed things. I look at it also like this. This is perpetuated to be 150 years from now. Mm -hmm. What books do we have now that we still read of histories that happened 150 years ago? We read about personal accounts of the American Civil War. Mm-hmm. We read of personal accounts of settling California and of the Oregon Trail and the people who fought their way across North America to settle in the Midwest. And it amazes me. It's just, you know, wow. <laughs> yeah. It makes you think, who's going to write about us? And it, this is something that has fascinated me on a completely unrelated note, but still related is, I remember reading an article somewhere about how soldiers during World War II wrote letters, you know, and those letters were kept. And we have such a disposable society now. How are future generations going to learn about the minutia of everyday life from us? You know, email. From email? <laughs> Even so, people don't often do diary things as much in the yeah. email. Right. Sam Samuel Pepys wrote a diary in the 1600s, and that's one of the biggest sources people now have of what things were like in the mid-1600s, Yeah, because a lot of stuff was destroyed in the Fire of London and things like that, and it was actually a diary, and there was things like, oh, today I got up and went to the bookshop and did some work in the Navy Yards and came back, talked to the wife, went to bed, and it's not all things that you would necessarily think are all that interesting, but there are bits in there that just convey to you what life was like. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, like I had the example of the Civil War letters. Dear Jane, today we fought against the Confederate troops at a field called Antietam. That's mm-hmm. huge. But you're looking at it from the viewpoint of somebody who hid behind a tree and clutched a gun in their hands. It's not the whole thing. This is what the battle was like. This is what this individual went through. Right. And those are precious And to have somebody take that and adapt it and to remove names and to censor it is just appalling. Yeah, to make themselves look better. Yes. It's rewriting history. The winners rewrite history. Mm -hmm. This isn't the winner that's rewriting the history. This is somebody with money who doesn't want their name sullied. So I really enjoyed this fic. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little details like having that citation note at the very end just make it seem very real. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, okay, you're reading a story. It's like you're looking at this as this really happened. Right. 
And it's just really a neat piece of work. It's very well put together, and there were some really powerful passages. And the bits that we get from the actual memoir sound like Hermione could have written them. Mm-hmm. I liked a little bit from Harry, too. Oh, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. recommended. I recommend that you read this. We'll have the link in the and notes we'll somewhere. They will be on there. Um, it is on Live Journal again. The author's name is Red Sioda. Red Sioda? Yeah, something like that. It will be in the link. Yeah. Or again, it is available on Checkmated, assuming that is back up by the time you listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be months from now. And it's gonna be up. <laughs> but yeah, the links to all of Peoncast are in the Peoncast room that nobody visits. Uh oh. <laughs> I just got an image of somebody with their arms crossed, clutching a ruler, tapping it against their shoulder. <laughs> Go. Why is that? Go make notes in my peon gas room. So, um, but, you know, I, I put up the one for the last one the other night. I was like, I don't know why I do this. Nobody ever responds. Gosh. <laughs> Hi, this is Sue. This was recorded many months ago. You guys have been responding. Thank you very much. Go read the story. It's it's very good. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. So Yeah. You wouldn't necessarily think that having such widely separated time periods and continually going back and forth between them like this would work. But somehow it really does. I guess because most of the bits from the foreword that they choose to put in affect or are affected by the pieces around them. I think that overall, it's a very thought-provoking piece. When you really sit down and read it, it is a good, just simple read. There's points that we glossed over for those fluff lovers that it talks about Ron and Hermione's relationship in that present time, in the non-italic section, that do kind of set it towards almost a racy side. That So if you're looking for that, it's there. And if you're looking to analyze modern society and history and everything in comparison to this, to see how this relates to everything, it's there. So I think that this is a really well-rounded piece. And reread it again, because on second reading tonight, I definitely found more that there is a love about this piece. Definitely give it a shot, and I really like it. Definitely kudos to the author and the betas, because English isn't her first language, but it's very few places that I found first reading this today that I noticed something was off. And having found that out afterward, it explains it. But reading through it again as we were podcasting, I have no idea where those places were, so they're definitely not distracting or anything. They won't throw you out of the story. She did a very good job. Sue? I really liked it. I've now read it several times because of the podcast. And like other people have said, it's very thought-provoking, really well-written. I liked the interaction at the very beginning with them and the children, which we really didn't talk about. And then just kind of, you know, getting her side of the story. It was really neat to kind of get it from a different perspective. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. Have a good week. Good night. Good night, everyone. But first, we have a little something more for you. Hi there, Scott from the future again, at least relative to this podcast. Relative to you listening to it, I'm either from the present or back into the past if you're not listening on the first day. Something we're trying to do a little more often, if we can, is get in contact with the authors and allow them a chance to respond to our reviews of their fiction. In this case, we did manage to contact Red Ciota, or Sayota, I'm not sure how she pronounces it herself, and sent her an advanced copy of most of the episode you just heard. Because English isn't her first language, she opted to write out a reply and have one of us read it. Here's what she has to say. Dear cast of Potterfic Weekly, thank you very much for your kind review of Sepia. 
I was both thrilled and terrified when Sue contacted me through LiveJournal. Sue herself was very sweet about it, but the idea of listening to people reacting to a story I wrote was quite intimidating. The color sepia is about people we would like to have known and will never meet. The wizards that will come after Hermione Granger, after Ron Weasley, after Harry Potter, will only know about them through the facts and documents history will have preserved. They will have a general idea of what it was to be young during these times through testimonies. The Wizarding World has no media equivalent to Twitter, but we get the strength of oral tradition through J.K.R.'s canon. Evocations of the first battle against Voldemort are grim and dark, shrouded by anger, powerlessness, and underlying guilt. I can only imagine what comes with the second war, when this society has to rebuild itself again and create new stories and tales about what happened, including justification and revisionism. Humanity doesn't learn quickly and wizards, being humans, do follow the pattern. Hermione appears to me through the books as the potential keeper of memory. She is the lover of facts and knowledge. She remembers details. She makes links between events. I couldn't imagine anything more painful to her than for her story to be deformed and transformed. In this context, Hermione's aim to set things right backfires. It's the reality of time and of growing up. Throughout the series, she advocates changes and cannot tolerate that others are passive towards injustice. We understand through J.K.R.'s notes about these characters post-series that Hermione will make a career of it. But when she decides to bring herself into her writing instead of the facts, she makes a choice. While writing is empowering, it's also a way to surrender control to the readers. I think Hermione, with wisdom and experience, might be able to live with that. There is an allusion to her son's fight to have her manuscript back, and I hope one day to finish that follow-up story. I hope readers will enjoy Sepia. Thank you again for your thoughts and review. It was an honor. Red Sierra. P.S. As for Crookshank's age, I could imagine this Kniesel willing himself to live to be a hundred years old, just to irritate Ron. Thank you very much, Red. I'm glad you took the time to send that in, and that you enjoyed our coverage. And I hope the rest of you did, too. And with that, we really will wrap up the podcast. 